Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid up a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Psalm 119 verses 105 through 112. Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast, where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's word through wrestling with scripture and renewing our minds. What's up, everyone? I'm David, and today I am writing solo on the podcast. I'm testing out doing some short form sessions to complement our long form conversations that Mike and I have been doing on a bi-weekly basis. This whole podcast thing has been quite the experience. It's been a minute since we posted, but simply because I have no clue what I'm doing and learning as I go along. We recorded two podcasts and the audio on both were ruined, either due to too much gain or something else that caused our voices to sound very robotic and with a lot of static. But we're committed to growing the Kingdom Misfits podcast and we'll push forward. But man... That was a good podcast and we lost out. But you know what? Lesson learned. So today I wanted to talk about Psalm 119 verse 105 where it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And how this verse has been stirring something up in me lately. In Psalm 119, the word precept is used and by definition, a precept is a guiding principle or rule that is used to control, influence, or regulate conduct. Like the Ten Commandments. The word precepts is used 21 times in Psalm 119, and when recording it, the author alternates between words like statutes, commandments, laws, testimonies, that are more or less equivalent terms for those guiding principles. And the reason Psalm 119 verse 105 has been resonating with me is because this year, I have made it a point to really start diving in and learning God's word all over again. I've been in the faith since I was 25, and like most... When I accepted Jesus, I was hungry and wanted to learn everything I could about the gospel. I was constantly listening to sermons on TV, the radio, taking classes, and even started studying in college to absorb and learn as much as I can. Then life and drama happened, and like most believers, we go through these cycles where we get hot and cold and lukewarm in between. I fell away from the faith and out of love with the word of God and remained in this lukewarm state for a long time, just playing maintenance and jumping in and out of church in small groups. Last year, I started attending a small group based on the daily audio Bible with some friends and just started rekindling my faith as I started to get connected with the community of brothers and sisters during the pandemic. This is where things started changing. And I started to feel that love for the word came back alive in me. It just rekindled. So have you ever gone through it? Where at one point in your walk, you were on fire and just studied the word of God and then fell away and no longer felt that connection to God or his word? I mean, I was at the point where I forgot all the addresses in the Bible, the people and the books I had once known and was extremely frustrated that I basically forgot everything that I used to know. And just like our life experiences, our spiritual life is filled with those ups and downs, especially when you're living in a lukewarm state. This got me thinking that consistency is key. 
And when we stay in God's word, it becomes a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The Bible, or Greek word biblos, which means book, but I prefer to reference it to as the basic instructions before leaving earth. Shout out to the Jizz and Killer Priest. I love that song. But it's much more than God's basic instructions before leaving earth. As we have talked about in previous episodes, Psalm 119 verse 11 through 16 states, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. There's this reverence for God's commandments and meditating on them fills your cup and changes you from the inside out. But ain't that just it? For most of us, it is the things that's inside of us. On the outside, we look okay, but on the inside and on certain days more so than others, we're a mess trying to keep it together. And I'm willing to bet that because you are a Jesus follower, this adds an additional weight on you because you're a person of faith. How can you be dealing with shame, guilt, anger, jealousy, you name it? I know I have felt this guilt more times than I can count, and this feeling is magnified when I am not staying in the word and doing it daily or consistently. Yes, based on Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches of his grace. Just like anything in life, what you feed grows and what you neglect dies. And if you fail to guard your heart, things are going to get messy. It doesn't make you less of a Christian, it makes you human. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. This for me is about committing to reconnect with God's precepts and refilling my cup that I can continue to honor God in my ways when and while I am still trying to figure things out. If you're a Christian, you know what this looks like. That constant struggle to honor God while living in the world. This is about engaging in everyday life where you're dealing with all of the pressure of trying to provide for your family, navigating work life, social and political drama, in addition to being in a pandemic. If you as a believer do not anchor yourself to God's word, it is almost certain you will be swept away with the tide. And that is why this scripture, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, is resonating with me and hitting me on a whole nother level. When I'm keeping up with the daily audio Bible, listening to sermons and feeding myself, or what some would call putting on the armor of God, it's like I powered up for the day, like taking your supplements and working out. Your spiritual immune system is in full effect and you can go about and take care of your business for the day, withstanding the pressures of living in the world. And when those difficult decisions present themselves to you, feel confident that his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Well, that's what I wanted to leave you with for today's episode. A little something to encourage you if you've been straying off or just been lukewarm. I want you to rediscover the basic instructions before leaving earth in a new light. 
We look forward to you joining us on next week's podcast. So stay blessed and have a good day. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who set him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Luke 15, 11 through 19. All right, everybody, welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast. I'm David. I'm Mike Trujillo. And this is where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of Scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's Word through wrestling with the Scripture and renewing our minds. Well, what's up, Mike? How you doing, bro? Doing good. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Um... How's everything been working in terms of work? Everything going fine? Yeah, everything's just, you know, nothing to complain about, especially in these times, you know. I'm getting my 40, so. There you go, making it happen, feeding the family. That's right. All right, so in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the story of the prodigal son, and that's a popular story. And we're going to be looking at some of the lessons we can extract from the text and look into ways where we could take these lessons and apply them to our lives. We've broken this podcast up into two parts. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the young son, and in the second part, we're going to be talking about the father, the older brother, and then we're going to talk about what we learned from God, or God was speaking to us through this parable. Just say this, Mike, you know, when I was doing some homework on this and looking into it, if we look at the beginning of chapter 15, of Luke chapter 15, we see that the story of the prodigal son is the third of three parables in Luke 15, and it's aimed at an audience of tax collectors, sinners, religious leaders, and teachers of the law. The topic of these parables is on the lost things being found. We got the story of the lost sheep, um, a lost coin, and then the lost son. So the main theme that we see in Luke 15 is that of heaven rejoicing when a sinner repents and is found. Yeah, and I think it's uh, such a great story, this whole uh, I mean, you could speak for hours on on this parable, and there's so much meat uh, on this bone. And I mean, you could take you could look at it from all three perspectives. You know, you could there's a lot, and so I'm very excited to to get into this this parable. And I just love the way how Jesus sets it up. I love the the whole outline uh, and and who he was talking to. You know, so I, I it's it's a great story. I agree. And, and before we dive in, let's not miss the importance of what you just said, too. The, the importance that Jesus, in, well, when it says in Luke 15, it says Jesus was hanging out with people that are considered sinners, right? Mm -hmm. the, the religious leaders were, are judging Jesus, saying that 
This man receives sinners and eats with them. And how often are we as uh, believers, you know, when, when you're hanging around with folks who are in the world or non-believers, you know, you, you can feel that judgment. Or, you know, you got that friend, right? Yeah. We all have that friend. Yeah. And it's okay. But it's crazy how Jesus kind of, you know, he was a misfit in the term that he kind of bucked the trends there, yeah. right? When they're following him, like, who are you? Look at you. You're eating with those sinners. You must be unclean. You must be wrong. And he's like, I came for the sick. I came for these guys that they may be saved. Right. Yeah. And it's, man, I, I, I'll have to be honest, too, because I, I catch myself every now and then, you know, being that that Pharisee or being that person is like, oh, you're, you're looking at people and you're just like, why are they this way? You know, you start looking at them and judging them. Man, I, I catch myself like that. I got to check myself every now and then because I do. You know, I get like that. I think we all do at some point. Oh, you yeah. know, we look at uh, certain things in certain situations where we see people that are in the same walk as us, but then they start veering off. And instead of reaching out with love, you start reaching out with uh, when you start judging stupid things, you know. And, and I, I have to check myself on that a lot. Yeah, I agree. I do, too. And, and you know, we often think like, hey, we're part of the church. And, and it's like the church is made for sinners, but yet... We look at sinners in a different light because they're not part of this group. And I, I just want to challenge that. Right. You know, like, but there's also two sides to that coin. Because this one thing is, can you hang around with folks who people would call sinners and not be influenced by them? Because I think you're supposed to be the positive influence and not the other way around. Yeah. And if you find that you're uh, being influenced by them, then you may want to reconsider and, and start drawing back if it's starting to impact your your faith, your family, your work, all those areas of life, then you need to reevaluate who you're hanging around with. Yeah, or reevaluate who, who you are in Christ, you know, because you, you don't take a candle in a dark room and the candle doesn't turn dark. It's right. supposed to bright up, uh, brighten up the room. And, you know, for me, I, I could relate, I could give an example of, you know, being around people that drink or being in, uh, you know, family gatherings or, uh, you know, company barbecues or people, you know, are drinking or whatever. And, you know, everybody knows my story, where I come from, you know, and I don't struggle with that anymore. Uh, but you won't ever see me be influenced by them because I took a stand against that in my own heart and who I am as a, as a man. I will never go down that road. So for me to be around people that, that are having a few drinks and stuff like that doesn't influence me. Yeah, and I think that's important and a sign of spiritual maturity. And with that being said, let's go ahead and start looking into the prodigal son. So we're going to start off with the first half of the prodigal son parable. And I really wanted to take a look at where it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And I want to pause there, because I think we need to understand some cultural context here. And I started doing some research and, and found that the Jewish culture, that in the Jewish culture, there were these laws regarding how in inheritances were divided, where if there were two sons, like in this parable, um, the older brother would get a double portion and the younger would get a single portion of the state. And they both would take on the father's responsibilities and basically tending to the family, the property, and the business. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it's a total different culture in the way that we see that in American culture. And, and they set it up to where the older brother, usually the son, mm -hmm. would get uh, two-thirds, whereas the younger son, if there's two, would get a third of that. 
Yeah, I would have to think about like you know put yourself in that position and you, at those times you know you had to work. It would be like on a farm, you know, like what we can relate to, you know, working on a farm. And usually the older son is gonna have, uh, the more, more responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to think about everything that the father knows. He's gonna hand it down to his firstborn son. And so in that translation, I'm sure there's a few things that are uh, not translated over, but what the son has is almost everything that the father had as far as knowledge of running the, the estate or the farm, whatever you want to say it. And then his job as the older brother is to teach his younger brother, right, as they're working the estate or the farm, uh, plowing through it. So I think the brother, the older bro- brother is going to have more responsibility and consequences. Agreed. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, you would see them, they get more. Yeah. And also we see that the son saying, give me my portion of this inheritance and let me cash in on what would be mine. You know, the father's not even dead yet. And the son's like, you know what? I want to get out there. I want to experience the world. Let me give me give me my portion of the inheritance inheritance that would be due to me. Yeah. And, and uh, when you think about it, you like that didn't just pop into his head. Right. No, so he was thinking about who, it. Who was he hanging around or what, what did he see? What gave him the idea to, to even cross that line? You know, like, that's what I, I think about. Like, all right, you're the younger son. You, you, uh, you, you look up to your older brother, right? And your older brother looks up to your father. And, and you guys have this bond and uh, whatever the dad does, the, the sons do and vice versa, right? You think of uh, how families are. But I wonder, like, maybe something you know, came in and influenced him to to think that way. Yeah. When I'm looking at this, I think in terms of, okay, look at in our day and age, right? What if you, what if the son spent all the time working, um, didn't get, you know, going to school? I'm putting that in a modern context. You're going to school, you're doing everything right, but yet you see the crowd over there at school. Maybe it's the cool kids, or maybe it's, um, you see that there's more to life and you want to go explore that. Yeah. And you're over here just doing, you know, you're, you're handling your business, you're doing your duties as assigned, as assigned. And then you're like, you know what, I want to explore the world or I want to go out there and check that out. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, just kind of when we're reading this, it looks like he's like, hey, I want to go party. Give me my let me give me my money and let me go do my thing. Let me go live the way that I want to live. Yeah. And then, the, you know, it gives him the money. And then we see that uh, we see that once the son gets the money, he takes off goes out and lives it up, squandering the money in reckless living. So here you go. He goes full-on rebellion, and and he's spending his money. It says that he spends his money. Um, it looks like he's also messing with harlots. So he's just going out there and living it up, Yeah. just squandering everything away. So I was thinking, well... What 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 can what kind of lessons can we extract from that alone? Uh, I w- when I read this story, I think of just a young me and a lot of young folks that I see out there in the world today. They get turned on to partying if they're at school, or or maybe they just want to just get out and try to live like an adult, right? And do their thing, right? Right. And then they get caught up in the whirlwind and the and the cultural tide, and and now the next thing you know, they're they're partying it up, they're they're spending recklessly, yeah, buying a bunch of expensive stuff. So one of the things that I learned from just that section there is like, you know, choices have consequences. 
And we're going to see that from him, right? He, he made the decision to say, you know what? My father is not even dead. I want what's mine because I want to go do what I want to do. Feel, feeling entitled. Feeling right? entitled, like, right? We see that a lot, like right? You, like they have to give you something that you never earned. Yep. Or you haven't even earned it yet, but you want it. Yep. Yeah. And I you want go, it now. You, yeah. And you, then you think about uh, the type of people when he showed up in this city, right? He's New York, Las Vegas, however you want to put it in modern times, right? There you go. Uh, big city fun. And, but think about all these new friends that he had, right? All these, you see a, a, a guy show up with spending all this money out partying. Look at all the, hey, I'm your friend. Think, think about all the friends he had, you know, during this time that he had all this money. Yeah. Right. So he was, uh, just lit basking in the glory of, of, uh, his, his, basically his father's, uh, hard work. Right. Yeah. And, and spending that money. And, and again, that goes back to the second lesson. I think would be like, be careful who you hang around with. And mm-hmm. you just said that, they see him, they're like, hey, you know what, well, you, you got money, hey, let's go do this. Oh, I know how to have a good time. And then, you know, it appears that uh, probably spending it on women, yep. drinking, or, or whatever might have been popular even at that time. So I think that's funny because we read that with modern eyes. Yeah. And, and, and I can't imagine that even with modern eyes that this would be too different from back then, right? I'm sure there had to have been some type of things going on because when it says he, he uses money recklessly – what would that be? It probably involved drinking. It probably involved, uh, you know, uh, immoral women, mm-hmm. and all of that. And you could probably probably burn through it really quick. Another lesson that I think was pretty cool in that is that, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed of what the pigs were eating. Yeah. So you see that he's going out. He's like, hey, I'm living it up. I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, the money runs dry. And what happens when the money runs dry? People probably abandon him. Yep. Right? They used him up, spent him up. And now he ain't got nothing. So what's he got to do? He's got to go find some way to eat. You know? yep. And he goes and finds probably another farmer. Like, hey, how can I help you out? And, and now, now he's, uh, he's down there with the pigs. Like, how low can you go? That's that's rock bottom, right? And, and I think if uh, I, I think about my life and, and and my party days, right? Like I had uh, a lot of friends. I would go out. There was always a group of friends, right? That we'd go out, and there was always you know going to the bars. You even made more friends because you uh, you'd buy shots for people and this and that, right? And the next day, while you're on a hangover and hurting. You're by yourself. And yep. then you start questioning, like, was it really worth it? You look at your bank account. Was it really worth it? You know, and, and I think the enemy sneaks in and uh, kind of blinds us or tricks us to think that um, that this is, this is, the, hot, this is the, the way life should be. This is the, you're, you're living the life. This is so fun. This is so glorious, right? This mm-hmm. is, you're, you're basking in everything. Uh, you're just having a great time. You have all these people that love you, and you have this great uh, feeling inside, like, oh, man, I can't wait for next weekend, right? That's the, that's the cycle we get into. But in the reality of it, you, you're, you're always by yourself, right? You're, you're, you lose. You're always losing. You're never gaining anything in those situations. You're losing time, and you're losing health, and you're losing money. Yep, and that it's a spiral down. Right, and then you find yourself by yourself feeding pigs, you know, just anything, 
you know, I'm sure he had plenty of conversations with those pigs that he was he was feeding because he had nobody to talk to. Right. You know, he's like, I want your food, pig. <laughs> he's looking at the pig as food. He's like, I see bacon. But also, here's here's another piece too, right? Like wealth not managed well will lead you to poverty, because mm. obviously this guy got all this money, he got his inheritance, he goes out and he spends it recklessly. You know, and there's some financial financial literacy there that the kid probably didn't learn. Yeah. When he's going through that, like you know, he could have probably learned to to save that, be a little bit more prepared, or had a better foundation financially when he decided to leave his father's house. That's a good that's a good perspective to to bring. I never even looked at it that way before. That's that's a new way that uh, that I just realized. You know, like there was nothing. He had no knowledge of anything. I, I never even looked at that that section the way you just said it. That's, that's pretty crazy to think that. Yeah, it's like he blew his money recklessly. He just blew everything. In. And we, we don't have any time frames. The text doesn't give us any time frames. I mean, we know that after asking for the inheritance, a few days he took off and he did his thing. So he got it and he went out. And, I, and, and it just makes me think like, well, how did he manage his money? How did he blow it? I know How, how long did it take him to blow all that money? Mm. Yeah, and I think like those, those are lessons that I'm sure his father would have taught him as he got older. Like, this is the way things are. You know, this is how you establish yourself. This is this and that. But, you know, he wanted to be greedy and, and took it all. Yeah. And then as he's at rock bottom, the famine. Famine hits. What, what about the dad? What, this, is, this is something that was bugging me when I was reading this, too. It's like, what, what can we say about the father when it comes to that part? Like, your son comes to you. Think of your daughter or your son coming to you yeah. while you're still alive and saying, I, I, I want the inheritance. I want what's in the will. I want you to give me that. Matter of fact, cash out your 401k, your Roth IRA, and let me get a portion of that that you would give to me when you die because I want to go live my life. Right. How do you think the father would have felt at that? Or how would you feel as a father if your kid came up and said that to you? Man, okay, so at first I would be upset and, and angry, but I think, to be honest, you would you would give them what they wanted because you loved them. Would you, though? Like, if that's the, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell them no and keep them there? And they're going to end up running away anyways. They're going to end up making things harder for you around your house. You know, like, there's there, there's a time in, in, in a father's life where he has to make these tough decisions. When my kids got older, we were faced with that same choice, right? Obviously, I didn't have, I didn't have any, any royalties or, you know, I didn't have anything but, but a good luck check for them, you know, to, okay. for them to leave the house, but... Uh, you know, they, 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 they wanted to leave the house earlier than, than what we wanted them for. You know, we wanted them to wait longer and, and establish things before they, they moved out, but they wanted to go taste that freedom, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to go do the things that they wanted to do and, and live the life that they wanted to live and experience life and the, uh, the way that they wanted to experience it. But to, to be honest with you, uh, David is, I, I think we came to a conclusion, my wife and I, where if if they're going to leave, they're going to leave regardless, right? Mm-hmm. So why not send them out of love? Why not why not just uh, like allow them to leave but do it lovingly because those are your children still, you know? Those are your kids still. You can never turn your back on your kids, right? You get it's that's that's your flesh and blood. So like you, you're, 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 you're forced to make a hard decision, a decision that, that actually, to be honest with you, is, 
a reflection of my failure as a dad to my kids, right? Because I, I, I could look back and, you know, my kids grew up watching me drink and party and every weekend and living the what they saw and what I was portraying as a fun life, uh, you know. So um, I had to... M- I had to be honest with myself in that situation because I couldn't I couldn't tell them anything that I didn't do and I wasn't in the in the I wasn't in I still was drinking when they were when they were leaving you know and I don't blame them you know I I, I didn't make my household a a fun place to be as a drunk you know I don't think anybody does and so I mean I was man I, it was a tough decision that you know we we had to make and the way we made it was allowing them to to leave but always keeping the door open and always keeping that communication because I think if you leave on a bad foot uh, or you leave screaming and, and anger and cussing and stuff at, at each other you, you close a door to a certain extent right and we wanted to at least know that they were okay right but would you give them their inheritance so it's one thing to say okay kids your kid wants to wants to give their shot at adulting, right? They want to move out. They want to go to college. They want to have their own independence is what we would call it nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Would you, if you had your retirement or let's just say sell your property, do whatever you want, half of your savings, whether you got it in some gold bars under the bed, you got it in some mattress money, you got it in your savings account and wealth that you have accumulated if you've accumulated any, mm-hmm. would you say, all right, you know what? If I die per our insurance policy, you would get this amount of money. Let me go ahead and give you that while I'm still alive. Would you have agreed to that? I mean, this is a cult. I, I I think that you know the culture plays a lot here, but and when you when you're looking at that and you're internalizing that, I'm like, hell no. Yeah. I ain't giving you. You know what? Get a job. Yeah. Get out there and work for it. I will support you where I can. But you wanna wear you want you wanna wear the big boy big girl pants? Go ahead and do it. We're gonna be here to support you, whether that's education, whether that's going out and living independently. Um, I just don't know if I would basically cash in whatever I had in terms of accumulations or inher- give them their inheritance before the t- my time is up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm still alive. I ain't dead. One, I kind of <laughs> be offended. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, give me what you would give me if you were to die. Like, what? Are yeah. you kidding me? Uh, yeah. As much as I want to say I, I would give them, you know, something, I think... It, I I would I would have to take the stance that you you're taking. You're like, hey, yeah, you, you big boy uh, decisions, big boy consequences. Good yeah. luck. And then again, it's cultural. So I mean, I'm I'm not too familiar with all the Jewish culture, so I couldn't say like it. Plus, I didn't have that much. I, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm broke. I don't have it. I don't, I don't have all that to give you enough for you, you to go. You want, uh, <laughs> you want half my clothes and uh, uh, one of the laundry baskets? Because that's all I got, man. Yeah. But I also think the implications of that in that culture is like when you get that portion, you know, you could choose to take on the family business mm-hmm. or estate. Or you cash out and you do your own thing, but I think because you might have taken that early, it might have you might have forfeited some of the other stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, there's that cultural piece that plays in there, but just it's just a fun thought thought experiment, right? Yeah. Like, what? what I'm still alive. You, how, you want yeah, me to give you my money? How are you gonna react to your kids being like, "Hey, I know you're gonna die soon." <laughs> I, to me, it's like they're kind of hoping, you know, yeah, like, <laughs> they're hoping that we get die that money, soon to get that money, and but. then to come find out that you know, if if it's your son and he's out there partying and spending it on all these girls, and you're like, "Boy, what is wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah, and, and I would have to, you know, when we start talking about uh, 
the dad and the famine at that moment, you know, as uh, you'd have to think, okay, so this father is, uh, you know, he owns land, obviously. He has a, a pretty big estate. And so when famines and stuff happen, you know, word travels. So you know how to prepare for it or, you know, you know what's coming up. So he was, I'm, I'm guessing, he, would, he already knew that that was going ha- to be taking place. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew my, my, one of my kids were in the city and, you know, a famine hit and, uh, you know, I'm far away from the city and I would always be getting up early in the morning checking to see if I see somebody walking down, you know, the driveway or walking down the street, you know, just hoping one day that, you know, they did. So that, um, I don't know, that's that, that whole part, like you have to know, like the father himself it knew had to know yeah you know what was coming yeah to know when that family was coming and he also just to be like hey i respect your decision that's another way to look at it yeah i respect your decision you want this now are you sure all right you understand the consequences if i give you this now there ain't no i can imagine that he was having that discussion with his son before he gave him that money like are you sure you want it yeah like are you sure you want to do this yes i want to go i want to go uh live on my own terms okay son here you go he gives him that money right there's another component here that we got to look at. What about that humility process? Could you imagine the sun hits rock bottom and he's like, could you imagine just coming to your senses and you're, and you're feeding these pigs and you're looking at the pig like, I wish I could eat what you're eating. Could you imagine how low of a point you'd have to be at to just be like, what am I doing here? And it's like coming to your senses. And for some folks who may be listening to this podcast, you might be there right now where you're thinking like, man, I'm at wit's end. I'm kind of hitting rock bottom. I'm, I'm out. You know, I left the nest. Mm-hmm. I'm out on my own. And, uh, you know, I know that, hey, my parents, the door, they said the door is open. They're not going to abandon me. Or, or you might be like, you know what? If maybe my parent, my, my father has a job. Maybe I can go get a job with them. You know what? Maybe a family member. There's somebody who can help me out. I'm, I'm, I'm like at the bottom. And have enough humility to be like, I've sinned, right? He came to yeah. a repentance point where he's like, you know what? I, I've sinned. Uh, how many of my, how many of the folks uh, at my father's place, how many of my father's servants eat better than me? Let me go back and ask him to treat me as one of them. That way I can live better than what I'm living now when I'm looking at this pig wanting to eat the food. Matter of fact, I'm looking at the pig like I want to eat the pig. Yeah. That's, that's humility. I think good description to kind of sum this section up with uh, what with what you were just saying is you take what the world offers you and you can live for you will live like a king for a day mm. right mm-hmm. you take what god offers you and you'll always be taken care of by the king that's good that's good i like that that definitely sums that part up any other thoughts on this about the, 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 the young son? I mean, I can, there's definitely parts in this where I can relate, like just being out on my own, I, you know, living it up, wanting to, wanting to experience life and just do things my way, even though that meant partying for me and, and doing all the other stuff that I've done. Um, I think there is a time where we kind of just, you know, where life knocks some sense into us and we come out of that. So with that being said, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the second portion of the prodigal song. 
And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and the and he said to him your brother has came home your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look those these many years i have served you and i never disobeyed your command yet you never gave me a young goat that i might celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. All right, back from the break and into the second portion of this. Now, Mike, let, let's look at this from the father's perspective. Imagine that, your son, you gave him your inheritance that he asked for. Mm-hmm. He goes off, he's doing his own thing. Come to find out, he's living recklessly. But, you know, you don't know that. You just know that your son wanted to leave and do his own thing. And you're sitting there like, I miss that guy. You know, I miss my son. I wonder if he's doing okay. I hope I hope everything is working out for him. And I wish he was here with us because he belongs here with us. I, I think, you know, kids don't realize how much we actually think about them, right? right? As, as parents and as fathers, um, how much you, uh, I mean, you worry about them for, to, for day-to-day things and stuff. But in the grand scheme of everything, I think about my kids a lot. I think about the choices there that they had made, what they're making now, and what I kind of see them making, you know, in the future. And they, I think, at least for me, I don't like to admit too much. It kind of hurts a little bit knowing that as a dad and as a father, I kind of didn't set my kids up the right way. Mm-hmm. So I think natural consequence, I guess we could call it, you kind of worry about things like that, right? Kind of worry about where where they're at, how, things that they're doing, and you just hope that they get home safe at night. And not to mention, we understand how how cruel the world can be. Yeah. And when they're out there on their own, you kind of think of like, you know, especially if you watch the news all the time, you're thinking like, oh my God, there's somebody's going to get them, right? There's a rapist <laughs> running around. Yeah. People are getting murdered. 
You know, there's all this stuff going on. And when your kids are out there, you're thinking like worst case scenario because you're worried about them. It's making you anxious. They're out there in the world and, and you don't know what they're doing. And I understand that that kind of that kind of uh, it gives you an anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's like going to it's like going to the beach with your family. Right. I don't know about you, but for me, you know, I put on the uh, protective uh, hat, protective dad hat when I go to the beach because I know where all the um, where all the things that could go wrong. You know, I'm always watching my daughter, seeing how far she's going out in, in the ocean. You know, she doesn't know about that there's, you know, jellyfish out there or, you undertow. know, sharks. Undertow. Yeah, every undercurrent. There's like, yeah, yeah. there's things out there. But her, from her perspective, she sees a beautiful sand and beautiful water. and She just wants to have fun in it. Uh-huh. But I see the dangers of it, right? That's yep. kind of the whole uh, concept of what's going on, you know, with probably the state of mind of the father, knowing that his son went out. You have to think about those things. Yep. And then... You see him coming in the distance, and you're like, "Hey, you know, you're kind of you're wandering. You're going about life, but there's a piece of you that's missing. Your your heart is looking for your son. And all of a sudden, your child comes. You see them off in the distance, and here it says his father seen him out in the distance, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm running. There he is. He's home. Yeah. He gets all excited and he goes off in there, and it says there that the father shows compassion." And just to go back, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I will perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He didn't say I sinned against you. I sinned against heaven, which means he understood who his God was. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he arose. But while he was off, still yet a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion like I wonder if he was looking beat up. Maybe he came with a, a big old beard and just looking all roughed up. Yeah, and he, his father saw that in the well, distance. He came, he came, he came, you know, stinking. He's wearing came with pigs. dirty clothes and whole, you know, ungroomed. And I feel like that's the way the world leaves us, right? When we yeah. go out and and want to live that life. At the end, when we're when we don't have nothing, we're crawling back to to God and. That's that's who we are. We're we're mm. we're coming from the pits, right? Yep. We're and and just to just to see like that that image of your child filthy, uh, beat up. I'm sure you know, and just knowing that the world chewed him up and spit him out. I like to think about that. And also think about how there was a time in my life where I was convinced that I had to uh, get right before I get God, right? There was a time in my life where I felt like I had to um, clean up myself before I was able to go to church or go to God or receive Christ in my heart. In this section, this is what this makes me think of, is like you come as you are, Mm. right? The, The son... The son in this parable, when Jesus was speaking, Jesus didn't say this son went and got cleaned up. He didn't say he went and, and bought new clothes and 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 started making money and got a new job so he could come to to his father with something. And it just says he came, you know, from from the the pig pit to his father. So I mean, this part this part makes me think of that. Like you come as you are. It does. But it also makes me think of, likewise, that when you leave God and the world does beat you up, that is a consequence of that lifestyle. 
and part of me when I'm looking at that and he says that you know you see him off in the distance don't tell me they ain't a part of you that's like man I want to smack the hell out of you you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. what, what's wrong with you but then it's like as the fatherly part kicks in the compassion like I love that it says he saw compassion can you imagine like damn I know life just beat this boy up and here he comes and, and I'm just so glad that you decided to come home because you could be dead there ain't no cell phone for him to call yeah, you know there ain't no phone lines there, right? He's gonna have to send some some mail or something via donkey or whatever. It's that I I, I love you, and he rushed out to him. Was like, hey, let's celebrate. He was lost and now he is found. Let's let's throw a party. I couldn't um like, I'm thinking you know as we're reading this and as we're talking, I'm thinking you know of picturing one of my kids walking down, uh, walking down back toward and. I can't help but just to get a heavy heart and and it's man it's just it's unfortunate that that things have to come to those situations but it's so amazing that there is that situation if that makes sense because we have a second chance they his son had a second chance there is that second chance there is that second chance there's also a part of me that thinks like you know what if it wasn't for that situation, would this son have learned that lesson? Because some people, and, and I can say that I've experienced this myself, is I wasn't listening to nobody. You could have told me straight up wisdom, logic, all of that, and I would have not have listened to you at a certain age because right. I didn't have that understanding. And I would have done that. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go do my thing. But it wasn't until life kicks you down that you realize, like, what am I doing? And it took an event or a hitting rock bottom to make you realize that this ain't right. Something's got to change. Mm. And then you start thinking of, well, where can I go to? We can always pray to God. Yeah. Right? God, God is still going to be with you. But who else are you going to go to to help you out? Where's your foundation? And, you know, hopefully you're blessed enough to have that be your family. Yeah. That's this. Uh, while you were talking, it reminded me of that book we just read, Imagine Heaven, mm-hmm. right? And there's one of those stories in there. And it, this is how, to me, the world uh, works. This is how uh, the enemy works. And one of the stories in, in Imagine Heaven, there was a guy that he, he died and he was in this place. And there was these people that came up to him. And when he said that they were coming to him, he thought they were there to receive him and to guide him. And so they started walking. They asked him to follow, you know, follow him. And they, everything, he felt safe. He felt good. Uh, and I'm just paraphrasing. And everything looked like there was no danger. There was nothing that that he was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? He just felt like it was it was fine. And he started walking with these, uh, what they turned out to be demons uh, later on in the story. But as he's walking, he started noticing that they started getting rude with him. Because he kept asking, because they were walking for a while, I guess, and and in his story and they started being rude to him and telling him to shut up just keep walking and their whole manner changed once he they got once he got taken further away right once he got taken further away from the point where uh he was at then when there was no turning back they 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 revealed who they really were their true they revealed their true colors right and then they started picking at him and pushing him and and then it turned you know very violent and ugly tearing him apart tearing him apart and everything else and biting him pulling his eyes out you know everything in in, uh the way he described it in that book but that's kind of what 
this that's what the world does to you. It it, it makes it seem so attractive at first. And as you continue to walk and you get further away from who you are or what you believe, then then those those things start revealing who they really are. And those demons start coming out. And once they got you, they got you. Yeah. Right. Until obviously, you know, you scream for Jesus and you come running back home. But um, that's kind of like some people don't have that. So, you know, some people just get lost in that in that walk. Yeah. You're right. And you were making me think of, uh, and I'm going to probably slaughter this, but I was listening to Andy Stanley and he was talking about like how the world tempts you up to the line, right? They entice you. They, they put the carrot out in front of you, right? Like, hey, everybody's doing it. But once you cross the line, it chastises you. Yeah. So it brings you up to the line. Then when you cross it, it chastises you for that. And yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you. And that's how we see that. And then when we look at that with the father's eyes, we put that protective suite on them because it's like, hey, I know what it's like. Trust me. I'm going to tell you what it's like without allowing the kids to go through it, right? We want mm-hmm. them to listen to us without having to experience that. And I think at some point that's wisdom. But how often, how often has this happened to you where you're telling your kid it could be something about life and you're like, hey, I, I told you this is what's going to happen if you cross that line. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they're not listening to you. And then let's say a buddy or another family member who's not you tells them the same thing. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, I've been telling you that. <laughs> That's everything. They don't want to listen to you, right? And then somebody else comes along and says the same stuff that you told them. They're like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. I never heard of that before. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? You gotta it's, be kidding me. It's like they, they put a filter on when you speak, right? Yeah. When, when you talk to them, they're just like, they just wanna get away from you right yep. away. But yeah, that's, dude, that's every everything, basically. You know, everything you say to, uh, to these kids, they're, they don't receive it. They don't receive right? it they until just, somebody else tells them that and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. there we go. We've got with the father, he's like, he shows compassion when he sees his son off in the distance. Um, the, the father doesn't treat him as a hired servant. He's still his son. It's like, no, you're not going to work for me. You're not going to. I'm not. You're not going to be treated like a servant. You're my son. Yeah. You're part of this family. You're not going to be treated like that. The, the The father is happy. His son's alive, and then he, you know, he also throws a celebration of that. But here's something I thought that was also interesting in that. He, the father, to the older brother, tells him, you know, you're always with me, and that all I have is yours. So he didn't punish the son. And we're going to talk about the, the, he didn't punish the brother. Like the brother did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. He's just happy that, you know, he, was, he went south. He was lost and now he's found. So let's go ahead and, and start talking about some of the things that, that you noticed through this uh, parable about the brother. So I think, you know, when you're talking about the older son, that, unfortunately, I feel like is a lot of Christians today. Okay. Okay. That I, I feel like, and, and I, I'm being transparent too, because I, I feel the same way sometimes too. You know, I, I see, uh, I, lose, I lose track of, of who I am every once in a while, you know. And, and, and Don't we all? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm better than, than anybody because I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that. So I'm being very transparent because there's sometimes I feel like you, you see people being blessed and you're like, God, 
I've been, I've been fasting for, you know, this, or I've been in my war room every day for this long. And you haven't answered one of my prayers, but then this guy or these people or this family or this woman accepts you again for the hundredth time they come back and you open the floodgates of blessings. Like, right. What's going on here? This is not fair. And I, like, I, I honestly see that a lot in church in, in churches today. You see those people that, that get into that religious mindset and they're like, I, I do all this for God. I do this. I do this. I do this. I do this. I have, you know, like, where's my blessing? Where my, obviously it's, that's a heart condition, right? That's, that's, that's a different subject at a different time. But I think, you know, when you're talking about the older brother, he doesn't realize that he's been taken care of. He he doesn't realize that the, just because uh, the, the younger son went out and experienced life and, and got beat up and came back and they celebrated, he doesn't realize that at this moment that everything that his father has worked for is his. Right. Right. And he's never went a day without worry. He never, he didn't go a day without not having, he didn't suffer, you know? Yeah. I'm sure he works hard. I'm sure, you know, we all, at some point we all feel like we're working hard for God's kingdom and, and stuff. And then you have like, for me, I had to stop and look and be like, look, Mike, uh, look at these blessings around you. You have, okay. You have. And sometimes I think as Christians, we, we think that if we're not getting blessed by a new house, if we're not getting blessed by a new car, then God doesn't love us. Yeah. Right? And it's the everyday things, the everyday blessings. Waking up, uh, not being uh, in a situation where you have to make a choice that's going to break your family or, you know, whatever. Like, there's those blessings yeah. add up. And the culture teaches us that too, right? Like, you don't see in there that God promised you a brand new car and a house. But yet we live in a consumer society where everything is like, oh, you ain't blessed if you ain't got this. If you ain't got wealth, you ain't blessed. And we look at blessings differently. Yeah. And that, yeah, you're right. I mean, this brother didn't ask for his inheritance. Mm-mm. He was there. And he, he had everything that the father had. He shared in everything that the father had. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, man. And and sometimes think, that, that jealousy yeah. or resentment, like it's like, hey, man... I, I've been praying like I've never and I'm saying this on here because I'm just transparent like that but I've never had what I would say is an encounter with the Holy Spirit and I've been a believer for the long time and I'm like I hear people talking about it all the time like hey you know the Holy Spirit came on me I'm like uh, yeah what is that like you know I ain't felt that and then when I see the other side of it where people falling down and kind of stuff like that I'm like Look, man, um, I even pray to God. I'm like, God, is there something wrong with me that I'm not like having this this moment with you where people talk about where whether they be talking in tongues or whether they feel this extreme uh, closeness? Like, I don't feel far from God, but mm-hmm. I have. I just I, I don't believe that I've ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before. Doesn't mean that I don't believe in it, but I just hear people talking about it like that in church circles and in communities, and I'm like. I wonder what that's like, and I wonder what's wrong with me. What am I doing that I don't get to have that experience, and why am I not being blessed like some other people? Yeah, and I, I think what is uh, important to po- uh, to point out here is that the what the father says to um, to to the older brother when he's when he goes out and and talks to him, right? He tells him something that 
that kind of hit me in a it kind of hit me hard kind of hit me in a, in a in a different way okay then i mean you go through this whole thing we read it there's tons of stuff we could pull out but there's something that i don't really hear anybody really talk about where the father tells the older son like but you've been here with me yeah and the reason why that kind of hurt or not hurts but hits me in a in a in a different way is because what it would be like i can imagine to have a father an earthly father, right? Okay. To be in that situation to say, yeah, you're right. I've been here with you. You know, there's there's a piece of me that gets jealous of that part of this story because, okay. you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't, I've never had that. And I think to take something that small for granted puts things in perspective for a lot of people because just the, for the father to say, Man, you've been here with me. You've had me. I'm here. Yeah, those times you want to stay up late and talk about things. Those times where you want to walk in the field and just say things or just we're spending time together. Like you have me. Right? Yeah. Like I think about that. I'm like, dang, man, that would have been so cool growing up with the dad. Because that'd be so cool to to to, to spit a little uh, knowledge to uh from my father to me as I was growing up, you know, and yeah. stuff. And and that part of the story, I, I don't ever hear anybody really talk about it, but that's a big statement. That is a that's, big statement. That's huge to me because, I mean, maybe I just noticed it because that's what I grew up without. Mm-hmm. You know, you always notice what you don't have. Um, but I don't know. That that kind of just hit me a different way. Yeah. And it's like, where was your heart at, bro? The father, come. he's like, hey, I'm come. your son's arrived. Let, let's go greet him. Let's celebrate. And he's like, what? That fool, he was out there spending all his money with these harlots and and being wasteful with everything that he received. And you want to give him a reception? We should be giving him the smackdown right now. Like, what's going on here, right? <laughs> right. And he's, and he's and he sees that treatment is impartial, and unfair. Like the brother's undeserving, but the father looks at it as, hey, he's alive. He's been gone. I don't know what happened. I miss him. He's your brother too. Be glad that he came back to us. Look at the condition that he came back to us in. He's alive. And not only that, the part where it says he repented. Yeah. He acknowledged what was wrong. He's like, you know what? I messed up. I took my inheritance. I went out in the world and I blew it all. You know, I was living, I was living as a farmhand, feeding pigs and, and, and looking at their food, wanting it for myself. I mean, come on. Yeah, I th- I think that's important too to 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 point out that the uh, that the younger brother, the first thing he says is I sinned against heaven. Yes. So obviously he knew what he was the lifestyle he lived, and then for him to say I sinned against you, uh, his dad kind of puts that being repentful or re- re- understanding, uh, acknowledging. You know, when your kid comes to you and says, Dad, look, I I messed up. I'm sorry. I I it just you you react different, right? And and I I love here. I'm going to go back to the scriptures here. And something that I, I kind of thought of is when the father said to the older son, "You are always with me, and and everything I have is yours." That's almost saying that they are two in one. They are both the same, right? So when mm. when you when you are the older son in this story, right? It's 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 very important to realize that. What, what God has is what we have. Like, we're, we're going to be taken care of. Yeah. There's, there's, not, uh, uh, there's not anything too big for God. There's not anything too small for God. Like, there's nothing. 
when, uh, nothing that could separate us from God unless we choose to leave, right? Yep. And I, I just think that's important to point out that he's the, the, the father in this parable is putting the, the older brother on the same platform, the same level as him. He's like, you're that's always true. with me. He's like, me. hey, you're on the same... You're always with me. What I and got is yours. What I have is yours. Yeah. What is mine is yours. Like, that, that means a lot. It does. That does mean a lot. And he's assuring him, like, hey, I love you. But it also, it seems like the father understood the resentment that the brother was feeling, too, though. Because he's like, entreat. I don't really know what that means. We should probably look it up. But it sounds like he's like, hey, why don't, you know, your brother's back. Um, The servant said you didn't want to come out and greet him. He goes, I understand. You're probably thinking, like, this fool went out there and was wasteful, you know, and did all that. Um, But he's alive. And he's your brother. Let's go celebrate. Everything that I have is yours. You've yeah. always been with me. But this fool went out there and did his thing, right? And he's back. We're a family again. Let's celebrate that. So let's, uh, well, anything else you want to say on the brother? No, I think that's, you know, that's pretty much it. I kind of, well, what can we learn about God through this parable? Uh, that's a good question. You know, like I, I, the, the main thing is, 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 is um, I think two things, right? The first one is that we make the choice to walk away from God and he's going to let us. Right. You know, the father, like, hey, you, you got free will. Do what you will, okay? He's like, uh, give me my thing. I w- God, I can do life without you. But God's always waiting there. Like, he doesn't leave us. We leave him. Mm-hmm. And he rejoices when we've turned from our ways and we go back and seek him. Yeah, I think uh, that that's a good good thing to bring up it made me think of like you hear a lot in in like imagine having the book we read and and in the and in the scriptures and stuff it always says when when somebody gets saved or comes back the the angels in heaven celebrate right yep it's it's a party up there for that for that per, for that person and that's kind of the same thing with this with this story with this parable is like when when you return home there's a celebration there's no there's no uh God's not going to sit there and be like, okay, tell me everything you did while you were out there and you're going to pay for everything that you took. And, you know, like there's a celebration like that gives me hope. Yeah. Like I'm not going to get the, I think he's like the consequences. You've already dealt with them. Now I'm going to love you. Yeah. Right. It's good to know that we're going to come back and get a tongue lashing, right? (laughs) Like we would with our parents, you know? I think for me to kind of sum up this, uh, this topic here with, with our, this parable is a few things. One, the friends you have, when you're when you have everything aren't going to be there when you're when you're in need that this is pretty much what this yeah, parable yeah, that's you know pretty much a fact so <laughs> so just know that and i, I think very uh, few yeah i mean there's a few uh maybe that will stick through with you but uh just remember that you know you could the world will offer you to live like a king for a day but when you live, walk with christ you'll be taken care of by the king mm. and you know the other thing is is come as you are right that that the son came uh, as a pig feeder, right? He's beat up, chewed up, smelly, you know, ungroomed. He came as he was. And, and, and that goes for, you know, anybody where you're at in your life, uh, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter what you're going through, or no, no matter what you've been through, you know, you come as you are. And, and, and God and everybody's going to celebrate that. So don't be afraid or don't be ashamed of, of where you're coming from. Yeah. Nor, let me add to that, so nor should any Christians who've never fallen, like, resent those who have fallen. Right. Like, we shouldn't treat them like that, because you act like there's not enough of God to go around. Like, he's in limited quanti- qu- quantities to us. 
If, if somebody messes up, we should celebrate that. Even though it's natural, I think it's instinctual for us to, to get frustrated. Like, you know what? You'd walked away, and now you want to come back? But instead, we should say, you came back. How are you doing? I'm glad you're okay. And we should celebrate that and bring that person back into the fold. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Or the last thing, I'm sorry, the last thing I wanted to, to point out was kind of the last thing I kind of talked about was, you know, that the father had told the older brother that you've, you've always been with me. Everything I am, everything I have is you and me. It's us. Like, yeah. you know, and just realize that if, if that's, if you're, if you're the older brother, just realize that God always has you, you know, and, and you're going to be taken care of. So don't waste energy on, on judging or being upset. Just jump into the celebration. Yeah. Right. And it's a little thing that I like to say. Um, there's that thing where, where we, the parables before where he talks about the, you know, leaving the 99 to go get the one. Yep. Right. If you're the older brother in the, in this parable, be the 99, be the 99, be the 99. So that's, that's what I got yeah, out of this one. Good. And then just to add one la- final thought on that, that um, humility is a sign of strength, not weakness. Yes. Right? When, you, when you recognize, I mean, it takes, it takes a lot for a person to recognize, like, even, you know, hopefully before you hit rock bottom, but when you're there, it's like, I've sinned, I've messed up, and you know what, I need help. Can somebody help me? I think that is a sign of strength, and we should never um, be afraid or ashamed to show that humility because just like mike said come as you are and that takes a level of humility to acknowledge the state where you are and the state that you are in and say here i am god forgive me i need help all right so that concludes uh this episode of the kingdom misfits podcast and we look forward to having you on the next i know that mike's going to be bringing a solo version he's got some stuff that he's going to be wanting to talk to you guys about that'll be coming up soon but uh again we appreciate having you guys joining us this has been great mike anything you want to say on the way out Uh, if you guys uh look man if you guys are going through anything uh reach out uh find somebody you know reach out to us um through any way you can leave a message uh go to instagram uh, kingdom misfits podcast uh, leave a message there and whatever you're struggling with just know god loves you we love you uh, we're examples of people that have been through the mud and have made it back on the other end through christ so uh, if you need that that help and that structure or that direction please reach out all right well hey this has been the kingdom, kingdom misfits, misfits podcast. podcast i'm david i'm mike we'll see y'all later peace And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who set him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Luke 15, 11 through 19. All right, everybody, welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast. I'm David. I'm Mike Trujillo. And this is where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of Scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's Word through wrestling with the Scripture and renewing our minds. Well, what's up, Mike? How you doing, bro? Doing good. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Um... How's everything been working in terms of work? Everything going fine? Yeah, everything's just, you know, nothing to complain about, especially in these times, you know. I'm getting my 40, so. There you go, making it happen, feeding the family. That's right. All right, so in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the story of the prodigal son, and that's a popular story. And we're going to be looking at some of the lessons we can extract from the text and look into ways where we could take these lessons and apply them to our lives. We've broken this podcast up into two parts. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the young son, and in the second part, we're going to be talking about the father, the older brother, and then we're going to talk about what we learned from God, or God was speaking to us through this parable. Just say this, Mike, you know, when I was doing some homework on this and looking into it, if we look at the beginning of chapter 15, of Luke chapter 15, we see that The story of the prodigal son is the third of three parables in Luke 15, and it's aimed at an audience of tax collectors, sinners, religious leaders, and teachers of the law. The topic of these parables is on lost things being found. We got the story of the lost sheep, um, a lost coin, and then the lost son. So the main theme that we see in Luke 15 is that of heaven rejoicing when a sinner repents and is found. Yeah, and I think it's uh, such a great story, this whole uh, I mean, you could speak for hours on on this parable, and there's so much meat uh, on this bone. And I mean, you could take you could look at it from all three perspectives. You know, you could there's a lot, and so I'm very excited to to get into this this parable. And I just love the way how Jesus sets it up. I love the the whole outline uh, and and who he was talking to. You know, so I, I it's it's a great story. I agree. And, and before we dive in, let's not miss the importance of what you just said, too. The, the importance that Jesus, in, well, when it says in Luke 15, it says Jesus was hanging out with people that are considered sinners, right? Mm-hmm. The, the religious leaders were, are judging Jesus, saying that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And how often are we as uh, believers, you know, when, when you're hanging around with folks who are in the world or non-believers, you know, you, you can feel that judgment. Or, you know, you got that friend, right? Yeah. We all have that friend. Yeah. And it's okay. But it's crazy how Jesus kind of, you know, he was a misfit in the term that he kind of bucked the trends there, yeah. right? When they're following him, like, who are you? Look at you. You're eating with those sinners. You must be unclean. You must be wrong. And he's like, I came for the sick. I came for these guys that they may be saved. Right. Yeah, and it's... Man, I, I, I'll have to be honest, too, because I, I catch myself every now and then, you know, being that, that Pharisee or being that person is like, oh, you're, you're looking at people and you're just like, why are they this way? You know, you start looking at them and judging them. Man, I, I catch myself like that. I got to check myself every now and then because I do, you know, I get like that. I think we all do at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, we look at 
certain things and certain situations where we see people that are on the same walk as us, but then they start veering off. And instead of reaching out with love, you start reaching out with uh, when you start judging stupid things, you know, and, and I, I have to check myself on that a lot. Yeah, I agree. I do, too. And and, you know, we often think like, hey, we're part of the church and and it's like the church is made for sinners. But yet we look at sinners in a different light because they're not part of this group. And I, I just want to challenge that. Right. You know, like, but there's also two sides to that coin. Because this one thing is, can you hang around with folks who people would call sinners and not be influenced by them? Because I think you're supposed to be the positive influence and not the other way around. Yeah. And if you find that you're uh, being influenced by them, then you may want to reconsider and, and start drawing back if it's starting to impact your, your faith, your family, your work all those areas of life, then you need to reevaluate who you're hanging around with. Yeah, or reevaluate who, who you are in Christ, you know, because you, you don't take a candle in a dark room and the candle doesn't turn dark. It's right. supposed to bright up, uh, brighten up the room. And, you know, for me, I, I could relate, I could give an example of, you know, being around people that drink or being in, uh, you know, family gatherings or, uh, you know, company barbecues or people, you know, are drinking or whatever. And, you know, everybody knows my story, where I come from, you know, and I don't struggle with that anymore. Uh, but you won't ever see me be influenced by them because I took a stand against that in my own heart and who I am as a, as a man. I will never go down that road. So for me to be around people that, that are having a few drinks and stuff like that doesn't influence me. Yeah, and I think that's important and a sign of spiritual maturity. And with that being said, let's go ahead and start looking into the prodigal son. So we're going to start off with the first half of the prodigal son parable. And I really wanted to take a look at where it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And I want to pause there, because I think we need to understand some cultural context here. And I started doing some research and, and found that the Jewish culture, that in the Jewish culture, there were these laws regarding how inheritances were divided, where if there were two sons, like in this parable, um, the older brother would get a double portion and the younger would get a single portion of the state. And they both would take on the father's responsibilities and basically tending to the family, the property, and the business. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it's a total different culture in the way that we see that in American culture. And, and they set it up to where... The older brother, usually the son, mm -hmm. would get uh, two-thirds, whereas the younger son, if there's two, would get a third of that. Yeah, I would have to think about, like, you know, put yourself in that position, and you, at those times, you know, you had to work. It would be like on a farm, you know, like what we can relate to, you know, working on a farm. And usually the older son is going to have uh, the more, more responsibility, mm -hmm. you know, and... You got to think about everything that the father knows. He's going to hand it down to his firstborn son, and so in that translation, I'm sure there's a few things that are uh, not translated over. But what the son has is almost everything that the father had, as far as knowledge of running the the estate or the farm, whatever you want to say it. And then his job as the older brother is to teach his younger brother, right? As they're working the estate or the farm, uh, plowing through it. So I think the brother. The older bro brother is going to have more responsibility and consequences. Agreed. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, you would see them, they get more. Yeah. 
And also we see that the son saying, give me my portion of this inheritance and let me cash in on what would be mine. You know, the father's not even dead yet. And the son's like, you know what? I want to get out there. I want to experience the world. Let me give me give me my portion of the inheritance inheritance that would be due to me. Yeah. And, and uh, when you think about it, you like that didn't just pop into his head. Right. No. So he was thinking about who, it. who was he hanging around or what, what did he see? What gave him the idea to to even cross that line? You know, like that's what I, I think about. Like, all right, you're the younger son. You you uh, you you look up to your older brother. Right. And your older brother looks up to your father and, and you guys have this bond and uh, whatever the dad does, the, the sons do and vice versa. Right. You think of uh, how families are. But I wonder, like, maybe something, you know, came in and influenced him to to think that way. Yeah. When I'm looking at this, I think in terms of, OK, look at in our day and age. Right. What if you what if the son spent all the time working, um, didn't get, you know, going to school? I'm putting that in a modern context. You're going to school, you're doing everything right, but yet you see the crowd over there at school. Maybe it's the cool kids or maybe it's um, you see that there's more to life and you want to go explore that. Yeah. And you're over here just doing, you know, you're, you're handling your business, you're doing your duties as assigned, as assigned. And then you're like, you know what? I want to explore the world or I want to go out there and check that out. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, just kind of when we're reading this, it looks like he's like, hey, I want to go party. Give me my let me give me my money and let me go do my thing. Let me go live the way that I want to live. Yeah. And then, the, you know, it gives him the money. And then we see that uh, we see that once the son gets the money, he takes off, goes out and lives it up, squandering the money in reckless living. So here you go. He goes full on rebellion and and. He's spending his money. It says that he spends his money. Um, it looks like he's also messing with harlots. So he's just going out there and living it up. Yeah. Just squandering everything away. So I was thinking, well, what, 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 can, what kind of lessons can we extract from that alone? Uh, I, w- when I read this story, I think of just a young me. And a lot of young folks that I see out there in the world today, they get turned on to partying if they're at school. Or, or maybe they just want to just get out and try to live like an adult. Right. And do their thing, right? Right. And then they get caught up in the whirlwind and the and the cultural tide and, and now the next thing you know they're they're partying it up. They're they're spending recklessly. Yeah. Buying a bunch of expensive stuff. So one of the things that I learned from just that section there is like, you know, choices have consequences. And we're gonna see that from him, right? He he made the decision to say, you know what, my father's not even dead. I want what's mine because I want to go do what I want to do. Feel, feeling entitled. Feeling right? entitled, like, right? We see that a lot, like right? You, like they have to give you something that you never earned. Yep. Or you haven't even earned it yet, but you want it. Yep. Yeah. I want go, it now. You, yeah. And you, then you think about uh, the type of people when he showed up in this city, right? He's New York, Las Vegas, however you want to put it in modern times, right? There you go. Uh, big city fun. And think about all these new friends that he had. Right, all these you see a, a, a guy show up with spending all this money out partying. Look at all the. Hey, I'm your friend. Think, think about all the friends he had, you know, during this time that he had all this money. Yeah. Right. So he was uh, just lit basking in the glory of of uh, his his basically his father's uh, hard work. Right. Yeah, and, and spending that money, and and again that goes back to the second lesson. I think would be like, be careful who you hang around with, and mm-hmm. you just said that. They see him, they're like, hey, you know what, well, you, you got money, hey, let's go do this. Oh, I know how to have a good time. And then, you know, it appears that uh, probably spending it on women, yep. drinking, or, or whatever might have been popular even at that time. 
So I think that's funny because we read that with modern eyes. Yeah. And, and, and I can't imagine that even with modern eyes that this would be too different from back then, right? I'm sure there had to have been some type of things going on because when he says he, he uses money recklessly, what would that be? It probably involved drinking. It probably involved, uh, you know, uh, immoral women mm-hmm. and all of that. And you could probably, probably burn through it really quick. Another lesson that I think was pretty cool in that is that, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed of what the pigs were eating. Yeah. So you see that he's going out. He's like, hey, I'm living it up. I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, the money runs dry. And what happens when the money runs dry? People probably abandon him. Yep. Right? They used him up, spent him up. And now he ain't got nothing, so what's he got to do? He's got to go find some way to eat. You yep. know, and he goes and finds probably another farmer like, hey, how can I help you out? And, and now, now he's, uh, he's down there with the pigs. Like, how low can you go? That's, that's rock bottom, right? And, and I, think you've, uh, I, I think about my life and, and, and my party days, right? Like I had uh, a lot of friends. I would go out. There was always a group of friends, right, that we'd go out. And there was always, you know, going to the bars. You even made more friends because you, uh, you'd buy shots for people and this and that, right? And the next day, while you're on a hangover and hurting, you're by yourself. And yep. then you start questioning, like, was it really worth it? You look at your bank account. Was it really worth it? You know, and, and I think the enemy sneaks in and uh, kind of blinds us or tricks us to think that um, that this is, this is, the, hot, this is the, the way life should be. This is the, you're, you're living the life. This is so fun. This is so glorious, right? This, mm-hmm. you're, you're basking in everything. Uh, you're just having a great time. You have all these people that love you, and you have this great uh, feeling inside, like, oh, man, I can't wait for next weekend, right? That's the, that's the cycle we get into. But in the reality of it, you, you're, you're always by yourself, right? You're, you're, you lose. You're always losing. You're never gaining anything in those situations. You're losing time, and you're losing health, and you're losing money. Yep, and that it's a spiral down. Right, and then you find yourself by yourself feeding pigs, you know, just anything. You, you know, I'm sure he had plenty of conversations with those pigs that he was he was feeding because he had nobody to talk to. Right. You know, he's like, I want your food, pig. <laughs> he's looking at the pig as food. He's like, I see bacon. But also, here's, here's another piece too, right? Like wealth not managed well will lead you to poverty. Because mm. obviously this guy got all this money. He got his inheritance. He goes out and he spends it recklessly. You know, and there's some financial financial literacy there that the kid probably didn't learn yeah when he's going through that like you know he could have probably learned to to save that be a little bit more prepared or had a better foundation financially when he decided to leave his father's house that's a good that's a good perspective to to bring i never even looked at it that way before that's that's a new way that uh that i just realized you know like there was nothing he had no knowledge of anything i I never even looked at that that section the way you just said it that's, that's pretty crazy to think that. Yeah, it's like he blew his money recklessly. He just blew everything. And we, we don't have any time frames. The text doesn't give us any time frames. I mean, we know that after asking for the inheritance, a few days he took off and he did his thing. So he got it and he went out. 
and I, and and it just makes me think like, well, how did he manage his money? How did he blow it? I know how, how long did it take him to blow all that money? Mm. Yeah, and I think like those those are lessons that I'm sure his father would have taught him as he got older. Like this is the way things are, you know. This is how you establish yourself. This is this and that, but you know, he wanted to be greedy and, and took it all. Yeah, and then as he's at rock bottom, the famine, famine hits. What what about the dad? What this is this is something that was bugging me when I was reading this too. It's like. What, what can we say about the father when it comes to that part? Like, your son comes to you. Think of your daughter or your son coming to you yeah. while you're still alive and saying, I, I, I want the inheritance. I want what's in the will. I want you to give me that. Matter of fact, cash out your 401k, your Roth IRA, and let me get a portion of that that you would give to me when you die because I want to go live my life. Right. How do you think the father would have felt at that? Or how would you feel as a father if your kid came up and said that to you? Man, okay, so at first... I would be upset and, and angry, but I think to be honest, you would you would give them what they wanted because you love them. Would you though? Like if that's the like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna tell them no and keep them there, and they're gonna end up running away anyways? They're gonna end up making things harder for you around your house, you know? Like there's there there's a time in in, in a father's life where he has to make these tough decisions. When my kids got older we were faced with that same choice, right? Obviously, I didn't have, I didn't have any, any royalties or, you know, I didn't have anything but, but a good luck check for them, you know, to, okay. for them to leave the house. But, uh, you know, they, 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 they wanted to leave the house earlier than, than what we wanted them for. You know, we wanted them to wait longer and, and establish things before they, they moved out. But they wanted to go taste that freedom, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to go do the things that they wanted to do and, and live the life that they wanted to live and, experience life and the uh, the way that they wanted to experience it but to to be honest with you uh david is i i think we came to a conclusion my wife and i where if if they're gonna leave they're gonna leave regardless right Mm -hmm. so why not send them out of love why not why not just uh, like allow them to leave but do it lovingly because those are your children still, you know, those are your kids still. You can never turn your back on your kids, right? You get, it's, that's, that's your flesh and blood. So like you, you're, 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 you're forced to make a hard decision, a decision that, that actually, to be honest with you is, uh, a reflection of my failure as a dad to my kids. Right. Cause I, I, I could look back and, you know, my kids grew up, watching me drink and partying every weekend and living the what they saw and what I was portraying as a fun life uh, you know so um I had to I had to be honest with myself in that situation because I couldn't I couldn't tell them anything that I didn't do and I wasn't in this in the I wasn't in I still was drinking when they were when they were leaving you know and I don't blame them you know I, I, I didn't make my household a, a fun place to be as a drunk you know, I don't think anybody does. And so, I mean, I was, man, I, it was a tough decision that, you know, we we had to make. And the way we made it was allowing them to, to leave, but always keeping the door open and always keeping that communication. Because I think if you leave on a bad foot uh, or you leave screaming and, and anger and cussing and stuff at, at each other, you, you close a door to a certain extent, right? And... We wanted to at least know that they were okay. Right. But would you give them their inheritance? 
So it's one thing to say, okay, kids, your kid wants to wants to give their shot at adulting, right? They want to move out. They want to go to college. They want to have their own independence is what we would call it nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Would you, if you had your retirement or let's just say sell your property, do whatever you want, half of your savings, whether you got it in some gold bars under the bed, you got it in some mattress money, you got it in your savings account and wealth that you would have accumulated if you've accumulated any, mm-hmm. Would you say, all right, you know what? If I die per our insurance policy, you would get this amount of money. Let me go ahead and give you that while I'm still alive. Would you have agreed to that? I mean, this is a cult. I, I, I think that you know the culture plays a lot here. But and when you when you're looking at that and you're internalizing that, I'm like, hell no. Yeah. I ain't giving you. You know what? Get a job. Yeah. Get out there and work for it. I will support you where I can. But you wanna wear you wanna you wanna wear the big boy big girl pants. Go ahead and do it. We're going to be here to support you, whether that's education, whether that's going out and living independently. Um, I just don't know if I would basically cash in whatever I had in terms of accumulations or inher- give them their inheritance before the t- my time is up. Yeah, You know what I mean? I'm still alive. I ain't dead. One, I kind of be offended. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I- give me what you would give me if you were to die. Like, what? Are yeah. you kidding me? Uh, yeah. As much as I want to say... I, I would give them, you know, something. I think it. I I would I would have to take the stance that you, you you're taking. You're like, hey, yeah, you, you big boy uh, decisions, big boy consequences. Good yeah. luck. And then again, it's cultural. So I mean, I'm I'm not too familiar with all the Jewish culture, so I couldn't say like it. Plus, I didn't have that much. I, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm broke. I don't have. I don't. I don't have all that to give you enough for you, you to go you wanna, live. <laughs> You want a half of my clothes and uh, uh, one of the laundry baskets? Because that's all I got, man. Yeah. But I also think the implications of that in that culture is like when you get that portion, you know, you could choose to take on the family business mm-hmm. or estate or you cash out and you do your own thing. But I think because he might have taken that early, it might have he might have forfeited some of the other stuff, right? Yeah. And so uh, there's that cultural piece that plays in there. But just it's just a fun thought thought experiment, right? Yeah. Like what? what I'm still alive. You, how, you want yeah, me to give you, you my how money? How are you going to react to your kids being like, hey, I know you're going to die soon? I, <laughs> to me, it's like they're kind of hoping, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> they're hoping that we get die that money. get that money. And but. then to come find out that, you know, if, if it's your son and he's out there partying and spending it on all these girls, and you're like, boy, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I would have to, you know, when we start talking about uh, the dad and the famine at that moment, you know, as a... Uh, You'd have to think, okay, so this father is, uh, you know, he owns land, obviously. He has a, a pretty big estate. And so when famines and stuff happen, you know, word travels. So you know how to prepare for it or, you know, you know what's coming up. So he was, I'm, I'm guessing, he, would, he already knew that that was going ha- to be taking place. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew my, my, one of my kids were in the city and you know, a famine hit and, uh, you know, I'm far away from the city and I would always be getting up early in the morning, checking to see if I see somebody walking down, you know, the driveway or walking down the street, you know, just hoping one day that, you know, they did. So that, um, I don't know, that's that, that whole part, like you have to know, like the father himself, it knew had to know, yeah. You know what was coming. Yeah, to know when that famine was coming, and he also just to be like, "Hey, I respect your decision." That's another way to look at it. Yeah, I respect your decision. You want this now? Are you sure? 
All right, you understand the consequences. If I give you this now, there ain't no... I can imagine that he was having that discussion with his son before he gave him that money. Like, are you sure you want to... Yeah, like, are you sure you want to do this? Yes, I want to go... I want to go live on my own terms. Okay, son, here you go. He gives him that money, right? There's another component here that we got to look at. What about that humility process? Could you imagine the sun hits rock bottom and he's like, could you imagine just coming to your senses and you're, and you're feeding these pigs and you're looking at the pig like, I wish I could eat what you're eating. Could you imagine how low of a point you'd have to be at to just be like, what am I doing here? And it's like coming to your senses. And for some folks who may be listening to this podcast, you might be there right now where you're thinking like, man, I'm at wit's end. I'm kind of hitting rock bottom. I'm, I'm out. You know, I left the nest. Mm-hmm. I'm out on my own. And, uh, you know, I know that, hey, my parents, the door, they said the door is open. They're not going to abandon me. Or, or you might be like, you know what? If maybe my parent, my, my father has a job. Maybe I can go get a job with them. You know what? Maybe a family member. There's somebody who can help me out. I'm, I'm, I'm like at the bottom. And have enough humility to be like, I've sinned, right? He came to yeah. a repentance point where he's like, you know what? I, I've sinned. Uh, how many of my, how many of the folks uh, at my father's place, how many of my father's servants eat better than me? Let me go back and ask him to treat me as one of them. That way I can live better than what I'm living now when I'm looking at this pig wanting to eat the food. Matter of fact, I'm looking at the pig like I want to eat the pig. Yeah. That's, that's humility. I think good description to kind of sum this section up with uh, what with what you were just saying is you take what the world offers you and you can live for you will live like a king for a day mm. right mm-hmm. you take what God offers you and you'll always be taken care of by the king that's good that's good I like that that definitely sums that part up any other thoughts on this about the, 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 the young son? I mean, I can, there's definitely parts in this where I can relate, like just being out on my own, I, you know, living it up, wanting to, wanting to experience life and just do things my way, even though that meant partying for me and, and doing all the other stuff that I've done. Um, I think there is a time where we kind of just, you know, where life knocks some sense into us and we come out of that. So with that being said, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the second portion of the prodigal son. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the, 
And he said to him, Your brother has came home. Your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, those these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. All right, back from the break and into the second portion of this. Now, Mike, let, let's look at this from the father's perspective. Imagine that, your son, you gave him your inheritance that he asked for. Mm-hmm. He goes off, he's doing his own thing. Come to find out, he's living recklessly. But, you know, you don't know that. You just know that your son wanted to leave and do his own thing. And you're sitting there like, I miss that guy. You know, I miss my son. I wonder if he's doing okay. I hope, I hope everything is working out for him. And I wish he was here with us because he belongs here with us. I, th- I think, you know, kids don't realize how much we actually think about them, right? right? As, as parents and as fathers, um, how much you, uh, I mean... You worry about them for day to day things and stuff, but in the grand scheme of everything, I think about my kids a lot. I think about the choices there that they had made, what they're making now, and what I kind of see them making, you know, in the future. And they, I think, at least for me, I don't like to admit too much. It kind of hurts a little bit knowing that as a dad and as a father, I kind of didn't set my kids up the right way. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, natural consequence, I guess we could call it, you kind of worry about things like that, right? Kind of worry about where where they're at, how, things that they're doing, and you just hope that they get home safe at night. And not to mention, we understand how how cruel the world can be. Yeah. And when they're out there on their own, you kind of think of like, you know, especially if you watch the news all the time, you're thinking like, oh my God, there's somebody's going to get them, right? There's a rapist <laughs> running around. Yeah. People are getting murdered. You know, there's all this stuff going on. And when your kids are out there, you're thinking like worst case scenario because you're worried about them. It's making you anxious. They're out there in the world and, and you don't know what they're doing. And I understand that. That kind of, that kind of uh, it gives you anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's like going to it's like going to the beach with your family. Right. I don't know about you, but for me, you know, I put on the uh, protective uh, hat, protective dad hat when I go to the beach because I know where all the um, where all the things that could go wrong. You know, I'm always watching my daughter, seeing how far she's going out in, in the ocean. You know, she doesn't know about that there's, you know, jellyfish out there or, you undertow. know, sharks. Undertow, yeah, every undercurrent. There's like, yeah, yeah. there's things out there. But her, from her perspective, she sees a beautiful sand and beautiful water. and She just wants to have fun in it. Uh-huh. But I see the dangers of it, right? That's yep. kind of the whole uh, concept of what's going on, you know, with probably the state of mind of the father, knowing that his son went out. You have to think about those things. Yep. And then... You see him coming in the distance, and you're like, "Hey, you know, you're kind of you're wandering. You're going about life, but there's a piece of you that's missing. Your your heart is looking for your son. And all of a sudden, 
child comes, you see them off in a distance. And here it says his father seen him out in the distance. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm running. There he is. He's home. Yeah. He gets all excited and he goes off in there and it says there that the father shows compassion. And just to go back, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I will perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He didn't say, I sinned against you, I sinned against heaven, which means he understood who his God was. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he arose, but while he was off, still yet a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Like, I wonder if he was looking beat up. Maybe he came with a, a big old beard and just looking all roughed up. Yeah, and his he, father saw that in the well, distance. He came, he, came, he came, you know, stinking. He's wearing came with pigs. dirty clothes and, whole, you know, ungroomed. And... I feel like that's the way the world leaves us, right? When we yeah. go out and, and want to live that life. At the end, when we're when we don't have nothing, we're crawling back to, to God and that's that's who we are. We're we're mm. we're coming from the pits, right? Yep. We're and and just to just to see like that that image of your child filthy. Uh, beat up I'm sure you know and just knowing that the world chewed him up and spit him out I like to think about that and also think about how there was a time in my life where I was convinced that I had to uh, get right before I get God right there was a time in my life where I felt like I had to um, clean up myself before I was able to go to church or go to God or receive Christ in my heart. In this section, this is what this makes me think of: is like you come as you are, mm. right? That the son, the son in this parable when Jesus was speaking, Jesus didn't say this son went and got cleaned up. He didn't say he went and, and bought new clothes and 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 started making money and got a new job so he could come to to his father with something. And it just says he came. You know, from from the the pig pit to his father. So, I mean, this part this part makes me think of that. Like, you come as you are. It does, but it also makes me think of likewise that when you leave God and the world does beat you up, that is a consequence of that lifestyle. And part of me, when I'm looking at that, and he says that you know you see him off in the distance, don't tell me they ain't a part of you that's like, man, I want to smack the hell out of you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what's wrong with you? But then it's like, as the fatherly part kicks in, the compassion. Like, I love that it says he saw compassion. Can you imagine? Like, damn, I know life just beat this boy up, and here he comes, and and I'm just so glad that you decided to come home because you could be dead. There ain't no cell phone for him to call. Yeah, you know there ain't no phone lines there. Right, he's gonna have to send some some mail or something via donkey or whatever. It's that I, I I love you, and he rushed out to him. Was like, hey, let's celebrate. He was lost and now he is found. Let's let's throw a party. I couldn't um like I'm thinking you know as we're reading this and as we're talking I'm thinking you know of picturing one of my kids walking down, uh, walking down back toward and. I can't help but just to get a heavy heart and, and it, it's man it's just it's unfortunate that that things have to come to those situations but it's so amazing that there is that situation if that makes sense because yeah. 
we have a second chance. They, his son had a second chance. There is that second chance. There is that second chance. There's also a part of me that thinks like, you know what? If it wasn't for that situation, would this son have learned that lesson? Because some people, and, and I can say that I've experienced this myself, is I wasn't listening to nobody. You could have told me straight up wisdom, logic, all of that, and I would have not have listened to you at a certain age because right. I didn't have that understanding. And I would have done that. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go do my thing. But it wasn't until life kicks you down that you realize, like, what am I doing? And it took an event or hitting rock bottom to make you realize that this ain't right. Something's got to change. Mm. And then you start thinking of, well, where can I go to? We can always pray to God. Yeah. Right? God, God is still going to be with you. But who else are you going to go to to help you out? Where's your foundations? And, you know, hopefully you're blessed enough to have that be your family. Yeah. That's this, uh, while you were talking, it reminded me of that book we just read, Imagine Heaven, Mm -hmm. right? And there's one of those stories in there. And this is how, to me, the world uh, works. This is how uh, the enemy works. And one of the stories in in Imagine Heaven, there was a guy that he, he died and he was in this place and there was these people that came up to him. And when he said that they were coming to him, he thought they were there to receive him and to guide him. And so they started walking. They asked him to follow, you know, follow him. And they, everything, he felt safe. He felt good. Uh, and I'm just paraphrasing. And everything looked like there was no danger. There was nothing that that he was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? He just felt like it was it was fine. And he started walking with these, uh, what they turned out to be demons uh, later on in the story. But as he's walking, he started noticing that they started getting rude with him. Because he kept asking, because they were walking for a while, I guess, in, in, in his story. And they started being rude to him and telling him to shut up, just keep walking. And their whole manner changed once he, they got, once he got taken further away. That. right? Once he got yeah. taken further away from the point where uh, he was at, then when there was no turning back, they, they, they revealed who they really were. Their tr- they, they revealed their true colors. Right. And then they started picking at him and pushing him. And, and then it turned, you know, very violent and ugly. Like tearing him yeah, apart. Yeah, started tearing him apart and everything else and pull, biting him, pulling his eyes out, you know, everything in, in uh, the way he described it in that book. But that's kind of what this, that's what the world does to you. It, it, it makes it seem so attractive at first. And as you continue to walk and you get further away from who you are or what you believe, then, then those, those things start revealing who they really are. And those demons start coming out. And once they got you, they got you. Yeah. Right? Until, obviously, you know, you scream for Jesus and you come running back home. But um, that's kind of like some people don't have that. So, you know, some people just get lost in that, in that walk. Yeah. You're right. And you were making me think of, uh, and I'm going to probably slaughter this, but I was listening to Andy Stanley and he was talking about like how the world tempts you up to the line, right? They entice you. They, they put the carrot out in front of you, right? Like, hey, everybody's doing it. But once you cross the line, it chastises you. Yeah. So it brings you up to the line. Then when you cross it, it chastises you for that. And yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you. And that's how we see that. And then when we look at that with the father's eyes, we put that protective suite on him because it's like, hey, I know what it's like. Trust me. I'm going to tell you what it's like without allowing the kids to go through it, right? We want mm-hmm. them to listen to us without having to experience that. And I think at some point, that's wisdom. But 
how often, how often has this happened to you? Well, you're telling your kid it could be something about life and you're like, hey, I, I told you this is what's going to happen if you cross that line. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they're not listening to you. And then let's say a buddy or another family member who's not you tells them the same thing. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, I've been telling you that. <laughs> That's a, because everything. Because they don't want to listen to you, right? <laughs> and then somebody else comes along and says the same stuff that you told them. They're like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. I, I never heard of that before. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? You gotta it's, be kidding me. It's like they, they put a filter on when you speak, right? Yeah. When, when you talk to them, they're just like, they just want to get away from you right yep. away. But yeah, that's, dude, that's every everything, basically. You know, everything you say to, uh, to these kids, they're, they don't receive it. They don't receive right? it they until somebody else tells them that and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. there we go. We've got with the father, he's like, he shows compassion when he sees his son off in the distance. Um, the, the father doesn't treat him as a hired servant. He's still his son. It's like, no, you're not going to work for me. You're not going to, I'm not, you're not going to be treated like a servant. You're my son. Yeah. You're part of this family. You're not going to be treated like that. The, the, the father is happy. His son's alive. And then, he, you know, he also throws a celebration of that. But here's something I thought that was also interesting in that. He, the father to the older brother tells him, you know, you're always with me and that all I have is yours. So he didn't punish the son. And we're going to talk about the, the, he didn't punish the brother. Like the brother did nothing wrong. Mm. He's just happy that, you know, he, was, he went south. He was lost and now he's found. So let's go ahead and, and start talking about some of the things that, that you noticed through this uh, parable about the brother. So I think, you know, when you're talking about the older son, that, unfortunately, I feel like is a lot of Christians today. Okay. Okay. That I, I feel like, and, and I, I'm being transparent too, because I, I feel the same way sometimes too. You know, I, I see, uh, I, lose, I lose track of, of who I am every once in a while, you know. And, and, and Don't we all? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm better than, than anybody because I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that. So I'm being very transparent because there's sometimes I feel like you, you see people being blessed and you're like, God, I've been, I've been fasting for, you know, this, or I've been in my war room every day for this long. And you haven't answered one of my prayers, uh. but then this guy or these people or this family or this woman accepts you again. For the hundredth time, they come back and you open the floodgates of blessings. Like, right? Like, what, what's going on here? This is not fair. And I, like, I, I honestly see that a lot in church, in, in churches today. You see those people that that get into that religious mindset, and they're like, I, I do all this for God. I do this. I do this. I do this. I do this. I have, you know, like, where's my blessing? Where my? Obviously, it's that's a heart condition, right? That's 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 a different subject at a different time but i think you know when you're talking about the older brother he doesn't realize that he's been taken care of he he doesn't realize that the just because uh the the younger son went out and experienced life and and got beat up and came back and they celebrated he doesn't realize that at this moment that everything that his father has worked for is his right right and he's never went a day without worry 
he never he didn't go a day without not having he didn't suffer you know yeah i'm sure he works hard i'm sure you know we all at some point we all feel like we're working hard for god's kingdom and and stuff and then you have like for me i had to stop and look and be like look mike uh look at these blessings around you you have okay you have and sometimes i think as christians we we think that if we're not getting blessed by a new house, if we're not getting blessed by a new car, then God doesn't love us. Yeah. Right? And it's the everyday things, the everyday blessings. Waking up, mm. uh, not being uh, in a situation where you have to make a choice that's going to break your family or, you know, whatever. Like, there's those blessings mm. add up. And the culture teaches us that too, right? Like, you don't see in there that God promised you a brand new car and a house. But yet we live in a consumer society where everything is like, oh, you ain't blessed if you ain't got this. If you ain't got wealth, you ain't blessed. And we look at blessings differently. Yeah. And that, yeah, you're right. I mean, this brother didn't ask for his inheritance. Mm-mm. He was there. And he, he had everything that the Father had. He shared in everything that the Father had. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, man. And and sometimes think, that, that jealousy yeah. or resentment, like it's like, hey, man... I, I've been praying like I've never and I'm saying this on here because I'm just transparent like that but I've never had what I would say is an encounter with the Holy Spirit and I've been a believer for the long time and I'm like I hear people talking about it all the time like hey you know the Holy Spirit came on me I'm like uh, yeah what is that like you know I ain't felt that and then when I see the other side of it where people falling down and kind of stuff like that I'm like Look, man, um, I even pray to God. I'm like, God, is there something wrong with me that I'm not like having this this moment with you where people talk about where whether they be talking in tongues or whether they feel this extreme uh, closeness? Like, I don't feel far from God, but mm-hmm. I have. I just I, I don't believe that I've ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before. Doesn't mean that I don't believe in it, but I just hear people talking about it like that in church circles and in communities, and I'm like. I wonder what that's like, and I wonder what's wrong with me. What am I doing that I don't get to have that experience, and why am I not being blessed like some other people? Yeah, and I think what is uh, important to po- uh, to point out here is that the what the father says to um, to to the older brother when he's when he goes out and and talks to him, right? He tells him something that. That kind of hit me in a, it kind of hit me hard. Kind of hit me in a in a in a different way. Okay. Then I mean, you go through this whole thing. We read it. There's tons of stuff we could pull out, but there's something that I don't really hear anybody really talk about, where the father tells the older son, like, "But you've been here with me." Yeah. And the reason why that kind of hurt, or not hurts, but hits me in a in a in a different way is because what it would be like, I can imagine, to have a father. An earthly father, right? Okay. To be in that situation to say, yeah, you're right. I've been here with you. You know, there's there's a piece of me that gets jealous of that part of this story. Because, okay. you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't, I've never had that. And I think to take something that small for granted puts things in perspective for a lot of people. Because just the, for the father to say... Man, you've been here with me. You've had me. I'm here. Yeah, those times you want to stay up late and talk about things. Those times where you want to walk in the field and just say things or just we're spending time together. Like you have me. 
right? Yeah. Like I think about that, I'm like, dang man, that would have been so cool growing up with the dad. Cause that'd be so cool to to to, to spit a little uh, knowledge to uh, from my father to me as I was growing up, you know, and yeah. stuff. And and that part of the story, I, I don't ever hear anybody really talk about it, but that's a big statement. That is a that's, big statement. That's huge to me because I mean. Maybe I just noticed it because that's what I grew up without. Mm-hmm. You know, you always notice what you don't have. Um, but I don't know. That that kind of just hit me a different way. Yeah. And it's like, where was your heart at, bro? The father come. He's like, hey, I'm come. your son's arrived. Let, let's go greet him. Let's celebrate. He's like, what? That fool? He was out there spending all his money with these harlots and, and being wasteful with everything that he received. And you want to give him a reception? We should be giving him the smackdown right now. Like, what's going on here, right? <laughs> right. And he's, and he's, and he sees that treatment is impartial and unfair. Like the brother's undeserving, but the father looks at it as, hey, he's alive. He's been gone. I don't know what happened. I miss him. He's your brother too. Be glad that he came back to us. Look at the condition that he came back to us in. He's alive. And not only that, the part where it says he repented. Yeah. He acknowledged what was wrong. He's like, you know what? I messed up. I took my inheritance. I went out in the world and I blew it all. You know, I was living. I was living as a farmhand, feeding pigs and 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 looking at their food, wanting it for myself. I mean, come on. Yeah, I th- I think that's important too to 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 point out that the uh, that the younger brother, the first thing he says is I sinned against heaven. Yes. So obviously he knew what he was, the lifestyle he lived. And then for him to say, I sinned against you, uh, his dad, kind of puts that being repentful or re- re- understanding, uh, acknowledging. You know, when your kid comes to you and says, Dad, look, I I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I It just, you you react different, right? And and I, I love here, I'm going to go back to the scriptures here. And something that I, I kind of thought of is when the father said to the older son, you are always with me, and and everything I have is yours. That's almost saying that they are two in one. They are both the same, right? So when mm-hmm. when you when you are the older son in this story, right? It's 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 very important to realize that what what God has is what we have. Like we're we're going to be taken care of. Yeah. There's there's not uh, uh, there's not anything too big for God. There's not anything too small for God. Like there's nothing, well, uh, nothing that could separate us from God unless we choose to leave, right? Yeah. And I, I just think that's important to point out that he's the 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 father in this parable is putting the the older brother on the same platform, the same level as him. He's like, you're that's always true. with me. He's like, me. hey, well, you're on the same. You're always with me. What I got is yours. I have is yours. Yeah. What is mine is yours. Like that. That means a lot. It does. That does mean a lot. And he's assuring him, like, hey, I love you. But it also, it seems like the father understood the resentment that the brother was feeling, too, though. Because he's like, entreat? I don't really know what that means. We should probably look it up. But it sounds like he's like, hey, why don't, you know, your brother's back. Um, The servant said you didn't want to come out and greet him. He goes, I understand. You're probably thinking, like, this fool went out there and was wasteful, you know, and did all that. Um, But he's alive. And he's your brother. Let's go celebrate. Everything that I have is yours. You've yeah. always been with me. But this fool went out there and did his thing, right? And he's back. We're a family again. Let's celebrate that. So, let's uh what anything else you want to say on the brother? No, I think that's, you know, that's pretty much it. I kind of well, What can we learn about God through this parable? 
Oh, that's a good question. You know, like I, I, the, the main thing is, 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 is um, I think two things, right? The first one is that we make the choice to walk away from God and he's going to let us. Right. You know, the father, like, hey, you, you got free will. Do what you will. Okay. He's like, uh, give me my thing. I, God, I can do life without you. But God's always waiting there. Like he doesn't leave us. We leave him. Mm-hmm. And he rejoices when we've turned from our ways and we go back and seek him. Yeah, I think uh, that that's a good good thing to bring up. It made me think of like you hear a lot in in like Imagine Heaven, the book we read, and and in the and in the scriptures and stuff. It always says when when somebody gets saved or comes back, the the angels in heaven celebrate. Right? Yep. It's it's a party up there for that for that per, for that person, and that's kind of the same thing with this with this story, with this parable is like when, when you return home, there's a celebration. There's no, there's no, uh, God's not going to sit there and be like, okay, tell me everything you did while you're out there and you're going to pay for everything that you took. And you know, like there's a celebration like that gives me hope. Yeah. Like I'm not going to get the, I think he's like the consequences. You've already dealt with them. Now I'm going to love you. Yeah. Right. It's good to know that we can come back and get a tongue lashing. Right. <laughs> like we were with our parents, yeah. you know, I think for me to, kind of sum up this uh this topic here with with, or this parable is a few things one the friends you have when you're when you have everything aren't going to be there when you're when you're in need that this is pretty much what this parable you know pretty much a fact so (laughs) so just know that and i I think very uh, few yeah i mean there's a few uh maybe that will stick through with you but uh just remember that you know you could the world will offer you to live like a king for a day but when you live, walk with Christ, you'll be taken care of by the King. Mm. And you know the other thing is, is come as you are, right? That the, the Son came uh, as a pig feeder, right? He's beat up, chewed up, smelly, you know, ungroomed. Mm. He came as he was, and, and and that goes for you know anybody where you're at in your life, uh, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter what you're going through, or no no matter what you've been through, you know, you come as you are, and 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 God. And everybody's going to celebrate that. So don't be afraid or don't be ashamed of, of where you're coming from. Yeah. Nor, yeah. let me add to that. So nor should any Christians who've never fallen, like, resent those who have fallen. Right. Like, we shouldn't treat them like that. Because you act like there's not enough of God to go around. Like, he's in limited quanti- quantities to us. If, if somebody messes up, we should celebrate that. Even though it's natural, I think it's instinctual for us to, to get frustrated, like, you know what, you'd walked away, and now you want to come back? But instead, we should say, you came back. How are you doing? I'm glad you're okay. And we should celebrate that and bring that person back into the fold. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's pretty much, or the last thing, I'm sorry, the last thing I wanted to, to point out was kind of the last thing I kind of talked about was, you know, that the father had told the older brother that you've you've always been with me. Everything I am, everything I have, is you and me it's us like you know and just realize that if if that's if you're if you're the older brother just realize that god always has you you know and and you're going to be taken care of so don't waste energy on on judging or being upset just jump into the celebration yeah right and it's a little thing that i like to say um there's that thing where where we the parables before where he talks about the you know leaving the 99 to go get the one right if you're the older brother in the, in this parable, 
Be the 99. Be the 99. Be the 99. So that's that's what I got yeah, out of this one. Good. And then just to add one la- final thought on that, that um, humility is a sign of strength, not weakness. Yes. Right. When you when you recognize, I mean, it takes it takes a lot for a person to recognize, like even, you know, hopefully before you hit rock bottom. But when you're there, it's like I've sinned. I've messed up. And you know what? I need help. Can somebody help me? I think that is a sign of strength. And you should never um, be afraid or ashamed to show that humility, because just like Mike said, come as you are. And that takes a level of humility to acknowledge the state where you are in the state that you are in and say here i am god forgive me i need help all right so that concludes uh this episode of the kingdom misfits podcast and we look forward to having you on the next i know that mike's going to be bringing a solo version he's got some stuff that he's going to be wanting to talk to you guys about that'll be coming up soon but uh again we appreciate having you guys joining us this has been great mike anything you want to say on the way out Uh, if you guys uh look man if you guys are going through anything uh reach out uh find somebody you know reach out to us um through any way you can leave a message uh go to instagram uh, kingdom misfits podcast uh, leave a message there and whatever you're struggling with just know god loves you we love you uh, we're examples of people that have been through the mud and have made it back on the other end through christ so uh, if you need that that help and that structure or that direction please reach out all right well hey this has been the kingdom misfits podcast i'm david i'm mike we'll see y'all later peace And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who set him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Luke 15, 11 through 19. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast. I'm David. I'm Mike Trujillo. And this is where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's word through wrestling with the scripture and renewing our minds. Well, what's up, Mike? How you doing, bro? Doing good. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Um, how's everything been working in terms of work? Everything going fine? Yeah, everything's just, you know, nothing to complain about, especially in these times, you know. I'm getting my 40, so. 
There you go, making it happen, feeding the family. That's right. All right, so in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the story of the prodigal son, and that's a popular story, and we're going to be looking at some of the lessons we can extract from the text and look into ways where we could take these lessons and apply them to our lives. We've broken this podcast up into two parts. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the young son, and in the second part, we're going to be talking about the father, the older brother, and then we're going to talk about what we learned from God, where God was speaking to us through this parable. Just say this, Mike, you know, when I was doing some homework on this and looking into it, if we look at the beginning of chapter 15, of Luke chapter 15, we see that the story of the prodigal son is the third of three parables in Luke 15, and it's aimed at an audience of tax collectors, sinners, religious leaders, and teachers of the law. The topic of these parables is on the lost things being found. You got the story of the lost sheep, um, a lost coin, and then the lost son. So the main theme that we see in Luke 15 is that of heaven rejoicing when a sinner repents and is found. Yeah, and, and I think it's uh, such a great story. This whole, uh, I mean, you could speak for hours on, on this parable, and there's so much meat uh, on this bone. And, I mean, you could take, you could look at it from all three perspectives. You know, you could, there's a lot. And so I'm very excited to, to get into this this parable and I just love the way how Jesus sets it up. I love the the whole outline uh, and and who he was talking to, you know. So I, I it's it's a great story. I agree. And and before we dive in, let's not miss the importance of what you just said too. The the importance that Jesus, and well, when it says in Luke fifteen, it says Jesus was hanging out with people that are considered sinners, right? Mm-hmm. The the religious leaders were are judging Jesus, saying that. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And how often are we as uh, believers, you know, when, when you're hanging around with folks who are in the world or non-believers, you know, you, you can feel that judgment. Or, you know, you got that friend, right? Yeah. We all have that friend. Yeah. And it's okay. But it's crazy how Jesus kind of, you know, he was a misfit in the term that he kind of bucked the trends there, yeah. right? When they're following him, like, who are you? Look at you. You're eating with those sinners. You must be unclean. You must be wrong. And he's like, I came for the sick. I came for these guys that they may be saved. Right. Yeah, and it's, man, I, I, I'll have to be honest, too, because I, I catch myself every now and then, you know, being that, that Pharisee or being that person is like, oh, you're, you're looking at people and you're just like, why are they this way? You know, you start looking at them and judging them. Man, I, I catch myself like that. I got to check myself every now and then because I do. You know, I get like that. I think we all do at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, we look at uh, certain things in certain situations where we see people that are on the same walk as us, but then they start veering off. And instead of reaching out with love, you start reaching out with uh, when you start judging stupid things, you know. And, and I, I have to check myself on that a lot. Yeah, I agree. I do, too. And, and you know, we often think like, hey, we're part of the church. And, and it's like the church is made for sinners, but yet... We look at sinners in a different light because they're not part of this group. And I, I just want to challenge that. Right. You know, like, but there's also two sides to that coin. Because it's one thing is, can you hang around with folks who people would call sinners and not be influenced by them? Because I think you're supposed to be the positive influence and not the other way around. Yeah. And if you find that you're uh, being influenced by them, then you may want to reconsider and, and start drawing back if it's starting to impact your your faith, your family, your work, all those areas of life, then you need to reevaluate who you're hanging around with. Yeah, or reevaluate who, who you are in Christ. 
you know, because you, you don't take a candle in a dark room and the candle doesn't turn dark. It's right. supposed to bright up, uh, brighten up the room. And, you know, for me, I, I could relate, I could give an example of, you know, being around people that drink or being in, uh, you know, family gatherings or, uh, you know, company barbecues or people, you know, are drinking or whatever. And, you know, everybody knows my story, where I come from, you know, and I don't struggle with that anymore. Uh, but you won't ever see me be influenced by them because I took a stand against that in my own heart and who I am as a, as a man. I will never go down that road. So for me to be around people that, that are having a few drinks and stuff like that doesn't influence me. Yeah, and I think that's important and a sign of spiritual maturity. And with that being said, let's go ahead and start looking into the prodigal son. So we're going to start off with the first half of the prodigal son parable. And I really wanted to take a look at where it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And I want to pause there, because I think we need to understand some cultural context here. And I started doing some research and, and found that the Jewish culture, that in the Jewish culture, there were these laws regarding how inheritances were divided, where if there were two sons, like in this parable, um, the older brother would get a double portion and the younger would get a single portion of the state. And they both would take on the father's responsibilities of basically tending to the family, the property, and the business. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it's total different culture in the way that we see that in American culture. And, and they set it up to where the older brother, usually the son, mm-hmm. would get a two-thirds, whereas the younger son, if there's two, would get a third of that. Yeah, I would have to think about, like, you know, put yourself in that position, and you, at those times, you know, you had to work. It would be like on a farm, you know, like what we can relate to, you know, working on a farm. And usually the older son is going to have uh, the more, more responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, and... You got to think about everything the the father knows. He's going to hand it down to his firstborn son, and so in that translation, I'm sure there's a few things that are uh, not translated over. But what the son has is almost everything that the father had, as far as knowledge of running the the estate or the farm, whatever you want to say it. And then his job as the older brother is to teach his younger brother, right? As they're working the estate or the farm, uh, plowing through it. So I think the brother. The older bro- brother is going to have more responsibility and consequences. Agreed. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, you would see them to get more. Yeah. And also we see that the son saying, give me my portion of this inheritance and let me cash in on what would be mine. You know, the father's not even dead yet. And the son's like, you know what? I want to get out there. I want to experience the world. Let me give me give me my portion of the inheritance inheritance that would be due to me. Yeah, and, and uh, when you think about it, you like that didn't just pop into his head, right? No, he's so thinking about who, it. Who was he hanging around, or what? What did he see? What gave him the idea to to even cross that line? You know, like that's what I, I think about. Like, all right, you're the younger son. You you uh, you you look up to your older brother, right? And your older brother looks up to your father, and and you guys have this bond and. Uh, whatever the dad does, the, the sons do, and vice versa, right? You think of uh, how families are. But I wonder, like, maybe something, you know, came in and influenced him to, to think that way. Yeah. When I'm looking at this, I think in terms of, okay, 
look at it in our day and age, right? What if you, what if the son spent all the time working, um, didn't get, you know, going to school? I'm putting that in a modern context. You're going to school, you're doing everything right, but yet you see the crowd over there at school. Maybe it's the cool kids, or maybe it's, um, you see that there's more to life and you want to go explore that. Yeah. And you're over here just doing, you know, you're, you're handling your business, you're doing your duties as assigned, as assigned. And then you're like, you know what? I want to explore the world or I want to go out there and check that out. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, just kind of when we're reading this, it looks like he's like, hey, I want to go party. Give me my let me give me my money and let me go do my thing. Let me go live the way that I want to live. Yeah. And then, the, you know, it gives him the money. And then we see that uh, we see that once the son gets the money, he takes off, goes out and lives it up, squandering the money in reckless living. So here you go. He goes full on rebellion and and. He's spending his money. It says that he spends his money. Um, it looks like he's also messing with harlots. So he's just going out there and living it up. Yeah. Just squandering everything away. So I was thinking, well, what 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 can what kind of lessons can we extract from that alone? I, I when I read this story, I think of just a young me and a lot of young folks that I see out there in the world today. They get turned on to partying if they're at school, or or maybe they just want to just get out and try to live like an adult. Right. And do their thing, right? Right. And then they get caught up in the whirlwind and the and the cultural tide and, and now the next thing you know they're they're partying it up. They're they're spending recklessly. Yeah. Buying a bunch of expensive stuff. So one of the things that I learned from just that section there is like, you know, choices have consequences. And we're gonna see that from him, right? He he made the decision to say, you know what, my father's not even dead. I want what's mine because I want to go do what I want to do. Feel feeling entitled. Feeling right? entitled, like, right? We see that a lot, like right? You, like they have to give you something that you never earned. Yep. Or you haven't even earned it yet, but you want it. Yep. Yeah. And then I you want go, it now. You, yeah. And you then you think about uh, the type of people when he showed up in this city, right? He's New York, Las Vegas, however you want to put it in modern times, right? There you go. Uh, big city fun. And but think about all these new friends that he had, right? All these, you see a, a, a guy show up with spending all this money out partying. Look at all the, hey, I'm your friend. Think, think about all the friends he had, you know, during this time that he had all this money. Yeah. Right. So he was uh, just lit basking in the glory of, of uh, his, his, basically his father's uh, hard work. Right. Yeah. And, and spending that money. And, and again, that goes back to the second lesson. I think would be like, be careful who you hang around with. And mm -hmm. you just said that. They see him. They're like, hey, you know what? We, you got money. Hey, let's go do this. Oh, I know how to have a good time. And then, you know, it appears that uh, probably spending it on women, yep. drinking, or, or whatever might have been popular even at that time. So I think that's funny because we read that with modern eyes. Yeah. And, and, and I can't imagine that even with modern eyes that this would be too different from back then, right? I'm sure there had to have been some type of things going on because when it says he, he uses money recklessly, what would that be? It probably involved drinking. It probably involved, uh, you know, uh, immoral women mm -hmm. and all of that. And you could probably, probably burn through it really quick. Another lesson that I think was pretty cool in that is that, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed of what the pigs were eating. Yeah. So you see that he's going out. He's like, hey, I'm living it up. I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden the money runs dry. And what happens when the money runs dry? People probably abandon him. Yep. Right? They used him up, spent him up. And now he ain't got nothing. So what's he got to do? 
he's got to go find some way to eat. You yep. know, and he goes and finds probably another farmer like, hey, how can I help you out? And and now now he's uh, he's down there with the pigs. Like, how low can you go? That's that's rock bottom, right? And and I think if uh, I I think about my life and in, in my party days, right? Like I had. Uh, a lot of friends I would go out there was always a group of friends right that we'd go out and there was always you know going to the bars you even made more friends because you uh, you'd buy shots for people and this and that right and the next day while you're on a hangover and hurting you're by yourself and then you start questioning like was it really worth it you look at your bank account was it really worth it you know and and I think the enemy sneaks in and uh kind of blinds us or tricks us to think that um that this is this is the hot this is the the way life should be this is you're you're living the life this is so fun this is so glorious right this Mm -hmm. you're you're basking in everything Uh, you're just having a great time you have all these people that love you and you have this great uh feeling inside like oh man i can't wait for next weekend right that's the that's the cycle we get into but in the reality of it you you're you're always by yourself right you're you're you lose you're always losing you're you're never gaining anything in those situations you're losing time and you're losing health and you're losing money yep and that it's a spiral down right and then you find yourself by yourself feeding pigs you know just anything you you know i'm sure he had plenty of conversations with those pigs that he was he was feeding because he had nobody to talk to. Right. You know, he's like, I want your food, pig. <laughs> he's looking at the pig as food. He's like, I see bacon. But also, here's, here's another piece, too, right? Like, wealth not managed well will lead you to poverty. Because mm. obviously, this guy got all this money. He got his inheritance. He goes out and he spends it recklessly. You know, and there's some financial financial literacy there that the kid probably didn't learn yeah when he's going through that like you know he could have probably learned to to save that be a little bit more prepared and had a better foundation financially when he decided to leave his father's house that's a good that's a good perspective to to bring i never even looked at it that way before that's that's a new way that uh that i just realized you know like there was nothing he had no knowledge of anything i I never even looked at that that section the way you just said it that's that's pretty crazy to think that. Yeah, it's like he blew his money recklessly. He just blew everything, and we, we don't have any time frames. The text doesn't give us any time frames. I mean, we know that after asking for the inheritance, a few days he took off and he did his thing. So he got it and he went out, and I, and and it just makes me think like, well, how did he manage his money? How did he blow it? I know how, how long did it take him to blow all that money? Mm. Yeah, and I think like those those are lessons that I'm sure his father would have taught him as he got older. Like, this is the way things are. You know, this is how you establish yourself. This is this and that. But, you know, he wanted to be greedy and, and took it all. Yeah. And then as he's at rock bottom, the famine, famine hits. What, what about the dad? What, this, is, this is something that was bugging me when I was reading this, too. It's like, what, what can we say about the father when it comes to that part? Like, your son comes to you. Think of your daughter or your son coming to you yeah. while you're still alive and saying, I, I, I want the inheritance. I want what's in the will. I want you to give me that. Matter of fact, cash out your 401k, your Roth IRA, and let me get a portion of that that you would give to me when you die because I want to go live my life. Right. How do you think the father would have felt at that? Or how would you feel as a father if your kid came up and said that to you? Man, okay, so at first I would be upset and, and angry, but I think 
to be honest, you would you would give them what they wanted because you loved them. Would you though? Like if that's the like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna tell them no and keep them there, and they're gonna end up running away anyways? They're gonna end up making things harder for you around your house, you know. Like there's there there's a time in 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 a father's life where he has to make these tough decisions. When my kids got older, we were faced with that same choice, right? Obviously, I didn't have I didn't have any any royalties or you know I didn't have anything but but a good luck check for them, you know, to, okay. for them to leave the house, but. Uh, you know, they, 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 they wanted to leave the house earlier than, than what we wanted them for. You know, we wanted them to wait longer and, and establish things before they, they moved out, but they wanted to go taste that freedom, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to go do the things that they wanted to do and, and live the life that they wanted to live and experience life and the, uh, the way that they wanted to experience it. But to, to be honest with you, uh, David is, I, I think we came to a conclusion, my wife and I, where if if they're going to leave, they're going to leave regardless, right? Mm-hmm. So why not send them out of love? Why not why not just uh, like allow them to leave but do it lovingly because those are your children still, you know? Those are your kids still. You can never turn your back on your kids, right? You get it's that's that's your flesh and blood. So like you, you're, 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 you're forced to make a hard decision, a decision that, that actually, to be honest with you, is uh, a reflection of my failure as a dad to my kids, right? Because I, I, I can look back and, you know, my kids grew up watching me drink and party and every weekend and living the, what they saw and what I was portraying as a fun life, uh, you know, so um, I had to... M- I had to be honest with myself in that situation because I couldn't, I couldn't tell them anything that I didn't do, and I wasn't in the in the I wasn't in I still was drinking when they were when they were leaving, you know. And I don't blame them, you know. I I, I didn't make my household a a fun place to be as a drunk, you know. I don't think anybody does, and so I mean I was man, I, it was a tough decision that you know we we had to make and. The way we made it was allowing them to to leave, but always keeping the door open and always keeping that communication. Because I think if you leave on a bad foot, uh, or you leave screaming and, and anger and cussing and stuff at, at each other, you you close a door to a certain extent, right? And we wanted to at least know that they were okay, right? But would you give them their inheritance? So it's one thing to say, okay, kids, your kid wants to wants to give their shot at adulting, right? They want to move out. They want to go to college. They want to have their own independence is what we would call it nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Would you, if you had your retirement or let's just say sell your property, do whatever you want, half of your savings, whether you got in some gold bars under the bed, you got in some mattress money, you got it in your savings account and wealth that you would have accumulated if you've accumulated any, mm-hmm. would you say, all right, you know what? If I die per our insurance policy, you would get this amount of money. Let me go ahead and give you that while I'm still alive. Would you have agreed to that? I mean, this is a cult. I, I I think that you know the culture plays a lot here, but and when you when you're looking at that and you're internalizing that, I'm like, hell no. Yeah. I ain't giving you. You know what? Get a job. Yeah. Get out there and work for it. I will support you where I can, but you wanna wear you wanna you wanna wear the big boy big girl pants? Go ahead and do it. We're gonna be here to support you, whether that's education, whether that's 
going out and living independently. Um, I just don't know if I would basically cash in whatever I had in terms of accumulations or give them their inheritance before my time is up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm still alive. I ain't dead. One, I kind (laughs) of be offended. Like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Give me what you would give me if you were to die. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. As much as I want to say I I would give them, you know, something, I think I, I would, I would have to take the stance that you, you you're taking you're like hey yeah you, you big boy uh decisions big boy consequences good yeah. luck and then again it's cultural so i mean i'm, I'm not too familiar with all the jewish culture so i couldn't say like it plus i didn't have that much I, <laughs> yeah right like yeah, i'm broke i don't have i don't i don't have all that to give you enough for you, you to go you want, uh, <laughs> you want a half of my clothes and uh uh one of the laundry baskets because that's all i got man yeah. but i also think the implications of that in that culture is like when you get that portion, you know, you could choose to take on the family business mm-hmm. or estate or you cash out and you do your own thing. But I think because he might have taken that early, it might have he might have forfeited some of the other stuff. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's that cultural piece that plays in there. But just it's just a fun thought thought experiment. Right. Yeah. Like what? what? I'm still alive. You, how, you want yeah, me to give you, you my how money? How are you going to react to your kids being like, hey, I know you're going to die soon? <laughs> I, to me, it's like they're kind of hoping, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> they're hoping that we get die that money. to get that money. And but. then to come find out that, you know, if, if it's your son and he's out there partying and spending it on all these girls, and you're like, boy, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would have to, you know, when we start talking about uh, the dad and the famine at that moment, you know, as a... Uh, You'd have to think, okay, so this father is, uh, you know, he owns land, obviously. He has a, a pretty big estate. And so when famines and stuff happen, you know, word travels. So you know how to prepare for it or, you know, you know what's coming up. So he was, I'm, I'm guessing, he, would, he already knew that that was going ha- to be taking place. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew my, my, one of my kids were in the city and you know, a famine hit and, uh, you know, I'm far away from the city and I would always be getting up early in the morning, checking to see if I see somebody walking down, you know, the driveway or walking down the street, you know, just hoping one day that, you know, they did. So that, um, I don't know, that's that, that whole part, like you have to know, like the father himself it knew had to know yeah you know what was coming yeah to know when that famine was coming and he also just to be like hey i respect your decision that's another way to look at it yeah i respect your decision you want this now are you sure all right you understand the consequences if i give you this now there ain't no i can imagine that he was having that discussion with his son before he gave him that money like are you sure you want it yeah like are you sure you want to do this yes i want to go i want to go uh live on my own terms okay son here you go gives him that money right there's another component here that we got to look at what about that humility process could you imagine the sun hits rock bottom and he's like could you imagine just coming to your senses and you're and you're feeding these pigs and you're looking at the pig like i wish i could eat what you're eating could you imagine how low of a point you'd have to be at to just be like what am i doing here and it's like coming to your senses and for some folks who may be listening to this podcast you might be there right now where you're thinking like, man, I'm at wit's end. I'm kind of hitting rock bottom. I'm, I'm out. You know, I left the nest. Mm-hmm. I'm out on my own. And, uh, you know, I know that, hey, my parents, the door, they said the door is open. They're not going to abandon me or, 
or you might be like, you know what, if maybe my parent, my, my father has a job, maybe I can go get a job with them. You know what, maybe a family member, there's somebody who can help me out. I'm, I'm, I'm like at the bottom and have enough humility to be like, I've sinned, right? He came to yeah. a repentance point where he's like, you know what, I, I've sinned. Uh, how many of my, how many of the folks uh, at my father's place, how many of my father's servants eat better than me? Let me go back and ask him to treat me as one of them. That way I can live better than what I'm living now when I'm looking at this pig wanting to eat the food. Matter of fact, I'm looking at the pig like I want to eat the pig. Yeah. That's that's humility. I think good description to kind of sum this section up with, uh, what, with what you were just saying is you take what the world offers you and you can live for you will live like a king for a day. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. You take what God offers you. And you'll always be taken care of by the king. That's good. That's good. I like that. That definitely sums that part up. A- any other thoughts on this about the, the 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 young son? I mean, I can. There's definitely parts in this where I can relate. Like just being out on my own. I you know living it up, wanting to wanting to experience life and just do things my way, even though that meant partying for me and and doing all the other stuff that I've done. Um, I think there is a time where we kind of just, you know, where life knocks some sense into us and we come out of that. So with that being said, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the second portion of the prodigal son. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And and he said to him, your brother has came home. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, those these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. All right, back from the break and into the second portion of this. 
Now, Mike, let, let's look at this from the father's perspective. Imagine that. Your son, you gave him your inheritance that he asked for. Mm-hmm. He goes off. He's doing his own thing. Come to find out he's living recklessly. But, you know, you don't know that. You just know that your son wanted to leave and do his own thing. And you're sitting there like, I miss that guy. You know, I miss my son. I wonder if he's doing okay. I hope I hope everything is working out for him. And I wish he was here with us because he belongs here with us. I, th- I think, you know, kids don't realize how much we actually think about them, right? right? As, as parents and as fathers, um, how much you, uh, I mean, you worry about them for, uh, to, for day-to-day things and stuff. But in the grand scheme of everything, I think about my kids a lot. I think about the choices there that they had made, what they're making now, and what I kind of see them making, you know, in the future. And they, I think, at least for me, I don't like to admit too much. It kind of hurts a little bit knowing that as a dad and as a father, I kind of didn't set my kids up the right way. Mm-hmm. So I think natural consequence, I guess we could call it, you kind of worry about things like that, right? Kind of worry about where where they're at, how, things that they're doing, and you just hope that they get home safe at night. And not to mention, we understand how how cruel the world can be. Yeah. And when they're out there on their own, you kind of think of like, you know, especially if you watch the news all the time, you're thinking like, oh my God, there's somebody's going to get them, right? There's a rapist <laughs> running around. Yeah. People are getting murdered. You know, there's all this stuff going on. And when your kids are out there, you're thinking like, worst case scenario, because you're worried about them. It's making you anxious. They're out there in the world. And, and you don't know what they're doing. And I understand that. That kind of, that kind of uh, it gives you anxiety. Yeah. You know? it's, like going to, it's like going to the beach with your family, right? I don't know about you, but for me, you know, I put on the uh, protective uh, hat, protective dad hat when I go to the beach. Because I know where all, the, um, where all the things that could go wrong. You know, I'm always watching my daughter, seeing how far she's going out in, in the ocean. You know, she doesn't know about that there's, you know, jellyfish out there or, you undertow. know, sharks, undertow. Yeah, every undercurrent. There's like, yeah, yeah. there's things out there. But her, from her perspective, she sees a beautiful sand and beautiful water and she just wants to have fun in it. Uh-huh. But I see the dangers of it, right? That's yep. kind of the whole uh, concept of what's going on, you know, with probably the state of mind of the father, knowing that his son went out. You have to think about those things. Yep. And then you see him coming in the distance. And you're like, hey, you know, you're kind of you're wandering. You're going about life, but there's a piece of you that's missing. Your, your heart is looking for your son. And all of a sudden, your child comes. You see them off in the distance. And here it says, his father's seen him out in the distance. And he was like, oh, my gosh. I'm running. There he is. He's home. Yeah. He gets all excited, and he goes off in there. And it says there that the father shows compassion. And just to go back, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I will perish here in hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He didn't say, I have sinned against you. I sinned against heaven, which means he understood who his God was. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he arose, but while he was off, still yet a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Like, I wonder if he was looking beat up. Maybe he came with a, a big old beard and just looking all roughed up. Yeah, and his he, father saw that in the well, distance. He came, he, came, he came, you know, stinking. He's came with, with dirty clothes and whole, you know, ungroomed, and I feel like that's the way the world leaves us, right? When we yeah. go out and and want to live that life, 
at the end when we're when we don't have nothing we're crawling back to to god and that's that's who we are we're mm. we're we're coming from the pits right yep we're, and and just to just to see like that that image of your child filthy uh beat up i'm sure you know and just knowing that the world chewed him up and spit him out i like to think about that and also think about how there was a time in my life where i was convinced that i had to uh, get right before i get god right there was a time in my life where i felt like i had to um clean up myself before i was able to go to church or go to god or receive christ in my heart in this section this is what this makes me think of is like you come as you are mm. right that the son the son in this parable when jesus was speaking jesus didn't say this son went and got cleaned up he didn't say he went and, and bought new clothes and 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 started making money and got a new job so he could come to to his father with something and it just says he came you know from from the the pig pit to his father so i mean this part this part makes me think of that like you come as you are it does but it also makes me think of likewise that when you leave god and the world does beat you up that is a consequence of that lifestyle and part of me when i'm looking at that and it says that you know you see him off in the distance don't tell me they're in a party that's like man i want to smack the hell out of you you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. what, what's wrong with you but then it's like as the fatherly part kicks in the compassion like i love that it says he saw compassion can you imagine like damn i know life just beat this boy up and here he comes and and i'm just so glad that you decided to come home because you could be dead there ain't no cell phone for him to call yeah you know there ain't no phone lines there right he's gonna have to send some some mail or something via donkey or whatever it's that i i love you and he rushed out to him was like hey let's celebrate he was lost and now he is found let's let's throw a party i couldn't um like i'm thinking you know as we're reading this and as we're talking i'm thinking you know picturing one of my kids walking down uh walking down back toward and I can't help but just to get a heavy heart, and, and it, it's, man, it's just it's unfortunate that that things have to come to those situations, but it's so amazing that there is that situation, if that makes sense, because yeah. we have a second chance. They his son had a second chance. There is that second chance. There is that second chance. There's also a part of me that thinks like you know what. If it wasn't for that situation, would the son have learned that lesson? Because some people, and, and I can say that I've experienced this myself, is I wasn't listening to nobody. You could have told me straight up wisdom, logic, all of that, and I would have not have listened to you at a certain age because right. I didn't have that understanding. And I would have done that. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go do my thing. But it wasn't until life kicks you down that you realize like, what am I doing? And it took an event or hitting rock bottom to make you realize that this ain't right. Something's got to change. Mm. And then you start thinking of, well, where can I go to? We can always pray to God. Yeah. Right? God, God is still going to be with you. But who else are you going to go to to help you out? Where's your foundation? And, you know, hopefully you're blessed enough to have that be your family. Yeah. 
That, that's this. Uh, while you were talking, it reminded me of that book we just read, Imagine Heaven, mm-hmm. right? And there's one of those stories in there. And it, this is how, to me, the world uh, works. This is how uh, the enemy works. And one of the stories in, in Imagine Heaven, there was a guy that he, he died and he was in this place and there was these people that came up to him. And when he said that they were coming to him, he thought they were there to receive him and to guide him. And so they started walking. They asked him to follow, you know, follow him. And everything, he felt safe. He felt good. Uh, And I'm just paraphrasing. And everything looked like there was no danger. There was nothing that, that he was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? He just felt like it was, it was fine. And he started walking with these, uh, what they turned out to be demons uh, later on in the story. But as he's walking, he started noticing that they started getting rude with him because he kept asking because they were walking for a while, I guess, in, in, in his story. And they started being rude to him and telling him to shut up, just keep walking. And their whole manner changed once he, they got, once he got taken further away, that. right? Once he got yeah. taken further away from the point where uh, he was at, then when there was no turning back, they 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 revealed who they really were. Their tr- they they revealed their true colors. Right. And then they started picking at him and pushing him, and, and then it turned you know very violent and ugly. Start tearing him yeah, apart. Yeah. Start tearing him apart and everything else, and pull, biting him, pulling his eyes out. You know everything in in uh, the way he described it in that book. But that's kind of what this that's what the world does to you. It it, it makes it seem so attractive at first. And as you continue to walk and you get further away from who you are or what you believe, then, then those, those things start revealing who they really are. And those demons start coming out. And once they got you, they got you. Yeah. Right. Until obviously, you know, you scream for Jesus and you come running back home. But um, that's kind of like some people don't have that. So, you know, some people just get lost in that, in that walk. Yeah. Right, and you were making me think of, uh, and I'm gonna probably slaughter this, but I was listening to Andy Stanley, and he was talking about like how the world tempts you up to the line, right? They entice you, they they put the carrot out in front of you, right? Like, hey, everybody's doing it, but once you cross the line, it chastises you. Yeah. So it brings you up to the line, then when you cross it, it chastises you for that. And yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you, and that's how we see that. And then when we look at that with the father's eyes. We put that protective suite on him because it's like, hey, I know what it's like. Trust me. I'm going to tell you what it's like without allowing the kids to go through it, right? We want mm-hmm. them to listen to us without having to experience that. And I think at some point, that's wisdom. But how often how often has this happened to you? Where you're telling your kid it could be something about life and you're like, hey, I, I told you this is what's going to happen if you cross that line. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they're not listening to you. And then let's say a buddy or another family member who's not you tells them the same thing. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, I've been telling you that. <laughs> That's a, because everything. Because they don't want to listen to you, right? <laughs> and then somebody else comes along and says the same stuff that you told them. They're like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. I never heard of that before. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? You gotta it's be kidding like, me. It's like they, they put a filter on when you speak, right? Yeah. When, when you talk to them, they're just like, they just want to get away from you right yep. away. But yeah, that's, dude, that's every everything, basically. You know, everything you say to, uh, to these kids, they're, they don't receive it. They don't receive right? it. Until so somebody else tells them that and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. We've got with the father, he shows compassion when he sees his son off in the distance. Um, the, the father doesn't treat him as a hired servant. 
He's still his son. It's like, no, you're not going to work for me. You're not going to. I'm not. You're not going to be treated like a servant. You're my son. Yeah. You're part of this family. You're not going to be treated like that. The, the the father is happy. His son's alive, and then he, you know, he also throws a celebration of that. But here's something I thought that was also interesting in that. He, the father, to the older brother, tells him, you know, you're always with me, and that all I have is yours. So he didn't punish the son. And we're going to talk about the, the, he didn't punish the brother. Like the brother did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. He's just happy that, you know, he, was, he went south. He was lost and now he's found. So let's go ahead and, and start talking about some of the things that, that you noticed through this uh, parable about the brother. So I think, you know, when you're talking about the older son, that, unfortunately, I feel like is a lot of Christians today. Okay. Okay. That I, I feel like, and, and I, I'm being transparent too, because I, I feel the same way sometimes too. You know, I, I see, uh, I lose, I lose track of, of who I am every once in a while, you know, and, and Don't we all? I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm better than than anybody because I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that. So I'm being very transparent because there's sometimes I feel like you you see people being blessed, and you're like, God, I've been I've been fasting for you know this, or I've been in my war room every day for this long, and you haven't answered one of my prayers. Uh. But then this guy, or these people, or this family, or this woman accepts you again for the hundredth time they come back and you open the floodgates of blessings like right like what, what's going on here this is not fair and i like i i honestly see that a lot in church in, in churches today you see those people that that get into that religious mindset and they're like i i do all this for god i do this i do this i do this i do this i have you know like Where's my blessing? Where my, obviously, it's, that's a heart condition, right? That's 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 a different subject at a different time. But I think you know when you're talking about the older brother, he doesn't realize that he's been taken care of. He he doesn't realize that the, just because uh, the the younger son went out and experienced life and and got beat up and came back and they celebrated, he doesn't realize that at this moment that everything that his father has worked for is his. Right. Right. And he's never went a day without worry. He never, he didn't go a day without not having, he didn't suffer, you know? Yeah. I'm sure he works hard. I'm sure, you know, we all, at some point we all feel like we're working hard for God's kingdom and, and stuff. And then you have like, for me, I had to stop and look and be like, look, Mike, uh, look at these blessings around you. You have, okay. You have. And sometimes I think as Christians, we, we think that if we're not getting blessed by a new house, if we're not getting blessed by a new car, then God doesn't love us. Yeah. Right? And it's the everyday things, the everyday blessings. Waking up, mm. uh, not being uh, in a situation where you have to make a choice that's going to break your family or, you know, whatever. Like, there's those blessings yeah. add up. And the culture teaches us that too, right? Like, you don't see in there that God promised you a brand new car and a house. But yet we live in a consumer society where everything is like, oh, you ain't blessed if you ain't got this. If you ain't got wealth, you ain't blessed. And we look at blessings differently. Yeah. And that, yeah, you're right. I mean, this brother didn't ask for 
his inheritance. Mm-mm. He was there. And he, he had everything that the father had. He shared in everything that the father had. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, man. And sometimes think, that, that jealousy yeah. or resentment, like, it's like, hey, man, I, I've been praying. Like, I've never, and I'm saying this on here because I'm just transparent like that, but I've never had what I would say is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I've been a believer for the long time. And I'm like, I hear people talking about it all the time. Like, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit came on me. I'm like, uh, yeah, what is that like? You know, I ain't felt that. And then when I see the other side of it where people falling down and kind of stuff like that, I'm like, look, man, um, I even pray to God. I'm like, God, is there something wrong with me that I'm not like having this this moment with you where people talk about where whether they be talking in tongues or whether they feel this extreme uh, closeness. Like, I don't feel far from God, but mm-hmm. I have, I just... I don't believe that I've ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before. doesn't mean that I don't believe in it, but I just hear people talking about it like that in church circles and in communities. And I'm like, I wonder what that's like. And I wonder what's wrong with me. What am I doing that I don't get to have that experience? And why am I not being blessed like some other people? Yeah, and I think what is uh, important to, po- uh, to point out here is that the what the Father says to... Um, to, to the older brother when he's when he goes out and, and talks to him right he tells him something that that kind of hit me in a it kind of hit me hard kind of hit me in a, in a in a different way okay then I mean you go through this whole thing we read it there's tons of stuff we could pull out but there's something that I don't really hear anybody really talk about where the father tells the older son like but you've been here with me yeah and the reason why that kind of hurt or not hurts, but hits me in a, in a, in a different way is because what it would be like, I can imagine to have a father, an earthly father, right? Okay. To be in that situation to say, yeah, you're right. I've been here with you. You know, there's, there's a piece of me that gets jealous of that part of this story because, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't, I've never had that. And I think, to take something that small for granted puts things in perspective for a lot of people. Cause just the, for the father to say, man, you've been here with me. You've had me. I'm here. Yeah. Those times you want to stay up late and talk about things. Those times where you want to walk in the field and just say things or just, we're spending time together. Like you have me. Right. Yeah. Like I think about that. I'm like, dang man, that would have been so cool growing up with the dad. Cause that'd be so cool to, 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 to spit a little uh, knowledge to uh, from my father to me as I was growing up, you know, and yeah. stuff. And, and that part of the story, I, I don't ever hear anybody really talk about it, but that's a big statement. That is a that's, big statement. That's huge to me because, I mean, maybe I just noticed it because that's what I grew up without. Mm-hmm. You know, you always notice what you don't have. Um, but I don't know. That, that kind of just hit me a different way. Yeah. And it's like, where was your heart at, bro? The father come, he's like, hey... I'm come your son's arrived. Let, let's go greet him. Let's celebrate. He's like, what? That fool? He was out there spending all his money with these harlots and and being wasteful with everything that he received. And you want to give him a reception? We should be giving him the smackdown right now. Like, what's going on here? Right? <laughs> right. He's, and he's and he sees that treatment is impartial and unfair. Like the brother's undeserving. But the father looks at it as, hey, he's alive. He's been gone. I don't know what happened. I miss him. He's your brother too. 
Be glad that he came back to us. Look at the condition that he came back to us in. He's alive. And not only that, the part where it says he repented. Yeah. He acknowledged what was wrong. He's like, you know what? I messed up. I took my inheritance. I went out in the world and I blew it all. You know, I was living, I was living as a farmhand, feeding pigs and, and, and looking at their food, wanting it for myself. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, th- I think that's important, too, to, to, to point out that the, uh, that the younger brother, the first thing he says is, I sinned against heaven. Yes. So obviously, he knew what he was, the lifestyle he lived. And then for him to say, I sinned against you, uh, his dad, kind of puts that being repentful or re- re- understanding, uh, acknowledging. You know, when your kid comes to you and says, Dad, look, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I it just you you react different, right? And and I I love here. I'm gonna go back to the scriptures here. And something that I kind of thought of is when the father said to the older son, "You are always with me, and and everything I have is yours." That's almost saying that they are two in one. They are both the same, right? So when mm. when you when you are the older son in this story, right? It's 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 very important to realize that what what God has is what we have. Like we're he, we're going to be taken care of. Yeah. There's there's not uh, uh there's not anything too big for God. There's not anything too small for God. Like there's nothing when uh nothing that could separate us from God unless we choose to leave, right? Yep. And I I just think that's important to point out that he's the 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 father in this parable is put in the the older brother on the same platform, the same level as him. He's like, you're That's always true. with me. He's like, me. hey, well, you're on the same. You're always with me. What and I got is yours. I have is yours. Yeah. What is mine is yours. Like, that that means a lot. It does. That does mean a lot. And he's assuring him, like, hey, I love you. But it also, it seems like the father understood the resentment that the brother was feeling, too, though. Because he's like, entreat. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means. We should probably look it up. But it sounds like he's like, hey, why don't, you know, your brother's back. Um, the servant said you didn't want to come out and greet him. He goes, I, I understand. You're probably thinking like this fool went out there and was wasteful, you know, and did all that. Um, but he's alive and he's your brother. Let's go celebrate. Everything that I have is yours. You've yeah. always been with me. But this fool went out there and did his thing, right? And he's back. We're a family again. Let's celebrate that. So let's. Uh, well, anything else you want to say on the brother? No, I think that's, you know, that's pretty much it. I kind of... Well, what can we learn about God through this parable? Uh, that's a good question. You know, like, I, I, the, the main thing is, 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 is um, I think two things, right? The first one is that we make the choice to walk away from God, and He's going to let us. Right. You know, the Father, like, hey, you, you got free will. Do what you will, okay? He's like, uh, give me my thing. I, God, I can do life without you. But God's always waiting there. Like, He doesn't leave us. We leave Him. Mm-hmm. And He rejoices when we've turned from our ways and we go back and seek Him. Yeah, I think uh, that that's a good good thing to bring up. It made me think of, like, you hear a lot in, in like, Imagine Heaven, the book we read, and, and, in, the, and in the scriptures and stuff, it always says when, when somebody gets saved or comes back, the, the angels in heaven celebrate. Right. Yep. It's it's a party up there, for that for that per, for that person, and that's kind of the same thing with this, with this story, with this parable. Is like when when you return home, there's a celebration. There's no there's no uh, 
God's not going to sit there and be like, okay, tell me everything you did while you were out there and you're going to pay for everything that you took. And, you know, like there's a celebration like that gives me hope. Yeah. Like I'm not going to get the, I think he's like the consequences. You've already dealt with them. Now I'm going to love you. Yeah. Right. It's good to know that we can come back and get a tongue lashing. Right. <laughs> like we were with our parents, yeah. you know, I think for me to kind of sum up this, uh, this topic here with, with our, this parable is a few things. One, the friends you have, when you're when you have everything, aren't going to be there when you're when you're in need. That this is pretty much what this yeah, parable. Yeah, that's you know, pretty much a fact. <laughs> so so just know that. And I, I think very uh, few. Yeah, I mean, there's a few uh, maybe that will stick through with you, but uh, just remember that you know you could the world will offer you to live like a king for a day, but when you live, walk with Christ, you'll be taken care of by the King. Mm. And you know the other thing is is come as you are, right? That that the Son came. Uh, as a pig feeder, right? He's beat up, chewed up, smelly, you know, ungroomed. He came as he was. And, and, and that goes for, you know, anybody where you're at in your life, uh, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter what you're going through, or no, no matter what you've been through, you know, you come as you are. And, and, and God and everybody's going to celebrate that. So don't be afraid or don't be ashamed of, of where you're coming from. Yeah. Nor, let me add to that, so nor should any Christians who've never fallen, like, resent those who have fallen. Right. Like, we shouldn't treat them like that, because you act like there's not enough of God to go around. Like, he's in limited quantities to us. If if somebody messes up, we should celebrate that. Even though it's natural, I think it's instinctual for us to, to get frustrated. Like, you know what? You'd walked away, and now you want to come back? But instead, we should say... You came back. How are you doing? I'm glad you're okay. And we should celebrate that and bring that person back into the fold. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Or the last thing, I'm sorry, the last thing I wanted to, to point out was kind of the last thing I kind of talked about was, you know, that the father had told the older brother that you've, you've always been with me. Everything I am, everything I have is you and me. It's us. Like, yeah. You know, and just realize that if, if that's if you're if you're the older brother, just realize that God always has you, you know, and, and you're going to be taken care of. So don't waste energy on on judging or being upset. Just jump into the celebration. Yeah. Right. And it's a little thing that I like to say. Um, there's that thing where where we the parables before where he talks about the, you know, leaving the ninety nine to go get the one. Yep. Right. If you're the older brother. In, the, in this parable, be the 99. Be the 99. Be the 99. So that's that's what I got yeah, out of this one. Good. And then just to add one la- final thought on that, that um, humility is a sign of strength, not weakness. Yes. Right? When you when you recognize, I mean, it takes, it takes a lot for a person to recognize, like, even, you know, hopefully before you hit rock bottom, but when you're there, it's like, I've sinned. I've messed up. And you know what? I need help. Can somebody help me? I think that is a sign of strength and we should never um, be afraid or ashamed to show that humility because just like Mike said, come as you are. And that takes a level of humility to acknowledge the state where you are and the state that you are in and say, here I am. God, forgive me. I need help. All right. So that concludes uh, this episode 
of the Kingdom Misfits podcast. And we look forward to having you on the next. I know that Mike's going to be bringing a solo version. He's got some stuff that he's going to be wanting to talk to you guys about. That'll be coming up soon. But uh, again, we appreciate having you guys joining us. This has been great. Mike, anything you want to say on the way out? Uh, If you guys uh, look, man, if you guys are going through anything, uh, reach out, Uh, find somebody, you know, reach out to us. do any way you can leave a message uh go to instagram uh kingdom misfits podcast uh leave a message there and whatever you're struggling with just know god loves you we love you uh we're examples of people that have been through the mud and have made it back on the other end through christ so uh if you need that that help and that structure or that direction please reach out all right well hey this has been the kingdom misfits podcast i'm david i'm mike we'll see y'all later peace And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who set him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Luke 15, 11 through 19. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast. I'm David. I'm Mike Trujillo. And this is where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's word through wrestling with the scripture and renewing our minds. Well, what's up, Mike? How you doing, bro? Doing good. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Um, how's everything been working in terms of work? Everything going fine? Yeah, everything's just, you know, nothing to complain about, especially in these times, you know. I'm getting my 40, so. There you go. Making it happen. Feeding the family. That's right. All right. So in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the story of the prodigal son, and that's a popular story. And we're going to be looking at some of the lessons we can extract from the text and look into ways where we could take these lessons and apply them to our lives. We've broken this podcast up into two parts. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the young son, and in the second part, we're going to be talking about the father, the older brother, and then we're going to talk about what we learned from God, or God was speaking to us through this parable. Just say this, Mike, you know, when I was doing some homework on this and looking into it, if we look at the beginning of chapter 15, of Luke chapter 15, we see that The story of the prodigal son is the third of three parables in Luke 15, and it's aimed at an audience of tax collectors, sinners, religious leaders, and teachers of the law. The topic of these parables is on lost things being found. You got the story of the lost sheep, um, a lost coin, and then the lost son. So the main theme that we see in Luke 15 is that of heaven rejoicing when a sinner repents and is found. Yeah. 
And, and I think it's uh, such a great story. This whole, uh, I mean, you could speak for hours on, on this parable. And there's so much meat uh, on this bone. And, I mean, you could take, you could look at it from all three perspectives. You know, you could, there's a lot. And so I'm very excited to, to get into this this parable. And I just love the way how Jesus sets it up. I love the the whole outline uh, and and who he was talking to, you know. So I, I it's it's a great story. I agree. And and before we dive in, let's not miss the importance of what you just said too. The the importance that Jesus, and well, when it says in Luke fifteen, it says Jesus was hanging out with people that are considered sinners, right? Mm-hmm. The the religious leaders were are judging Jesus, saying that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And how often are we as uh, believers, you know, when, when you're hanging around with folks who are in the world or non-believers, you know, you, you can feel that judgment. Or, you know, you got that friend, right? Yeah. We all have that friend. Yeah. And it's okay. But it's crazy how Jesus kind of, you know, he was a misfit in the term that he kind of bucked the trends there, yeah. right? When they're following him, like, who are you? Look at you. You're eating with those sinners. You must be unclean. You must be wrong. And he's like, I came for the sick. I came for these guys that they may be saved. Right. Yeah. And it's, man, I, I, I'll have to be honest too, because I, I catch myself every now and then, you know, being that, that Pharisee or being that person is like, oh, you're, you're looking at people and you're just like, why are they this way? You know, you start looking at them and judging them. Man, I, I catch myself like that. I got to check myself every now and then because I do. You know, I get like that. I think we all do at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, we look at uh, certain things in certain situations where we see people that are on the same walk as us, but then they start veering off. And instead of reaching out with love, you start reaching out with uh, when you start judging stupid things, you know. And, and I, I have to check myself on that a lot. Yeah, I agree. I do, too. And, and you know, we often think like, hey, we're part of the church. And, and it's like the church is made for sinners, but yet... We look at sinners in a different light because they're not part of this group. And I, I just want to challenge that. Right. You know, like, but there's also two sides to that coin. Because this one thing is, can you hang around with folks who people would call sinners and not be influenced by them? Because I think you're supposed to be the positive influence and not the other way around. Yeah. And if you find that you're uh, being influenced by them, then you may want to reconsider and, and start drawing back if it's starting to impact your your faith, your family, your work, all those areas of life, then you need to reevaluate who you're hanging around with. Yeah, or reevaluate who who you are in Christ, you know, because you you don't take a candle in a dark room and the candle doesn't turn dark. It's supposed to uh, brighten up the room. And, you know, for me, I I could relate, I could give an example of, you know, being around people that drink or being in, uh, you know, family gatherings or, uh, you know, company barbecues where people, you know, are drinking or whatever. And, you know, everybody knows my story, where I come from, you know, and I don't struggle with that anymore. Uh, but you won't ever see me be influenced by them because I took a stand against that in my own heart and who I am as a, as a man. I will never go down that road. So for me to be around people that, that are having a few drinks and stuff like that doesn't influence me. Yeah, and I think that's important and a sign of spiritual maturity. And with that being said, let's go ahead and start looking into the prodigal son. So we're going to start off with the first half of the prodigal son parable. And I really wanted to take a look at where it says, 
And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And I want to pause there because I think we need to understand some cultural context here. And I started doing some research and, and found that the Jewish culture, that in the Jewish culture, there were these laws regarding how inheritances were divided. Where if there were two sons, like in this parable, um, the older brother would get a double portion and the younger would get a single portion of the state. And they both would take on the father's responsibilities and basically tending to the family, the property, and the business. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it's total different culture in the way that we see that in American culture. And, and they set it up to where the older brother, usually the son, mm-hmm. would get a two-thirds, whereas the younger son, if there's two, would get a third of that. Yeah, I would have to think about, like, you know, put yourself in that position and you, at those times, you know, you had to work. It would be like on a farm, you know, like what we can relate to, you know, working on a farm. And usually the older son is going to have uh, the more more responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to think about everything that the father knows, he's going to hand it down to his firstborn son. And so in that translation, I'm sure there's a few things that are uh, not translated over, but what the son has is almost everything that the father had as far as knowledge of running the the estate or the farm, whatever you want to say it. And then his job as the older brother is to teach his younger brother, right, as they're working the estate or the farm, uh, plowing through it. So I think the brother, the older brother is going to have more responsibility and consequences. Agreed. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, you would see them to get more. Yeah. And also we see that the son saying, give me my portion of this inheritance and let me cash in on what would be mine. You know, the father's not even dead yet. And the son's like, you know what? I want to get out there. I want to experience the world. Let me give me give me my portion of the inheritance inheritance that would be due to me. Yeah. And, and uh, when you think about it, you like that didn't just pop into his head. Right. No, so just thinking about who, it. Who was he hanging around or what, what did he see? What gave him the idea to, to even cross that line? You know, like that's what I, I think about. Like, all right, you're the younger son. You, you, uh, you, you look up to your older brother, right? And your older brother looks up to your father. And, and you guys have this bond and uh, whatever the dad does, the, the sons do and vice versa, right? You think of uh, how families are. But I wonder, like, maybe something you know, came in and influenced him to, to think that way. Yeah. When I'm looking at this, I think in terms of, okay, look at in our day and age, right? What if you, what if the son spent all the time working, um, didn't get, you know, going to school. I'm putting that in a modern context. You're going to school, you're doing everything right, but yet you see the crowd over there at school. Maybe it's the cool kids, or maybe it's, um, you see that there's more to life and you want to go explore that. Yeah. And you're over here just doing, you know, you're, you're handling your business, you're doing your duties as assigned, as assigned, and then you're like, you know what, I want to explore the world, or I want to go out there and check that out. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, just kind of when we're reading this, it looks like he's like, hey, I want to go party. Give me, my, let me, give me my money and let me go do my thing. Let me go live the way that I want to live. Yeah. And then, the, you know, it gives him the money. And then we see, that, uh, we see that once the son gets the money, he takes off goes out and lives it up, squandering the money in reckless living. So here you go. He goes full-on rebellion, and, and he's spending his money. It says that he spends his money. Um, it looks like he's also messing with harlots. So he's just going out there and living it up. Yeah. 
just squandering everything away. So I was thinking, well, what 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 can what kind of lessons can we extract from that alone? I, I when I read this story, I think of just a young me and a lot of young folks that I see out there in the world today. They get turned on to partying if they're at school, or or maybe they just want to just get out and try to live like an adult, right? And do their thing, right? Right. And then they get caught up in the whirlwind and the and the cultural tide, and and now the next thing you know, they're they're partying it up. They're they're spending recklessly, yeah, buying a bunch of expensive stuff. So one of the things that I learned from just that section there is like, you know, choices have consequences. And we're going to see that from him, right? He, he made the decision to say, you know what? My father's not even dead. I want what's mine because I want to go do what I want to do. Feeling feel entitled. Feeling right? entitled, like, right? We see that a lot, like right? You, like they have to give you something that you never earned. Yep. Or you haven't even earned it yet, but you want it. Yep. Yeah. And then I you want go, it now. You, yeah. And you, then you think about... Uh, the type of people when he showed up in this city, right? He's New York, Las Vegas, however you want to put it in modern times, right? There you go. Uh, big city fun. And but think about all these new friends that he had, right? All these, you see a, a, a guy show up with spending all this money out partying. Look at all the friends. Hey, I'm your friend. Think, think about all the friends he had, you know, during this time that he had all this money. Yeah. Right? So he was uh, just lit basking in the glory of, of uh, his his basically his father's uh, hard work, right? Yeah, and, and spending that money, and and again that goes back to the second lesson. I think would be like, be careful who you hang around with. And mm-hmm. you just said that they see him, they're like, hey, you know what? Well, you, you got money. Hey, let's go do this. Oh, I know how to have a good time. And then you know it appears that uh, probably spending it on women, yep. drinking or or whatever might have been popular even at that time. So I think that's funny because we read that with modern eyes. Yeah. And, and, and I can't imagine that even with modern eyes that this would be too different from back then, right? I'm sure there had to have been some type of things going on because when it says he, he uses money recklessly, what would that be? It probably involved drinking. It probably involved, uh, you know, uh, immoral women mm-hmm. and all of that. And you could probably, probably burn through it really quick. Another lesson that I think was pretty cool in that is that and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed of what the pigs were eating. Yeah. So you see that he's going out. He's like, hey, I'm living it up. I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, the money runs dry. And what happens when the money runs dry? People probably abandon him. Yep. Right? They used him up, spent him up. And now he ain't got nothing, so what's he got to do? He's got to go find some way to eat. You know? yep. And he goes and finds probably another farmer like, hey, how can I help you out? And, and now, now he's, uh, he's down there with the pigs. Like, how low can you go? That's, that's rock bottom, right? And, and I, think if, uh, I, I think about my life and, and, and my party days, right? Like, I had... Uh, a lot of friends I would go out there was always a group of friends right that we'd go out and there was always you know going to the bars you even made more friends because you uh, you'd buy shots for people and this and that right and the next day while you're on a hangover and hurting you're by yourself and yep. then you start questioning like was it really worth it you look at your bank account was it really worth it you know and and I think the enemy sneaks in and uh kind of blinds us or tricks us to think that um that this is 
this is the hot this is the way life should be this is you're, you're living the life this is so fun this is so glorious right and this, mm-hmm. you're you're basking in everything uh, you're just having a great time you have all these people that love you and you have this great uh feeling inside like oh man i can't wait for next weekend right that's the that's the cycle we get into but in the reality of it you you're you're always by yourself right you're you're you lose you're always losing you're, you're never gaining anything in those situations. You're losing time, and you're losing health, and you're losing money. Yep, and that it's a spiral down. Right, and then you find yourself by yourself feeding pigs, you know, just anything. You, you know, I'm sure he had plenty of conversations with those pigs that he was he was feeding because he had nobody to talk to. Right, you know? He's like, I want your food, pig. <laughs> He's looking at the pig as food. He's like, I see bacon. But also, here's, here's another piece too, right? Like wealth not managed well will lead you to poverty. Because mm. obviously this guy got all this money. He got his inheritance. He goes out and he spends it recklessly. You know, and there's some financial financial literacy there that the kid probably didn't learn. Yeah. When he's going through that, like, you know, he could have probably learned to, to save that and be a little bit more prepared and had a better foundation financially when he decided to leave his father's house. That's a good, that's a good perspective to, to bring. I never even looked at it that way before. That's, that's a new way that, uh, that I just realized, you know, like there was nothing. He had no knowledge of anything. I, I never even looked at that, that section the way you just said it. That's, that's pretty crazy to think of. Yeah, it's like he blew his money recklessly. He just blew everything. And we, we don't have any time frames. The text doesn't give us any time frames. I mean, we know that after asking for the inheritance, a few days he took off and he did his thing. So he got it and he went out. And, I, and, and it just makes me think like, well, how did he manage his money? How did he blow it? I know How, how long did it take him to blow all that money? Mm. Yeah, and I think like those, those are lessons that I'm sure his father would have taught him as he got older. Like, this is the way things are. You know, this is how you establish yourself. This is this and that. But, you know, he wanted to be greedy and, and took it all. Yeah. And then as he's at rock bottom, the famine, famine hits. What What about the dad? What, this is this is something that was bugging me when I was reading this, too. It's like, what, what can we say about the father when it comes to that part? Like, your son comes to you. Think of your daughter or your son coming to you yeah. while you're still alive and saying, I, I, I want the inheritance. I want what's in the will. I want you to give me that. Matter of fact, cash out your 401k, your Roth IRA, and let me get a portion of that that you would give to me when you die because I want to go live my life. Right. How do you think the father would have felt at that? Or how would you feel as a father if your kid came up and said that to you? Man, okay, so at first I would be upset and, and angry, but I think, to be honest, you would you would give them what they wanted because you loved them. Would you, though? Like if that's the like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna tell them no and keep them there, and they're gonna end up running away anyways? They're gonna end up making things harder for you around your house, you know. Like there's there there's a time in 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 a father's life where he has to make these tough decisions. When my kids got older, we were faced with that same choice, right? Obviously, I didn't have I didn't have any any royalties or you know I didn't have anything <laughs> but but a good luck check for them, you know, to, okay. for them to leave the house, but. Uh, you know, they, 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 they wanted to leave the house earlier than, than what we wanted them for. You know, we wanted them to wait longer and, and establish things before they, they moved out, but they wanted to go taste that freedom, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to go do the things that they wanted to do and, and live the life that they wanted to live and experience life and the, uh, the way that they wanted to experience it. But to, to be honest with you, 
uh, David is, I, I think we came to a conclusion, my wife and I, where if, if they're going to leave, they're going to leave regardless. Right. Mm -hmm. So why not send them out of love? Why not, why not just uh, like allow them to leave, but do it lovingly because those are your children still, you know, those are your kids still. You can never turn your back on your kids, right? You get it's that's that's your flesh and blood. So, like you, you're 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 forced to make a hard decision, a decision that that actually, to be honest with you, is uh, a reflection of my failure as a dad to my kids, right? Because I, I I can look back and you know my kids grew up watching me drink and party and every weekend and living the what they saw and what I was portraying as a fun life. Uh, you know, so um, I had to I had to be honest with myself in that situation because I couldn't I couldn't tell them anything that I didn't do. And I wasn't in this in the I wasn't in, I still was drinking when they were when they were leaving, you know, and I don't blame them. You know, I, I, I didn't make my household a, a fun place to be as a drunk. You know, I don't think anybody does. And so, I mean, I was man, I, it was a tough decision that, you know, we we had to make and the way we made it was allowing them to to leave but always keeping the door open and always keeping that communication because i think if you leave on a bad foot uh or you leave screaming and, and anger and cussing and stuff at, at each other you you close a door to a certain extent right and we wanted to at least know that they were okay right but would you give them their inheritance so it's one thing to say, okay, kids, your kid wants to wants to give their shot at adulting, right? They want to move out. They want to go to college. They want to have their own independence is what we would call it nowadays, mm -hmm. right? Would you, if you had your retirement or let's just say sell your property, do whatever you want, half of your savings, whether you got in some gold bars under the bed, you got in some mattress money, you got it in your savings account and wealth that you would have accumulated if you've accumulated any, mm -hmm. Would you say, all right, you know what? If I die, per our insurance policy, you would get this amount of money. Let me go ahead and give you that while I'm still alive. Would you have agreed to that? I mean, this is a cult. I, I, I think that you know the culture plays a lot here. But and when you when you're looking at that and you're internalizing that, I'm like, hell no. Yeah. I ain't giving you. You know what? Get a job. Yeah. Get out there and work for it. I will support you where I can. But you wanna wear you wanna you wanna wear the big boy big girl pants. Go ahead and do it. We're going to be here to support you, whether that's education, whether that's going out and living independently. Um, I just don't know if I would basically cash in whatever I had in terms of accumulations or give them their inheritance before the t my time is up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm still alive. I ain't dead. One, I kind of be offended. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, give me what you would give me if you were to die. Like, what? Are yeah. you kidding me? Uh, yeah. As much as I want to say... I, I would give them, you know, something. I think it. I I would I would have to take the stance that you you're taking. You're like, hey, yeah, you, you big boy uh, decisions, big boy consequences. Good yeah. luck. And then again, it's cultural. So I mean, I'm I'm not too familiar with all the Jewish culture, so I couldn't say like it. Plus, I didn't have that much. I <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm broke. I don't have. I don't. I don't have all that to give you enough for you, you to go you live. Wanna, <laughs> You want to half my clothes and uh, uh, one of the laundry baskets? Because that's all I got, man. Yeah. But I also think the implications of that in that culture is like when you get that portion, 
you know, you could choose to take on the family business mm-hmm. or estate, or you cash out and you do your own thing. But I think because he might have taken that early, it might have he might have forfeited some of the other stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, there's that cultural piece that plays in there, but just it's just a fun thought thought experiment, right? Yeah. Like what? what like, I'm still alive. You, how, you want yeah, me to give you, you my how money? How are you gonna react to your kids being like, "Hey, I know you're gonna die soon." <laughs> I, the, to me, it's like they're kind of hoping, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're hoping that we get die that soon money. To get that money, and but. then to come find out that you know, if if it's your son and he's out there partying and spending it on all these girls, and you're like, "Boy, what is wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah. And, and I would have to, you know, when we start talking about uh, the dad and the famine at that moment, you know, as a uh, You'd have to think, okay, so this father is, uh, you know, he owns land, obviously. He has a, a pretty big estate. And so when famines and stuff happen, you know, word travels. So you know how to prepare for it or, you know, you know what's coming up. So he was, I'm, I'm guessing, he, would, he already knew that that was going ha- to be taking place. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew my, my, one of my kids were in the city and you know, a famine hit and, uh, you know, I'm far away from the city and I would always be getting up early in the morning, checking to see if I see somebody walking down, you know, the driveway or walking down the street, you know, just hoping one day that, you know, they did. So that, um, I don't know, that's that, that whole part, like you have to know, like the father himself, it knew, had to know yeah you know what was coming yeah to know when that family was coming and he also just to be like hey i respect your decision that's another way to look at it yeah i respect your decision you want this now are you sure all right you understand the consequences if i give you this now there ain't no i can imagine that he was having that discussion with his son before he gave him that money like are you sure you want it yeah like are you sure you want to do this yes i want to go i want to go uh live on my own terms okay son here you go gives him that money right there's another component here that we got to look at. What about that humility process? Could you imagine the sun hits rock bottom and he's like, could you imagine just coming to your senses and you're, and you're feeding these pigs and you're looking at the pig like, I wish I could eat what you're eating. Could you imagine how low of a point you'd have to be at to just be like, what am I doing here? And it's like coming to your senses. And for some folks who may be listening to this podcast, you might be there right now where you're thinking like, man, I'm at wit's end. I'm kind of hitting rock bottom. I'm, I'm out. You know, I left the nest. Mm-hmm. I'm out on my own. And, uh, you know, I know that, hey, my parents, the door, they said the door is open. They're not going to abandon me. Or, or you might be like, you know what? If maybe my parent, my, my father has a job, maybe I can go get a job with them. You know what? Maybe a family member. There's somebody who can help me out. I'm, I'm, I'm like at the bottom. And have enough humility to be like, I've sinned, right? He came to yeah. a repentance point where he's like, you know what? I, I've sinned. Uh, how many of my, how many of the folks uh, at my father's place, how many of my father's servants eat better than me? Let me go back and ask him to treat me as one of them. That way I can live better than what I'm living now when I'm looking at this pig wanting to eat the food. Matter of fact, I'm looking at the pig like I want to eat the pig. Yeah. That's, that's humility. I think good description to kind of sum this section up with uh what with what you were just saying is you take what the world offers you and you can live for you will live like a king for a day Mm. right Mm -hmm. you take what god offers you and you'll always be taken care of by the king 
That's good. That's good. I like that. That definitely sums that part up. Any other thoughts on this about the, 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 the young son? I mean, I can, there's definitely parts in this where I can relate, like just being out on my own, I, you know, living it up, wanting to, wanting to experience life and just do things my way, even though that meant partying for me and, and doing all the other stuff that I've done. Um, I think there is a time where we kind of just, you know, where life knocks some sense into us and we come out of that. So with that being said, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the second portion of the prodigal song. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and this and he said to him your brother has came home your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, those these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. All right, back from the break and into the second portion of this. Now, Mike, let, let's look at this from the father's perspective. Imagine that, your son, you gave him your inheritance that he asked for. Mm -hmm. He goes off, he's doing his own thing. Come to find out, he's living recklessly. But, you know, you don't know that. You just know that your son wanted to leave and do his own thing. And you're sitting there like, I miss that guy. You know, I miss my son. I wonder if he's doing okay. I hope, I hope everything is working out for him. And I wish he was here with us because he belongs here with us. I, th I think, you know, kids don't realize how much we actually think about them, right? right? As, as parents and as fathers, um, how much you, uh, I mean, you worry about them for day-to-day uh, -day things and stuff. But in the grand scheme of everything, I think about my kids a lot. I think about the choices there that they had made 
what they're making now and what I kind of see them making, you know, in the future. And they, I think, at least for me, I don't like to admit too much. It kind of hurts a little bit knowing that as a dad and as a father, I kind of didn't set my kids up the right way. Mm-hmm. So I think natural consequence, I guess we could call it, you kind of worry about things like that, right? Kind Definitely. of worry about where where they're at, how, things that they're doing, and you just hope that they get home safe at night. And not to mention, we understand how how cruel the world can be. Yeah. And when they're out there on their own, you kind of think of like, you know, especially if you watch the news all the time, you're thinking like, oh my God, there's somebody's going to get them, right? There's a rapist <laughs> running around. Yeah. People are getting murdered. You know, there's all this stuff going on. And when your kids are out there, you're thinking like worst case scenario because you're worried about them. It's making you anxious. They're out there in the world and, and you don't know what they're doing. And I understand that. That kind of, a kind of uh, it gives you an anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's like going to it's like going to the beach with your family. Right. I don't know about you, but for me, you know, I put on the uh, protective uh, hat, protective dad hat when I go to the beach because I know where all the um, where all the things that could go wrong. You know, I'm always watching my daughter, seeing how far she's going out in in the ocean. You know, she doesn't know about that. There's you know jellyfish out there, or you undertow. know sharks under yeah every undercurrent. There's like yeah, yeah. there's things out there, but her, from her perspective, she sees a beautiful sand and beautiful water, and she just wants to have fun in it. Uh huh. But I see the dangers of it. Right. That's yep. kind of the whole uh, concept of what's going on. You know, with probably the state of mind of the father, knowing that his son went out. You have to think about those things. Yep. And then. You see him coming in the distance, and you're like, "Hey, you know, you're kind of you're wandering. You're going about life, but there's a piece of you that's missing. Your your heart is looking for your son. And all of a sudden, your child comes. You see them off in the distance, and here it says his father seen him out in the distance, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm running. There he is. He's home. Yeah. He gets all excited and he goes off in there, and it says there that the father shows compassion. And just to go back, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I will perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He didn't say I sinned against you. I sinned against heaven, which means he understood who his God was. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he arose. But while he was off, still yet a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion like I wonder if he was looking beat up. Maybe he came with a, a big old beard and just looking all roughed up. Yeah, he, his father saw that in the well, distance. He came, he came, he came, you know, stinking. He's wearing came with pigs. dirty clothes and whole, you know, ungroomed. And I feel like that's the way the world leaves us, right? When we yeah. go out and and want to live that life. At the end, when we're when we don't have nothing, we're crawling back to to God and. That's that's who we are. We're we're mm. we're coming from the pits, right? Yep. We're, and and just to just to see like that that image of your child filthy, uh, beat up. I'm sure you know, and just knowing that the world chewed them up and spit them out. I like to think about that. And also think about how there was a time in my life where I was convinced that I had to uh, get right before I get God, right? There was a time in my life where I felt like I had to um, clean up myself before I was able to go to church or go to God or receive Christ in my heart. In this section, this is what this makes me think of, is like you come as you are, mm. right? The, the son, 
the son in this parable when Jesus was speaking, Jesus didn't say this son went and got cleaned up. He didn't say he went and, and bought new clothes and, and, and started making money and got a new job so he could come to, to his father with something. And it just says he came, you know, from, from the, the pig pit to his father. So, I mean, this part, this part makes me think of that. Like, you come as you are. It does. But it also makes me think of, likewise, that when you leave God and the world does beat you up, that is a consequence of that lifestyle. And part of me, when I'm looking at that and it says that, you know, you see him off in the distance, don't tell me they're in a party that's like, man, I want to smack the hell out of you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what's wrong with you? But then it's like, as the fatherly part kicks in, the compassion, like, I love that it says he saw compassion. Can you imagine, like, damn, I know life just beat this boy up and here he comes. And, and I'm just so glad that you decided to come home because you could be dead. There ain't no cell phone for him to call. Yeah. You know, there ain't no phone lines there. Right? He's going to have to send some, some, some mail or something via donkey or whatever. It's that I, I, I love you. And he rushed out to him. was like, hey, let's celebrate. He was lost and now he is found. Let's, let's throw a party. I couldn't. Um, like, I'm thinking, you know, as we're reading this and as we're talking, I'm thinking, you know, of picturing one of my kids walking down. Uh, walking down back toward it. and I can't help but just to get a heavy heart and, and it, it's man it's just it's unfortunate that that things have to come to those situations but it's so amazing that there is that situation if that makes sense because yeah. we have a second chance they his son had a second chance there is that second chance there is that second chance there's also a part of me that thinks like, you know what, if it wasn't for that situation, would this son have learned that lesson? Because some people, and, and I can say that I've experienced this myself, is I wasn't listening to nobody. You could have told me straight up wisdom, logic, all of that, and I would have not have listened to you at a certain age because right. I didn't have that understanding. And I would have done that. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go do my thing. But it wasn't until life kicks you down that you realize, like, what am I doing? And it took an event or a hitting rock bottom to make you realize that this ain't right. Something's got to change. Mm. And then you start thinking of, well, where can I go to? We can always pray to God. Yeah. Right? God, God is still going to be with you. But who else are you going to go to to help you out? Where's your foundation? It's, and, you know, hopefully you're blessed enough to have that be your family. Yeah. That's this. Uh, as you were talking, it reminded me of that book we just read, Imagine Heaven, mm -hmm. right? And there's one of those stories in there. And it, this is how, to me, the world uh, works. This is how uh, the enemy works. And one of the stories in, in Imagine Heaven, there was a guy that he, he died and he was in this place. And there was these people that came up to him. And when he said that they were coming to him, he thought they were there to receive him and to guide him. And so they started walking. They asked him to follow, you know, follow him. And they, everything, he felt safe. He felt good. Uh, and I'm just paraphrasing. And everything looked like there was no danger. There was nothing that, that he was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? He just felt like it was, it was fine. And he started walking with these, uh, what they turned out to be demons uh, later on in the story. But as he's walking, he started noticing that they started getting rude with him. Because he kept asking, because they were walking for a while, I guess, in, in, in his story. 
and they started being rude to him and telling him to shut up, just keep walking. And their whole manner changed once he they got once he got taken further away, that. right? Once he got yeah. taken further away from the point where uh, he was at, then when there was no turning back, they 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 revealed who they really were. Their tr- they, they revealed their true colors, right? And then they started picking at him and pushing him, and, and then it turned you know very violent and ugly, so tearing him yeah, apart, yeah, tearing him apart and everything else and. Biting him, pulling his eyes out—you know everything—in in, uh, the way he described it in that book. But that's kind of what this—that's what the world does to you. It, it it makes it seem so attractive at first, and as you continue to walk and you get further away from who you are or what you believe, then then those those things start revealing who they really are, and those demons start coming out. And once they got you they got you yeah right until obviously you know you scream for jesus and you come running back home but um that's kind of like some people don't have that so you know some people just get lost in that in that walk yeah you're right and you were making me think of uh and i'm gonna probably slaughter this but i was listening to andy stanley and he was talking about like how the world tempts you up to the line right they entice you they, they put the carrot out in front of you, right? Like, hey, everybody's doing it, but once you cross the line, it chastises you. Yeah. And so it brings you up to the line, and then when you cross it, it chastises you for that. And yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you, and that's how we see that. And then when we look at that with the Father's eyes, we put that protective suite on him because it's like, hey, I know what it's like. Trust me. I'm going to tell you what it's like without allowing the kids to go through it, right? We want mm-hmm. them to listen to us without having to experience that. And I think at some point, that's wisdom. But how often, how often has this happened to you where you're telling your kid it could be something about life and you're like, hey, I I told you this is what's going to happen if you cross that line. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they're not listening to you. And then let's say a buddy or another family member who's not you tells them the same thing. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, I've been telling you that. (laughs) That's everything. They don't want to listen to you, right? And then somebody else comes along and says the same stuff that you told them. They're like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. I never heard of that before. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? You gotta it's, be kidding me. It's like they, they put a filter on when you speak, right? Yeah. When when you talk to them, they're just like, they just want to get away from you right yep. away. But yeah, that's dude, that's every everything basically. You know, everything you say to uh to these kids, they're they don't receive it. They don't receive right? it until they, somebody else tells them that and you're like, oh <laughs> Yeah. So there we go. We've got with the father. He shows compassion when he sees his son off in the distance. Um, the, the father doesn't treat him as a hired servant. He's still his son. It's like, no, you're not going to work for me. You're not going to, I'm not, you're not going to be treated like a servant. You're my son. Yeah. You're part of this family. You're not going to be treated like that. The, the, the father is happy. His son's alive. And then he, you know, he also throws a celebration of that. But here's something I thought that was also interesting in that. The father, to the older brother, tells him, you know, you're always with me and that all I have is yours. So he didn't punish the son. And we're going to talk about the, the, he didn't punish the brother. Like the brother did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. He's just happy that, you know, he, was, he went south. He was lost and now he's found. So let's go ahead and, and start talking about some of the things that, that you noticed through this uh, parable about the brother. So I think, you know, when you're talking about the older son, that 
unfortunately, I feel like is a lot of Christians today. Okay. Okay. That I, I feel like, and, and I, I'm being transparent too, because I, I feel the same way sometimes too. You know, I, I see, uh, I lose, I lose track of, of who I am every once in a while, you know, and, and Don't we all? I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm better than, than anybody. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that. So I'm being very transparent because there's sometimes I feel like you, you see people being blessed and you're like, God, I've been, I've been fasting for, you know, this, or I've been in my war room every day for this long. And you haven't answered one of my prayers, uh. but then this guy or these people or this family or this woman accepts you again for the hundredth time they come back and you open the floodgates of blessings. Like, right? like what, what's going on here? This is not fair. And I, like, I, I honestly see that a lot in church. In, in churches today, you see those people that that get into that religious mindset, and they're like, "I I do all this for God. I do this. I do this. I do this. I do this. I have you know like, where's my blessing? Where's my obviously it's that's a heart condition, right? That's 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 a different subject at a different time. But I think you know when you're talking about the older brother, he doesn't realize that he's been taken care of. He he doesn't realize that that just because uh the the younger son went out and experienced life and and got beat up and came back and they celebrated he doesn't realize that at this moment that everything that his father has worked for is his right right and he's never went a day without worry he never he didn't go a day without not having he didn't suffer you know yeah i'm sure he works hard i'm sure you know we all at some point we all feel like we're working hard for god's kingdom and and stuff and then you have like for me I had to stop and look and be like, look, Mike, uh, look at these blessings around you. You have, okay? You have. And sometimes I think as Christians, we we think that if we're not getting blessed by a new house, if we're not getting blessed by a new car, then God doesn't love us. Yeah. Right? And it's the everyday things, the everyday blessings. Waking up, Mm. uh, not being uh, in a situation where you have to make a choice that's going to break your family or... You know, whatever. Like, there's those blessings yeah. add up. And the culture teaches us that, too, right? Like, you don't see in there that God promised you a brand new car and a house. But yet, we live in a consumer society where everything is like, oh, you ain't blessed if you ain't got this. If you ain't got wealth, you ain't blessed. And we look at blessings differently. Yeah. And that, yeah, you're right. I mean, this brother didn't ask for his inheritance. Mm-mm. He was there. And he, he had everything that the father had. He shared in everything that the father had. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, man. And sometimes think, that, that jealousy yeah. or resentment, like it's like, hey, man, I, I've been praying. Like I've never, and I'm saying this on here because I'm just transparent like that, but I've never had what I would say is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I've been a believer for the long time. And I'm like, I hear people talking about it all the time. Like, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit came on me. I'm like, uh, yeah, what is that like? You know, I ain't felt that. And then when I see the other side of it where people falling down and kind of stuff like that, I'm like, look, man, um, I even pray to God. I'm like, God, is there something wrong with me that I'm not like having this, this moment with you where people talk about where whether they be talking in tongues or whether they feel this extreme uh, closeness. Like, I don't feel far from God, but mm-hmm. I have, I just... 
I, I don't believe that I've ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before. doesn't mean that I don't believe in it, but I just hear people talking about it like that in church circles and in communities, and I'm like, I wonder what that's like, and I wonder what's wrong with me. What am I doing that I don't get to have that experience, and why am I not being blessed like some other people? Yeah, and I, I think what is uh, important to, po- uh, to point out here is that the, what the father says to um, to to the older brother when he's when he goes out and and talks to him, right? He tells him something that that kind of hit me in a it kind of hit me hard, kind of hit me in a in a in a different way. Okay. Then I mean, you go through this whole thing, we read it. There's tons of stuff we could pull out, but there's something that I don't really hear anybody really talk about, where the father tells the older son like, "But you've been here with me." Yeah. And the reason why that kind of hurt or not hurts but hits me in a in a in a different way is because what it would be like I can imagine to have a father, an earthly father, right? Okay. To be in that situation to say, "Yeah, you're right. I've been here with you." You know, there's there's a piece of me that gets jealous of that part of this story okay. because, you know, I I didn't I didn't grow up with that. I didn't I've never had that. And I think to take something that small for granted puts things in perspective for a lot of people. Cause just the, for the father to say, man, you've been here with me. You've had me. I'm here. Yeah. Those times you want to stay up late and talk about things. Those times where you want to walk in the field and just say things or just, we're spending time together. Like you have me. Right. Yeah. Like I think about that. I'm like, dang man, that would have been so cool growing up with the dad. Cause that'd be so cool to, 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 to spit a little uh, knowledge to uh, from my father to me as I was growing up, you know, and yeah. stuff. And, and that part of the story, I, I don't ever hear anybody really talk about it, but that's a big statement. That is a that's, big statement. That's huge to me because, I mean, maybe I just noticed it because that's what I grew up without. Mm-hmm. You know, you always notice what you don't have. Um, but I don't know. That, that kind of just hit me a different way. Yeah. And it's like, where was your heart at, bro? The father come, he's like, hey... I'm come your son's arrived. Let, let's go greet him. Let's celebrate. He's like, what? That fool? He was out there spending all his money with these harlots and and being wasteful with everything that he received. And you want to give him a reception? We should be giving him the smackdown right now. Like, what's going on here? Right? <laughs> right. He's, and he's and he sees that treatment is impartial and unfair. Like the brother's undeserving. But the father looks at it as, hey, he's alive. He's been gone. I don't know what happened. I miss him. He's your brother too. Be glad that he came back to us. Look at the condition that he came back to us in. He's alive. And not only that, the part where it says he repented. Yeah. He acknowledged what was wrong. He's like, you know what? I messed up. I took my inheritance. I went out in the world and I blew it all. You know, I was living, I was living as a farmhand, feeding pigs and, and, and looking at their food, wanting it for myself. I mean, come on. Yeah, I th- I think that's important too to 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 point out that the uh, that the younger brother, the first thing he says is I sinned against heaven. Yes. So obviously he knew what he was the lifestyle he lived, and then for him to say I sinned against you, uh, his dad kind of puts that being repentful or re- re- understanding, uh, acknowledging. You know, when your kid comes to you and says, Dad, look, I I messed up. I'm sorry. I I it just you you react different, right? And and I, I love here, I'm going to go back to the scriptures here, and something that 
I kind of thought of is when the father said to the older son, you are always with me and, and everything I have is yours. That's almost saying that they are two in one. They are both the same, right? So when, mm. when, you, when you are the older son in this story, right, it's, it's, it's very important to realize that what, what God has is what we have. Like we're, we're going to be taken care of. Yeah. There's there's not uh, uh, there's not anything too big for God. There's not anything too small for God. Like there's nothing when uh, nothing that could separate us from God unless we choose to leave, right? Yep. And I, I just think that's important to point out that he's the 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 father in this parable is putting the the older brother on the same platform, the same level as him. He's like, you're that's always true. with me. He's like, me. hey, you're on the same. You're always with me. What I got is yours. I have is yours. Yeah. What is mine is yours. Like. That that means a lot. It does. That does mean a lot. And he's assuring him, like, hey, I love you. But it also it seems like he, the father understood the resentment that the brother was feeling, too, though. Because he's like, entreat? I don't really know what that means. We should probably look it up. But it sounds like he's like, hey, why don't, you know, your brother's back. Um, the servant said you didn't want to come out and greet him. He goes, I understand. You're probably thinking, like, this fool went out there and was wasteful, you know, and did all that. Um but he's alive, and he's your brother. Let's go celebrate. Everything that I have is yours. You've yeah. always been with me. But this fool went out there and did his thing, right? And he's back. We're a family again. Let's celebrate that. So let's. Uh, what, anything else you want to say on the brother? No, I think that's you know that's pretty much it. I kind of. Well, what can we learn about God through this parable? Uh, that's a good question. You know, like I, I, the the main thing is is is. is um, I think two things, right? The first one is that we make the choice to walk away from God, and He's gonna let us, right? You know, the Father, like, hey, you you got free will, do what you will, okay? He's like, give me my thing, I God, I can do life without you. But God's always waiting there, like He doesn't leave us; we leave Him, mm -hmm. and He rejoices when we've turned from our ways and we go back and seek Him. Yeah, I think uh, that that's a good good thing to bring up it made me think of like you hear a lot in in like imagine heaven the book we read and and in the and in the scriptures and stuff it always says when when somebody gets saved or comes back the the angels in heaven celebrate right yep it's it's a party up there for that for that per, for that person and that's kind of the same thing with this with this story with this parable is like when when you return home there's a celebration there's no there's no uh God's not going to sit there and be like, okay, tell me everything you did while you were out there and you're going to pay for everything that you took. And, you know, like there's a celebration like that gives me hope. Yeah. Like I'm not going to get the, I think he's like the consequences. You've already dealt with them. Now I'm going to love you. Yeah. Right. It's good to know that we can come back and get a tongue lashing. Right. <laughs> like we were with our parents, yeah. you know, I think for me to kind of sum up this, uh, this topic here with, with our, this parable is a few things. One, the friends you have, when you're when you have everything, aren't gonna be there when you're when you're in need. That this is pretty much what this parable. Yeah, that's you know? pretty much a fact. <laughs> so so just know that. And I, I think very uh, few. Yeah, I mean, there's a few uh, maybe that will stick through with you, but uh, just remember that you know you could the world will offer you to live like a king for a day, but when you live, walk with Christ, you'll be taken care of by the King. Mm. And you know the other thing is is come as you are, right? That that the Son came. Uh, as a pig feeder, right? He's beat up, chewed up, smelly, 
you know, ungroomed. He came as he was. And, and, and that goes for, you know, anybody where you're at in your life, uh, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter what you're going through, or no, no matter what you've been through. You know, you come as you are, and, and, and God and everybody's going to celebrate that. So don't be afraid or don't be ashamed of, of where you're coming from. Yeah. Nor, yeah. let me add to that, so nor should any Christians who've never fallen, like, resent those who have fallen. Right. Like, we shouldn't treat them like that, because you act like there's not enough of God to go around. Like, he's in limited quanti- quantities to us. If, if somebody messes up, we should celebrate that. Even though it's natural, I think it's instinctual for us to to get frustrated. Like, you know what? You walked away, and now you want to come back? But instead, we should say, you came back. How are you doing? I'm glad you're okay. And we should celebrate that and bring that person back into the fold. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Or the last thing, I'm sorry, the last thing I wanted to to point out was kind of the last thing I kind of talked about was, you know, that the father had told the older brother that you've, You've always been with me. Everything I am, everything I have, is you and me. It's us. Like, yeah. you know, and just realize that if, if that's if you're if you're the older brother, just realize that God always has you. You know, and, and you're going to be taken care of. So, don't waste energy on on judging or being upset. Just jump into the celebration. Yeah. Right. And it's a little thing that I like to say. Um, there's that thing where where we the parables before where he talks about the, you know, leaving the 99 to go get the one. Yep. Right. If you're the older brother in the, in this parable, be the 99, be the 99, be the 99. So that's, that's what I got yeah, out of this one. Good. And then just to add one la- final thought on that, that um, humility is a sign of strength, not weakness. Yes. Right. When you, when you recognize, I mean, it takes, it takes a lot for a person to recognize like, even you know hopefully before you hit rock bottom but when you're there it's like i've sinned i've messed up and you know what i need help can somebody help me i think that is a sign of strength and we should never um be afraid or ashamed to show that humility because just like mike said come as you are and that takes a level of humility to acknowledge the state where you are and the state that you are in and say here I am. God, forgive me. I need help. All right. So that concludes uh, this episode of the Kingdom Misfits podcast. And we look forward to having you on the next. I know that Mike's going to be bringing a solo version. He's got some stuff that he's going to be wanting to talk to you guys about. That'll be coming up soon. Yep. But uh, again, we appreciate having you guys joining us. This has been great. Mike, anything you want to say on the way out? No, if you guys... Uh... Look, man, if you guys are going through anything, uh, reach out, uh, find somebody, you know, reach out to us um, through any way you can leave a message, uh, go to Instagram, uh, Kingdom Misfits podcast, uh, leave a message there. And whatever you're struggling with, just know God loves you. We love you. Uh, we're examples of people that have been through the mud and have made it back on the other end through Christ. So uh, if you need that, that help and that structure or that direction, please reach out. All right. Well, hey, this has been the Kingdom Misfits Podcast. I'm David. I'm Mike. We'll see y'all later. Peace. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. 
and he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who set him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Luke 15, 11 through 19. All right, everybody, welcome to the Kingdom Misfits podcast. I'm David. I'm Mike Trujillo. And this is where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's word through wrestling with the scripture and renewing our minds. Well, what's up, Mike? How you doing, bro? Doing good. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Um, How's everything been working in terms of work? Everything going fine? Yeah, everything's just, you know, nothing to complain about, especially in these times, you know. I'm getting my 40, so. There you go, making it happen, feeding the family. That's right. All right, so in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the story of the prodigal son, and that's a popular story. And we're going to be looking at some of the lessons we can extract from the text and look into ways where we could take these lessons and apply them to our lives. We've broken this podcast up into two parts. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the young son, and in the second part, we're going to be talking about the father, the older brother, and then we're going to talk about what we learned from God, or God was speaking to us through this parable. Just say this, Mike, you know, when I was doing some homework on this and looking into it, if we look at the beginning of chapter 15, of Luke chapter 15, we see that the story of the prodigal son is the third of three parables in Luke 15, and it's aimed at an audience of tax collectors, sinners, religious leaders, and teachers of the law. The topic of these parables is on the lost things being found. You got the story of the lost sheep, um, a lost coin, and then the lost son. So the main theme that we see in Luke 15 is that of heaven rejoicing when a sinner repents and is found. Yeah, and I think it's uh, such a great story, this whole uh, I mean, you could speak for hours on, on this parable, and there's so much meat uh, on this bone. And, I mean, you could take, you could look at it from all three perspectives. You know, you could, there's a lot. And so I'm very excited to, to get into this, this parable. And I just love the way how Jesus sets it up. I love the, the whole outline uh, and, and who he was talking to, you know. So I, I, it's, it's a great story. I agree. And, and before we dive in, let's not miss the importance of what you just said, too. The, the importance that Jesus, in, well, when it says in Luke 15, it says Jesus was hanging out with people that are considered sinners, right? Mm-hmm. The, the religious leaders were, are judging Jesus, saying that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And how often are we as uh, believers, you know, when, when you're hanging around with folks who are in the world or non-believers, you know, you, you can feel that judgment. Or, you know, you got that friend, right? Yeah. We all have that friend. Yeah. And it's okay. But it's crazy how Jesus kind of, you know, he was a misfit in the term that he kind of bucked the trends there, yeah. right? When they're following him, like, 
who are you? Look at you. You're eating with those sinners. You must be unclean. You must be wrong. And he's like, I came for the sick. I came for these guys that they may be saved. Right. Yeah. And it's, man, I, I, I'll have to be honest too, because I, I catch myself every now and then, you know, being that, that Pharisee or being that person is like, oh, you're, you're looking at people and you're just like, why are they this way? You know, you start looking at them and judging them. Man, I, I catch myself like that. I got to check myself every now and then because I do, you know, I get like that. I think we all do at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, we look at uh, certain things in certain situations where we see people that are on the same walk as us, but then they start veering off. And instead of reaching out with love, you start reaching out with uh, when you start judging stupid things, you know, and, and I, I have to check myself on that a lot. Yeah, I agree. I do, too. And and, you know, we often think like, hey, we're part of the church and and it's like the church is made for sinners. But yet we look at sinners in a different light because they're not part of this group. And I, I just want to challenge that. Right. You know, like but there's also two sides to that coin, because it's one thing is, can you hang around with folks who people would call sinners and not be influenced by them? Because I think you're supposed to be the positive influence and not the other way around. Yeah. And if you find that you're uh, being influenced by them, then you may want to reconsider and, and start drawing back if it's starting to impact your, your faith, your family, your work, all those areas of life, then you need to reevaluate who you're hanging around with. Yeah, or reevaluate who, who you are in Christ, you know, because you, you don't take a candle in a dark room and the candle doesn't turn dark. It's right. supposed to bright up, uh, brighten up the room. And, you know, for me, I, I could relate, I could give an example of, you know, being around people that drink or being in, uh, you know, family gatherings or, uh, you know, company barbecues where people, you know, are drinking or whatever. And, you know, everybody knows my story, where I come from, you know, and I don't struggle with that anymore. Uh, but you won't ever see me be influenced by them because I took a stand against that in my own heart and who I am as a, as a man. I will never go down that road. So for me to be around people that, that are having a few drinks and stuff like that doesn't influence me. Yeah, and I think that's important and a sign of spiritual maturity. And with that being said, let's go ahead and start looking into the prodigal son. So we're going to start off with the first half of the prodigal son parable. And I really wanted to take a look at where it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And I want to pause there, because I think we need to understand some cultural context here. And I started doing some research and, and found that the Jewish culture, that in the Jewish culture, there were these laws regarding how in inheritances were divided, where if there were two sons, like in this parable, um, the older brother would get a double portion and the younger would get a single portion of the state. And they both would take on the father's responsibilities and basically tending to the family, the property, and the business. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it's total different culture in the way that we see that in American culture. And, and they set it up to where... The older brother, usually the son, mm -hmm. would get a two-thirds, whereas the younger son, if there's two, would get a third of that. Yeah, I would have to think about, like, you know, put yourself in that position, and you, at those times, you know, you had to work. It would be like on a farm, you know, like what we can relate to, you know, working on a farm. And usually the older son is going to have uh, the more, more responsibility, mm -hmm. you know, and... You got to think about everything the the father knows. He's gonna hand it down to his first 
firstborn son. And so in that translation, I'm sure there's a few things that are uh, not translated over, but what the son has is almost everything that the father had as far as knowledge of running the, the estate or the farm, whatever you want to say it. And then his job as the older brother is to teach his younger brother, right, as they're working the estate or the farm, uh, plowing through it. So I think the brother, the older bro- brother is going to have more responsibility and consequences. Agreed. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, you would see them, they get more. Yeah. And also we see that the son saying, give me my portion of this inheritance and let me cash in on what would be mine. You know, the father's not even dead yet. And the son's like, you know what? I want to get out there. I want to experience the world. Let me give me give me my portion of the inheritance inheritance that would be due to me. Yeah. And, and uh, when you think about it, you like that didn't just pop into his head. Right. No. So he's thinking about who, it. Who was he hanging around or what, what did he see? What gave him the idea to, to even cross that line? You know, like that's what I, I think about. Like, all right, you're the younger son. You, you, uh, you, you look up to your older brother, right? And your older brother looks up to your father. And, and you guys have this bond and uh, whatever the dad does, the, the sons do and vice versa, right? You think of uh, how families are. But I wonder, like, maybe something you know, came in and influenced him to to think that way. Yeah. When I'm looking at this, I think in terms of, okay, look at in our day and age, right? What if you, what if the son spent all the time working, um, didn't get, you know, going to school? I'm putting that in a modern context. You're going to school, you're doing everything right, but yet you see the crowd over there at school. Maybe it's the cool kids, or maybe it's, um, you see that there's more to life and you want to go explore that. Yeah. And you're over here just doing, you know, you're, you're handling your business, you're doing your duties as assigned, as assigned. And then you're like, you know what, I want to explore the world or I want to go out there and check that out. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, just kind of when we're reading this, it looks like he's like, hey, I want to go party. Give me my let me give me my money and let me go do my thing. Let me go live the way that I want to live. Yeah. And then, the, you know, it gives him the money. And then we see that uh, we see that once the son gets the money, he takes off goes out and lives it up, squandering the money in reckless living. So here you go. He goes full-on rebellion, and, and he's spending his money. It says that he spends his money. Um, it looks like he's also messing with harlots. So he's just going out there and living it up, Yeah, just squandering everything away. So I was thinking, well, what, 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 can, what kind of lessons can we extract from that alone? Uh, I, when I read this story, I think of just a young me. A lot of young folks that I see out there in the world today, they get turned on to partying if they're at school or, or maybe they just want to just get out and try to live like an adult right. and do their thing, right? right? And then they get caught up in the whirlwind and the, and the cultural tide and, and now the next thing you know, they're, they're partying it up. They're, they're spending recklessly, yeah. buying a bunch of expensive stuff. So one of the things that I learned from just that section there is like, you know, choices have consequences. And we're going to see that from him, right? He, he made the decision and said, you know what? My father is not even dead. I want what's mine because I want to go do what I want to do. Feel, feeling entitled. Feeling right? entitled, like, right? We see that a lot, like right? You, like they have to give you something that you never earned. Yep. Or you haven't even earned it yet, but you want it. Yep. Yeah. And then I you want go, it now. You, yeah. And you, then you think about... Uh, the type of people when he showed up in this city, right? He's New York, Las Vegas, however you want to put it in modern times, right? There you go. Uh, big city fun. And think about all these new friends that he had, right? All these, you see a, a, a guy show up with spending all this money out partying. Look at all the. Hey, I'm your friend. Think, think about all the friends he had, 
you know, during this time that he had all this money. Yeah. Right. So he was uh, just lit basking in the glory of of uh, his his basically his father's uh, hard work. Right. Yeah. And, and spending that money. And, and again, that goes back to the second lesson, I think, would be like, be careful who you hang around with. And mm-hmm. you just said that. They see him. They're like, hey, you know what? Well, you, you got money. Hey, let's go do this. Oh, I know how to have a good time. And then, you know, it appears that uh, probably spending it on women, yep. drinking, or, or whatever might have been popular even at that time. So I think that's funny because we read that with modern eyes. Yeah. And, and, and I can't imagine that even with modern eyes that this would be too different from back then, right? I'm sure there had to have been some type of things going on because when it says he, he uses money recklessly – what would that be? It probably involved drinking. It probably involved, uh, you know, uh, immoral women mm-hmm. and all of that. And you could probably probably burn through it really quick. Another lesson that I think was pretty cool in that is that, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed of what the pigs were eating. Yeah. So you see that he's going out. He's like, hey, I'm living it up. I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, the money runs dry. And what happens when the money runs dry? People probably abandon him. Yep. Right? They used him up, spent him up. And now he ain't got nothing. So what's he got to do? He's got to go find some way to eat. You know? yep. And he goes and finds probably another farmer. Like, hey, how can I help you out? And, and now, now he's, uh, he's down there with the pigs. Like, how low can you go? That's that's rock bottom, right? And, and I think if uh, I, I think about my life and, and and my party days, right? Like I had uh, a lot of friends. I would go out. There was always a group of friends, right? That we'd go out, and there was always you know going to the bars. You even made more friends because you uh, you'd buy shots for people and this and that, right? And the next day, while you're on a hangover and hurting. You're by yourself. And yep. then you start questioning, like, was it really worth it? You look at your bank account. Was it really worth it? You know, and, and I think the enemy sneaks in and uh, kind of blinds us or tricks us to think that um, that this is this is the hot. This is the, the way life should be. This is the, you're, you're living the life. This is so fun. This is so glorious. Right. And this, mm-hmm. You're, you're basking in everything. Uh, you're just having a great time. You have all these people that love you and you have this great uh, feeling inside like, oh, man, I can't wait for next weekend. Right. That's the, that's the cycle we get into. But in the reality of it, you you're you're always by yourself. Right. You're, you're you lose. You're always losing. You're, you're never gaining anything in those situations. You're losing time and you're losing health and you're losing money. Yep. And that it's a spiral down, right? And then you find yourself by yourself feeding pigs, you know, just anything. You, you know, I'm sure he had plenty of conversations with those pigs that he was he was feeding because he had nobody to talk to. Right. You know, he's like, I want your food, pig. <laughs> he's looking at the pig as food. He's like, I see bacon. But also, here's, here's another piece too, right? Like wealth not managed well will lead you to poverty. Because mm. obviously this guy got all this money. He got his inheritance. He goes out and he spends it recklessly. You know, and there's some financial financial literacy there that the kid probably didn't learn. Yeah. When he's going through that, like you know, he could have probably learned to to 
save that, be a little bit more prepared, or had a better foundation financially when he decided to leave his father's house. That's a good. That's a good perspective to to bring. I never even looked at it that way before. That's that's a new way that uh, that I just realized. You know, like there was nothing. He had no knowledge of anything. I, I never even looked at that that section the way you just said it. That's that's pretty crazy to think that. Yeah, it's like he blew his money recklessly. He just blew everything, in. and we, we don't have any time frames. The text doesn't give us any time frames. I mean, we know that after asking for the inheritance, a few days he took off and he did his thing. So he got it and he went out, and I, and and it just makes me think like, well, how did he manage his money? How did he blow it? And I know how, how long did it take him to blow all that money? Mm. Yeah, and I think like those those are lessons that I'm sure his father would have taught him as he got older. Like, this is the way things are. You know, this is how you establish yourself. This is this and that. But, you know, he wanted to be greedy and, and took it all. Yeah, and then as he's at rock bottom, the famine. Famine hits. What What about the dad? What, this is this is something that was bugging me when I was reading this, too. It's like, what, what can we say about the father when it comes to that part? Like, your son comes to you. Think of your daughter or your son coming to you yeah. while you're still alive and saying, I, I, I want the inheritance. I want what's in the will. I want you to give me that. Matter of fact, cash out your 401k, your Roth IRA, and let me get a portion of that that you would give to me when you die because I want to go live my life. Right. How do you think the father would have felt at that? Or how would you feel as a father if your kid came up and said that to you? Man, okay, so at first I would be upset and, and angry, but I think, to be honest, you would you would give them what they wanted because you love them. Would you, though? Like, if that's the, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell them no and keep them there? And they're going to end up running away anyways. They're going to end up making things harder for you around your house. You know, like, there's there, there's a time in, in, in a father's life where he has to make these tough decisions. When my kids got older, we were faced with that same choice, right? Obviously, I didn't have, I didn't have any any royalties or, you know, I didn't have anything <laughs> but, but a good luck check for them, you know, to, okay. for them to leave the house, but... Uh, you know, they, 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 they wanted to leave the house earlier than, than what we wanted them for. You know, we wanted them to wait longer and, and establish things before they, they moved out, but they wanted to go taste that freedom, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to go do the things that they wanted to do and, and live the life that they wanted to live and experience life and the, uh, the way that they wanted to experience it. But to, to be honest with you, uh, David is, I, I think we came to a conclusion, my wife and I, where if if they're gonna leave, they're gonna leave, regardless, right? Mm-hmm. So why not send them out of love? Why not? Why not just uh, like allow them to leave, but do it lovingly? Because those are your children still. You know, those are your kids still. You can never turn your back on your kids, right? You get it's that's that's your flesh and blood. So. Like you, you're, 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 you're forced to make a hard decision, a decision that, that actually, to be honest with you, is uh, a reflection of my failure as a dad to my kids, right? Because I, I, I can look back and, you know, my kids grew up watching me drink and party and every weekend and living the, what they saw and what I was portraying as a fun life, uh, you know, so um, I had to... M- I had to be honest with myself in that situation because I couldn't, I couldn't tell them anything that I didn't do. And I wasn't in the, in the, I wasn't in, I still was drinking when they were, when they were leaving, you know, and I don't blame them. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't make my household a, a fun place to be as a drunk, 
you know, I don't think anybody does. And so, I mean, I was, man, I, it was a tough decision that, you know, we, we had to make. And the way we made it was allowing them to, to leave, but always keeping the door open and always keeping that communication. Because I think if you leave on a bad foot uh, or you leave screaming and, and anger and cussing and stuff at, at each other, you, you close a door to a certain extent, right? And we wanted to at least know that they were okay. Right, but would you give them their inheritance? So it's one thing to say, okay, kids, your kid wants to wants to give their shot at adulting, right? They want to move out. They want to go to college. They want to have their own independence is what we would call it nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Would you, if you had your retirement or let's just say sell your property, do whatever you want, half of your savings, whether you got in some gold bars under the bed, you got in some mattress money, you got it in your savings account, and wealth that you have accumulated, if you've accumulated any, mm-hmm. would you say, all right, you know what? If I die, per our insurance policy, you would get this amount of money. Let me go ahead and give you that while I'm still alive. Would you have agreed to that? I mean, this is a cult. I, I, I think that, you know, the culture plays a lot here. But And when, you, when you're looking at that and you're internalizing that, I'm like, hell no. Yeah. I ain't giving you, you know what? Get a job. Yeah. Get out there and work for it. I will support you where I can. But you wanna wear you wanna you wanna wear the big boy big girl pants? Go ahead and do it. We're gonna be here to support you, whether that's education, whether that's going out and living independently. Um, I just don't know if I would basically cash in whatever I had in terms of accumulations or inherit giving their inheritance before the t- my time is up. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm still alive. I ain't dead. One, I kind of be offended. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I- give me what you would give me if you were to die. Like, what? Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, as much as I want to say, I I would give them you know something. I think it I I would I would have to take the stance that you you you're taking. You're like, hey, yeah, you, you big boy uh, decisions, big boy consequences. Good yeah. luck. And then again, it's cultural. So I mean, I'm I'm not too familiar with all the Jewish culture, so I couldn't say like it. Plus, I didn't have that much. I, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm broke. I don't have. I don't. I don't have all that to give you enough for you, you to go. You want, a, you want a half of my clothes and uh, uh, one of the laundry baskets? Because that's all I got, man. Yeah. But I also think the implications of that in that culture is like when you get that portion, you know, you could choose to take on the family business mm-hmm. or estate. Or you cash out and you do your own thing, but I think because you might have taken that early, it might have you might have forfeited some of the other stuff, right? Yeah. And so uh, there's that cultural piece that plays in there, but just it's just a fun thought thought experiment, right? Yeah. Like, what, what? Like, I'm still alive. You, how, you want yeah, me to give you, you my money? How are you gonna react to your kids being like, "Hey, I know you're gonna die soon." <laughs> you, I, to me, it's like they're kind of hoping, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> they're hoping that we get die that soon money, to get that money, and but. then to come find out that you know if if it's your son and he's out there partying and spending it on all these girls, and you're like, "Boy, what is wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah, and, and I would have to, you know, when we start talking about uh, the dad and the famine at that moment, you know, as a uh, You'd have to think, okay, so this father is, uh, you know, he owns land, obviously. He has a, a pretty big estate. And so when famines and stuff happen, you know, word travels. So you know how to prepare for it or, you know, you know what's coming up. So he was, I'm, I'm guessing, he, would, he already knew that that was going ha- to be taking place. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew my, my, one of my kids were in the city and you know, a famine hit and, uh, you know, I'm far away from the city and 
I would always be getting up early in the morning, checking to see if I see somebody walking down, you know, the driveway or walking down the street, you know, just hoping one day that, you know, they did. So that, um, I don't know, that's that, that whole part, like you have to know, like the father himself it knew, had to know, yeah. you know, what was coming. He had to know when that family was coming. And he also, just to be like, hey, I respect your decision. That's another way to look at it. Yeah. I respect your decision. You want this now? Are you sure? All right, you understand the consequences. If I give you this now, there ain't no... I can imagine that he was having that discussion with his son before he gave him that money. Like, are you sure you want it? Yeah, like, are you sure you want to do this? Yes, I want to go... I want to go live on my own terms. Okay, son, here you go. He gives him that money, right? There's another component here that we got to look at. What about that humility process? Could you imagine the sun hits rock bottom and he's like... Could you imagine just coming to your senses and you're, and you're feeding these pigs and you're looking at the pig like, I wish I could eat what you're eating. Could you imagine how low of a point you'd have to be at to just be like, what am I doing here? And it's like coming to your senses. And for some folks who may be listening to this podcast, you might be there right now where you're thinking like, man, I'm at wit's end. I'm kind of hitting rock bottom. I'm, I'm out. I, you know, I left the nest. Mm-hmm. I'm out on my own. And uh, you know, I know that Hey, my parents, the door, they said the door is open. They're not going to abandon me. Or, or you might be like, you know what? If maybe my parent, my, my father has a job, maybe I can go get a job with them. You know what? Maybe a family member, there's somebody who can help me out. I'm, I'm, I'm like at the bottom and have enough humility to be like, I've sinned, right? He came to yeah. a repentance point where he's like, you know what? I, I've sinned. Uh, how many of my, how many of the folks uh, at my father's place, how many of my father's servants, eat better than me let me go back and ask him to treat me as one of them that way i can live better than what i'm living now when i'm looking at this pig wanting to eat the food matter of fact i'm looking at the pig like i want to eat the pig yeah that's that's humility i think good description to kind of sum this section up with uh what with what you were just saying is you take what the world offers you and you can live for you will live like a king for a day, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You take what God offers you, and you'll always be taken care of by the king. That's good. That's good. I like that. That definitely sums that part up. A- any other thoughts on this about the, the 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 young son? I mean, I can. There's definitely parts in this where I can relate, like just being out on my own. I you know living it up, wanting to. Wanted to experience life and just do things my way, even though that meant partying for me and and doing all the other stuff that I've done. Um, I think there is a time where we kind of just, you know, where life knocks some sense into us and we come out of that. So with that being said, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the second portion of the prodigal song. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe 
and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and the and he said to him your brother has came home your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look those these many years i have served you and i never disobeyed your command yet you never gave me a young goat that i might celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and now is found All right, back from the break and into the second portion of this. Now, Mike, let, let's look at this from the father's perspective. Imagine that, your son, you gave him your inheritance that he asked for. Mm-hmm. He goes off, he's doing his own thing. Come to find out, he's living recklessly. But, you know, you don't know that. You just know that your son wanted to leave and do his own thing. And you're sitting there like, I miss that guy. You know, I miss my son. I wonder if he's doing okay. I hope I hope everything is working out for him. And I wish he was here with us because he belongs here with us. I, th- I think, you know, kids don't realize how much we actually think about them, right? right? As, as parents and as fathers, um, how much you, uh, I mean, you worry about them for day to day things and stuff. But in the grand scheme of everything, I think about my kids a lot. I think about the choices there that they had made, what they're making now, and what I kind of see them making, you know, in the future. And they, I think, at least for me, I don't like to admit too much. It kind of hurts a little bit knowing that as a dad and as a father, I kind of didn't set my kids up the right way. Mm-hmm. So I think natural consequence, I guess we could call it, you kind of worry about things like that, right? Kind of worry about where where they're at, how, things that they're doing, and you just hope that they get home safe at night. And not to mention, we understand how how cruel the world can be. Yeah. And when they're out there on their own, you kind of think of like, you know, especially if you watch the news all the time, you're thinking like, oh my God, there's somebody's going to get them, right? There's a rapist <laughs> running around. Yeah. People are getting murdered, you know? There's all this stuff going on, and when your kids are out there, you're thinking like, worst case scenario, because you're worried about them. It's making you anxious. They're out there in the world. And, and you don't know what they're doing. And I understand that. That kind of, that kind of uh, it gives you an anxiety. Yeah. You know? it's, like going to, it's like going to the beach with your family, right? I don't know about you, but for me, you know, I put on the uh, protective uh, hat, protective dad hat when I go to the beach. Because I know where all the, um, 
well, the things that could go wrong, you know, I'm always watching my daughter, seeing how far she's going out in, in the ocean. You know, she doesn't know about that there's, you know, jellyfish out there or, you Undertow. know, sharks, undertow. Yeah, every undercurrent. There's like, yeah, yeah. there's things out there. But her, from her perspective, she sees a beautiful sand and beautiful water and she just wants to have fun in it. Uh-huh. But I see the dangers of it, right? That's yep. kind of the whole uh, concept of what's going on, you know, with probably the state of mind of the father, knowing that his son went out. You have to think about those things. Yep. And then... You see him coming in the distance, and you're like, "Hey, you know, you're kind of you're wandering. You're going about life, but there's a piece of you that's missing. Your your heart is looking for your son. And all of a sudden, your child comes. You see them off in the distance, and here it says his father seen him out in the distance, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm running. There he is. He's home. Yeah. He gets all excited and he goes off in there, and it says there that the father shows compassion. And just to go back, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I will perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He didn't say I sinned against you. I sinned against heaven, which means he understood who his God was. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he arose. But while he was off, still yet a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion like I wonder if he was looking beat up. Maybe he came with a, a big old beard and just looking all roughed up. Yeah, he, his father saw that in the well, distance. He came, he came, he came, you know, stinking. He's came with, with pigs. dirty clothes and whole, you know, ungroomed. And I feel like that's the way the world leaves us, right? When we yeah. go out and and want to live that life. At the end, when we're when we don't have nothing, we're crawling back to to God and. That's that's who we are. We're we're mm. we're coming from the pits, right? Yep. We're, and and just to just to see like that that image of your child filthy, uh, beat up. I'm sure you know, and just knowing that the world chewed them up and spit them out. I like to think about that. And also think about how there was a time in my life where I was convinced that I had to uh, get right before I get God, right? There was a time in my life where I felt like I had to um, clean up myself before I was able to go to church or go to God or receive Christ in my heart. In this section, this is what this makes me think of is like you come as you are, mm. right? The, the son... The son in this parable, when Jesus was speaking, Jesus didn't say this son went and got cleaned up. He didn't say he went and, and bought new clothes and, and, and started making money and got a new job so he could come to, to his father with something. And it just says he came, you know, from, from the, the pig pit to his father. So, I mean, this part, this part makes me think of that. Like, you come as you are. It does. But it also makes me think of, likewise, that when you leave God and the world does beat you up, that is a consequence of that lifestyle. And part of me, when I'm looking at that and it says that, you know, you see him off in the distance, don't tell me they ain't a part of you that's like, man, I want to smack the hell out of you. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) what's wrong with you? But then it's like, as the fatherly part kicks in, the compassion, like, I love that it says he saw compassion. Can you imagine, like, damn i know life just beat this boy up and here he comes and and i'm just so glad that you decided to come home because you could be dead there ain't no cell phone for him to call yeah you know there ain't no phone lines there right he's gonna have to send some some mail or something via donkey or whatever it's that i i, I love you and he rushed out to him was like hey 
let's celebrate. He was lost and now he is found. Let's let's throw a party. I couldn't um like I'm thinking, you know, as we're reading this and as we're talking, I'm thinking, you know, of picturing one of my kids walking down, uh, walking down back toward, and I can't help but just to get a heavy heart. And, and it, it's, man, it's just, it's unfortunate that that things have to come to those situations, but it's so amazing that there is that situation, if that makes sense, because... Yeah we have a second chance. They, his son had a second chance. There is that second chance. There is that second chance. There's also a part of me that thinks like, you know what? If it wasn't for that situation, would this son have learned that lesson? Because some people, and, and I can say that I've experienced this myself, is I wasn't listening to nobody. You could have told me straight up wisdom, logic, all of that, and I would have not have listened to you at a certain age because right. I didn't have that understanding. And I would have done that. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go do my thing. But it wasn't until life kicks you down that you realize, like, what am I doing? And it took an event or a hitting rock bottom to make you realize that this ain't right. Something's got to change. Mm. And then you start thinking of, well, where can I go to? We can always pray to God. Yeah. Right? God, God is still going to be with you. But who else are you going to go to to help you out? Where's your foundation? It's, and, you know, hopefully you're blessed enough to have that be your family. Yeah. That, that's this. Uh, as you were talking, it reminded me of that book we just read, Imagine Heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's one of those stories in there. And it, this is how, to me, the world uh, works. This is how uh, the enemy works. And one of the stories in, in Imagine Heaven, there was a guy that he, he died and he was in this place and there was these people that came up to him, and when he said that they were coming to him, he thought they were there to receive him and to guide him. And so they started walking. They asked him to follow, you know, follow him. And they, everything, he felt safe. He felt good. Uh, and I'm just paraphrasing. And everything looked like there was no danger. There was nothing that that he was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? He just felt like it was it was fine. And he started walking with these, uh, what they turned out to be demons. Uh, later on in the story but as he's walking he started noticing that they started getting rude with him because he kept asking because they were walking for a while i guess and in, in in his story and they started being rude to him and telling him to shut up just keep walking and their whole manner changed once he they got once he got taken further away that. right once he got yeah. taken further away from the point where uh he was at then when there was no turning back they 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 revealed who they really were. Their tr- they they revealed their true colors. Right, and then they started picking at him and pushing him, and, and then it turned you know very violent and ugly, like tearing him yeah, apart, yeah, tearing him apart and everything else, and pu- biting him, pulling his eyes out, you know everything in in uh, the way he described it in that book. But that's kind of what this that's what the world does to you. It it, it makes it seem so attractive at first. And as you continue to walk and you get further away from who you are or what you believe, then then those those things start revealing who they really are. And those demons start coming out. And once they got you, they got you. Yeah. Right? Until, obviously, you know, you scream for Jesus and you come running back home. But um, that's kind of like some people don't have that. So, you know, some people just get lost in that in that walk. Yeah. 
You're right. And you were making me think of, uh, and I'm going to probably slaughter this, but I was listening to Andy Stanley and he was talking about like how the world tempts you up to the line, right? They entice you. They, they put the carrot out in front of you, right? Like, hey, everybody's doing it. But once you cross the line, it chastises you. Yeah. And so it brings you up to the line. And then when you cross it, it chastises you for that. And yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you. And that's how we see that. And then when we look at that with the father's eyes, we put that protective suite on him because it's like, hey, I know what it's like. Trust me. I'm going to tell you what it's like without allowing the kids to go through it, right? We want mm-hmm. them to listen to us without having to experience that. And I think at some point that's wisdom. But how often, how often has this happened to you where you're telling your kid it could be something about life and you're like, hey, I, I told you this is what's going to happen if you cross that line. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they're not listening to you. And then let's say a buddy or another family member who's not you tells them the same thing. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, I've been telling you that. <laughs> That's everything. They don't want to listen to you, right? And then somebody else comes along and says the same stuff that you told them. They're like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. I never heard of that before. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? You gotta it's be kidding me. Like, it's like they, they put a filter on when you speak, right? Yeah. When, when you talk to them, they're just like, they just want to get away from you right yep. away. But yeah, that's, dude, that's every everything, basically. You know, everything you say to, uh, to these kids, they're, they don't receive it. They don't receive right? it until just, somebody else tells them that and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So that's there we go. We've got with the father, he's like, he shows compassion when he sees his son off in the distance. Um, the, the father doesn't treat him as a hired servant. He's still his son. It's like, no, you're not going to work for me. You're not going to. I'm not. You're not going to be treated like a servant. You're my son. Yeah. You're part of this family. You're not going to be treated like that. The, the The father is happy. His son's alive, and then he, you know, he also throws a celebration of that. But here's something I thought that was also interesting in that. He, the father, to the older brother, tells him, you know, you're always with me, and that all I have is yours. So he didn't punish the son. And we're going to talk about the, the, he didn't punish the brother. Like the brother did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. He's just happy that, you know, he, was, he went south. He was lost and now he's found. So let's go ahead and, and start talking about some of the things that, that you noticed through this uh, parable about the brother. So I think, you know, when you're talking about the older son, that, unfortunately, I feel like is a lot of Christians today. Okay. Okay. That I, I feel like, and, and I, I'm being transparent too, because I, I feel the same way sometimes too. You know, I, I see, uh, I, lose, I lose track of, of who I am every once in a while, you know, and, and Don't we all? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm better than, than anybody because I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that. So I'm being very transparent because there's sometimes I feel like you, you see people being blessed and you're like, God, I've been, I've been fasting for, you know, this, or I've been in my war room every day for this long. And you haven't answered one of my prayers, Uh. but then this guy or these people or this family or this woman accepts you again for the hundredth time they come back and you open the floodgates of blessings. Like, right. What's going on here? This is not fair. And I like I, I honestly see that a lot in church in, in churches today. You see those people that 
that get into that religious mindset and they're like, I, I do all this for God. I do this. I do this. I do this. I do this. I have, you know, like, where's my blessing? Where's my, obviously it's, that's a heart condition, right? That's, that's, that's a different subject at a different time. But I think, you know, when you're talking about the older brother, he doesn't realize that he's been taken care of. He, he doesn't realize that the, just because uh, the, the younger son went out and experienced life and, and got beat up and came back and they celebrated, he doesn't realize that at this moment that everything that his father has worked for is his. Right. Right? And he's never went a day without worry. He never he didn't go a day without not having he didn't suffer, you know. Yeah, I'm sure he works hard. I'm sure, you know, we all at some point we all feel like we're working hard for God's kingdom and and stuff. And then you have like for me, I had to stop and look and be like, look, Mike, uh, look at these blessings around you. You have, okay, you have. And sometimes I think as Christians, we we think that if we're not getting blessed by a new house, if we're not getting blessed by a new car, then God doesn't love us. Yeah. Right, and it's the everyday things, the everyday blessings, waking up, uh, not being uh, in a situation where you have to make a choice that's gonna break your family or you know whatever. Like there's those blessings yeah. add up, and the culture teaches us that too, right? Like you don't see in there that God promised you a brand new car and a house, but yet we live in a consumer society where everything is like, oh, you ain't blessed if you ain't got this, if you ain't got wealth, you ain't blessed, and we look at blessings differently. Yeah. And that, yeah, you're right. I mean, this brother didn't ask for his inheritance. Mm-mm. He was there. And he, he had everything that the father had. He shared in everything that the father had. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, man. And sometimes think, that, that jealousy yeah. or resentment, like, it's like, hey, man, I, I've been praying. Like, I've never, and I'm saying this on here because I'm just transparent like that, but I've never had what I would say is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I've been a believer for the long time. And I'm like, I hear people talking about it all the time. Like, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit came on me. I'm like, uh, yeah, what is that like? You know, I ain't felt that. And then when I see the other side of it where people falling down and kind of stuff like that, I'm like, look, man, um, I even pray to God. I'm like, God, is there something wrong with me that I'm not like having this this moment with you where people talk about where whether they be talking in tongues or whether they feel this extreme uh, closeness. Like, I don't feel far from God, but mm-hmm. I have, I just, I, I don't believe that I've ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before. doesn't mean that I don't believe in it, but I just hear people talking about it like that in church circles and in communities. And I'm like, I wonder what that's like. And I wonder what's wrong with me. What am I doing that I don't get to have that experience? And why am I not being blessed like some other people? Yeah, and I, I think what is... Uh important to uh to point out here is that the what the father says to um to to the older brother when he's when he goes out and and talks to him right he tells him something that that kind of hit me in a it kind of hit me hard kind of hit me in a in a in a different way okay then i mean you go through this whole thing we read it there's tons of stuff we could pull out but there's something that i don't really hear anybody really talk about where the father tells the older son, like, but you've been here with me. Yeah. And the reason why that kind of hurt, or not hurts, but hits me in a, in, a, in a different way is because what it would be like, I can imagine, to have a father, an earthly father, right? Okay. 
to be in that situation to say, yeah, you're right. I've been here with you. You know, there's there's a piece of me that gets jealous of that part of this story okay. because, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't I've never had that. And I think to take something that small for granted puts things in perspective for a lot of people because just the, for the father to say, man, you've been here with me. You've had me. I'm here. Yeah, those times you want to stay up late and talk about things. Those times where you want to walk in the field and just say things or just we're spending time together. Like, you have me, right? Yeah. Like, I think about that. I'm like, dang, man, that would have been so cool growing up with the dad. Because that would be so cool to, 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 to spit a little uh, knowledge to uh, from my father to me as I was growing up, you know, and yeah. stuff. And, and that part of the story, I, I don't ever hear anybody really talk about it, but that's a big statement. That is a big statement. That's huge to me because, I mean, maybe I just noticed it because that's what I grew up without. Mm -hmm. You know, you always notice what you don't have. Um, But I don't know. That kind of just hit me a different way. Yeah. And it's like, where was your heart at, bro? The father come. He's like, hey, come. Your son's arrived. Let's go greet him. Let's celebrate. He's like, what? That fool, he was out there spending all his money with these harlots and, and being wasteful with everything that he received, and you want to give him a reception? We should be giving him the smackdown right now. Like, what's going on here, right? Right. And, he's, and, he's, and he sees that treatment is impartial and unfair, like the brother's undeserving, but the father looks at it as, hey, he's alive. He's been gone. I don't know what happened. I miss him. He's your brother, too. Be glad that he came back to us. Look at the condition that he came back to us in. He's alive. And not only that, the part where it says he repented. Yeah. He acknowledged what was wrong. He's like, you know what? I messed up. I took my inheritance. I went out in the world and I blew it all. You know, I was living, I was living as a farmhand, feeding pigs and, and, and looking at their food, wanting it for myself. I mean, come on. Yeah, I th- I think that's important too to 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 point out that the uh, that the younger brother, the first thing he says is I sinned against heaven. Yes. So obviously he knew what he was the lifestyle he lived, and then for him to say I sinned against you, uh, his dad kind of puts that being repentful or re- re- understanding, uh, acknowledging. You know, when your kid comes to you and says, Dad, look, I I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I it just you you react different, right? And and I, I love here, I'm going to go back to the scriptures here, and something that I, I kind of thought of is when the father said to the older son, you are always with me, and, and everything I have is yours. That's almost saying that they are two in one. They are both the same, right? So when, mm. when, you, when you are the older son in this story, right, it's, it's, it's very important to realize that what what God has is what we have. Like we're he, we're gonna be taken care of. Yeah. There's there's not uh, uh, there's not anything too big for God. There's not anything too small for God. Like there's nothing when uh, nothing that could separate us from God unless we choose to leave. Right. Yep. And I, I just think that's important to point out that he's the 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 father in this parable is put in the. The older brother on the same platform, the same level as him. He's like, you're That's always true. with me. He's like, me. hey, you're on the same. You're always with me. What I and got is yours. I have is yours. Yeah. What is mine is yours. Like, that. That means a lot. It does. That does mean a lot. And he's assuring him, like, hey, I love you. But it also it seems like he, the father understood the resentment that the brother was feeling too, though, because he's like, entreat, 
I don't really know what that means. We should probably look it up. But it sounds like he's like, hey, why don't, you know, your brother's back. Um, the servant said you didn't want to come out and greet him. He goes, I understand. You're probably thinking like, this fool went out there and was wasteful, you know, and did all that. Um, but he's alive and he's your brother. Let's go celebrate. Everything that I have is yours. You've yeah. always been with me. But this fool went out there and did his thing, right? And he's back. We're a family again. Let's celebrate that. So let's, uh, well, anything else you want to say on the brother? No, I think that's, you know, that's pretty much it. I kind of. Well, what can we learn about God through this parable? Oh, that's a good question. You know, like I, I, the, the main thing is, 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 is um, I think two things, right? The first one is that we make the choice to walk away from God and he's going to let us. Right. You know, the father, like, hey, you, you got free will. Do what you will. Okay. He's like, give me my thing. I, God, I can do life without you. But God's always waiting there. Like, he doesn't leave us. We leave him. Mm -hmm. And he rejoices when we've turned from our ways and we go back and seek him. Yeah, I think uh, that that's a good good thing to bring up. It made me think of, like, you hear a lot in, in like, Imagine Heaven, the book we read. And, and, in, the, and in the scriptures and stuff, it always says when, when somebody gets saved or comes back, the, the angels in heaven celebrate. Right. Yep. It's it's a party up there for that for that per, for that person. And that's kind of the same thing with this with this story, with this parable is like when when you return home, there's a celebration. There's no there's no uh, God's not going to sit there and be like, OK, tell me everything you did while you're out there and you're going to pay for everything that you took. And, you know, like there's a celebration like that gives me hope. Yeah. Like I'm not going to get the i think he's like the consequences you've already dealt with them now i'm gonna love you yeah right it's good to know that we're gonna come back and get a tongue lashing right <laughs> like we will with our parents yeah. you know i think for me to kind of sum up this uh this topic here with, with or this parable is a few things one the friends you have when you're when you have everything aren't going to be there when you're when you're in need that this is pretty much what this parable yeah, that's you know pretty much a fact so <laughs> so just know that and i, I think very uh, few yeah i mean there's a few uh maybe that will stick through with you but uh just remember that you know you could the world will offer you to live like a king for a day but when you live, walk with christ you'll be taken care of by the king mm. and you know the other thing is is come as you are right that, that the son came uh as a pig feeder right he's beat up chewed up, smelly, you know, ungroomed. He came as he was. And, and, and that goes for, you know, anybody where you're at in your life, uh, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter what you're going through, or no, no matter what you've been through, you know, you come as you are. And, and, and God and everybody's going to celebrate that. So don't be afraid or don't be ashamed of, of where you're coming from. Yeah. Nor, yeah. let me add to that, so nor should any Christians who've never fallen, like, Resent those who have fallen. Right. Like, we shouldn't treat them like that. Because you act like there's not enough of God to go around. Like, he's in limited quanti quantities to us. If, if somebody messes up, we should celebrate that. Even though it's natural, I think it's instinctual for us to, to get frustrated. Like, you know what? You'd walked away, and now you want to come back? But instead, we should say, you came back. How are you doing? I'm glad you're okay. And we should celebrate that and bring that person back into the fold. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Or the last thing, I'm sorry, the last thing I wanted to, to point out was kind of the last thing I kind of talked about was, you know, that the father had told the older brother that you've, 
you've always been with me. Everything I am, everything I have it, is you and me. It's us. Like, yeah. you know, and just realize that if, if that's if you're if you're the older brother, just realize that God always has you, you know, and, and you're going to be taken care of. So don't waste energy on on judging or being upset. Just jump into the celebration. Yeah. Right. And it's a little thing that I like to say. Um, there's that thing where where we the parables before where he talks about the you know leaving the 99 to go get the one yep. right if you're the older brother in the, in this parable be the 99 be the 99 be the 99 so that's that's what i got yeah, out of this one good. and then just to add one last, final thought on that that um humility is a sign of strength not weakness yes right when you when you recognize i mean it takes it takes a lot for a person to recognize like even you know hopefully before you hit rock bottom but when you're there it's like i've sinned i've messed up and you know what i need help can somebody help me i think that is a sign of strength and we should never um be afraid or ashamed to show that humility because just like mike said come as you are and that takes a level of humility to acknowledge the state where you are and the state that you are in and say here I am. God, forgive me. I need help. All right. So that concludes uh, this episode of the Kingdom Misfits podcast. And we look forward to having you on the next. I know that Mike's going to be bringing a solo version. He's got some stuff that he's going to be wanting to talk to you guys about. That'll be coming up soon. Yep. But uh, again, we appreciate having you guys joining us. This has been great. Mike, anything you want to say on the way out? Uh, if you guys... Uh... Look, man, if you guys are going through anything, uh, reach out, uh, find somebody, you know, reach out to us, um, do any way you can leave a message, uh, go to Instagram, uh, kingdom misfits podcast, uh, leave a message there and whatever you're struggling with, just know God loves you. We love you. Uh, we're examples of people that have been through the mud and have made it back on the other end through Christ. So, uh, if you need that, that help and that structure or that direction, please reach out. All right. Well, hey, this has been the Kingdom Misfits Podcast. I'm David. I'm Mike. We'll see y'all later. Peace.